warning. Pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 295. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, take it. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, it, erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Pushover pop culture. Leftovers. Uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Leftovers. Are, are, are you ready for the only podcast hotter than a human torch? It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're the, we're the leftovers. leftovers. All right, Jake. How you doing? Eh, I'm so-so. Really? So-so? Yeah. I'm hanging in there. Today's my third day of trying to cold turkey not smoke cigarettes. So I'm a little bit like anxiety and super mucusy from it today and... I'm hanging in there. I'm excited to podcast, though, and take my mind off all that nonsense. All right. Sorry. I'm having technical difficulty here. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's fine. First there. time with the new stuff. There we go. There we go. So, yeah, you're trying to quit smoking, trying to do the whole – you're doing it three days in. Yeah, doing it cold turkey, not doing the Shantex, not doing the gum. Um, I did get one of the electronic cigarettes today on day three. Because I just, uh, I needed something. I was, my head just felt like it had a pillow stuffed in it. But. That's that's not cold turkey, then, Chief. I know, I know, I know. But I, I don't plan on buying too much of this thing, and you know, at least it's not the cigarettes. So, how's it working out for you? So good? Is it uh, good so far? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not good, but I, but I'm committed. It's 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 good. I'm I'm in the mental state to do it and not buy them anymore. So I'm I'm gonna get through this. Are you uh you're doing the blue sig? Yes, yes. Have you reached out to Steven Dorf? Who's that? The spokesperson for Blue Sig, the actor from the gate, the actor who was the villain vampire in Blade, the actor who was in season oh, three oh. of True Detective, that Steven Dorf, sir. I didn't realize I, I never watched television adverts so and i didn't realize that they could do commercials for the vape pens and electronic cigarettes yeah this is a wasted conversation with you isn't it it's the whole commercial no, thing you don't watch I'm, commercials 
I'm fascinated. Really, they do. There's e-cigarette commercials. Yeah, there were. I don't know. I haven't seen one lately, but yes, sir. There have been uh, e-cig commercials for the blue cig, and it. Uh, they were uh, Stephen Dorf was the guy that was the spokesperson. Wow, what a scumbag! Anyone that would be would take money and do commercials for companies like that. That's pretty scummy. You're using the product. That, what, what's going on here? I don't understand. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't get. He's he's talking about how he's trying to quit smoking. How he's using Blue Sig to quit smoking. You're doing the exact same thing. You're doing the product the way it was intended. And this guy's a scumbag because he's taking money for it. I didn't even know they advertised it that way. I thought they uh, just advertised it as just a pleasurable thing to do. No, <laughs> no, it's it's not like it's not like the Virginia Slims ad where you got like the Kate Moss looking model and she's like, you know, this is what keeps me thin. <laughs> Dude, Doris by a pool is exactly the image that I saw in my mind when you were talking about this commercial. Um, you, like, I'm never talking blue six with you ever again. <laughs> I'm fascinated. You don't understand how they're. I'm gonna, I'm gonna see one of these. I'm gonna find it. You don't understand how they're advertised. You, <laughs> you have a mental block on Stephen Dorfus for a moment. <laughs> I, I just uh. didn't even. I. I knew there. I knew the actor. I thought maybe you were like talking about someone that had experience. Like I, I just had no idea. I didn't know there were commercials for fucking blue cigarettes. Do all the electronic cigarettes have commercials? I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I just I've seen the blue cig ones. I'm not an expert when it comes down to like which ones have commercials and who's the spokespeople for who and what. <laughs> Is, is like Sharon Stone doing commercials for like views and shit? Like what's what the fuck is going on? I don't I don't I we live in a mad world, don't we, Jake? <laughs> <laughs> what's going on? Jake, it's like it's like this like we could find out in a couple months that Area fifty one's been hiding aliens and Jake would be like, Yeah, but have you heard about these blue sig commercials? Yeah, what if what the fuck? Here it is, Stephen Dorff on a blue e-cigarette commercial <laughs> he's looking it up like like i'm making this shit i oh man <laughs> no, I, I know you're telling the truth i just it, it just blows my fucking mind hold on let's bring our guests in here i want their thoughts on this and we're gonna get to the content chill the fuck out everybody uh we've got uh returning uh rebecca daling welcome back rebecca hey thanks for having me for this riveting blue sig steven dorf conversation so glad i uh, stayed in on Saturday night to have this combo. Oh, you could, you know what? You can always leave. I'm nobody's, I'm nobody's holding you against your will. I know, I know, I'm teasing. It was just hilarious. I like how Jake was asking you for more information. I know. Like, who else was advertising other such, such products? Like I'm fucking Alexa over here. <laughs> hey, Alexa, what else? It's being endorsed by Stephen Dorff. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Not only do we have Rebecca, but we have first-time guests. Uh, Leo. Leo, do you want me to give out your last name? You just want me to call you Leo. You want me to call you uh, – your? Is, is Leo your sign? No, no, no. Leo's my middle name, but that's just what I go by on Facebook so that uh, the people I work with can't find me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very smart. Uh, so yeah. shouldn't throw – should we throw out the last name? Is that a thing? Yeah, no, that's that's fine. Leo Bateman. There, there we go, everybody. Leo Bateman, welcome, Leo. We had the pleasure of meeting you uh, last year at C two E two. Had a fantastic time with you. Happy to have you on the show. Took a while, but we got you on. So we're looking forward to. Anyway. Yeah, I'm ha I'm happy to be here. And uh, you know, guys, I've I've never tried smoking before, but I think I think you talked me into it. I think I'm going to pick up one of these e cig things. Oh no, no that's not smoking. No, don't do it. Don't do it. 
<laughs> All right. Well, you're talking back out of it. There we go. Now you need to get the Lucky Strikes non-filter. Ooh, we're throwing it back to the 1950s, are we? Ah, uh, yeah. I'm talking about I'm talking about fucking uh, you know Polish kids in coal mines smoking the non-filtered cigarettes as soon as they get out of the coal mine. You know, mm, that's that's how you know they're good. That's yeah. how you know they're good. Yeah, I agree with Brian. Don't start with anything less than like Marlboro Red. Mm, okay. All right, I'm writing this down right now. Weird, weird way to start the show. It's weird. Uh, yeah, you know, I feel like I'm going to be bumblefucking my way through the whole thing, so we might as well start off on that that foot anyway. I feel like Jake. I, I feel like I've introduced you to a whole new world. I don't know if it's a good thing or not. Yeah, my mind is blown. I'm reading this CNBC article. It just happened this year. That as of like March 4th, 2019, all the uh, vaping TV commercials started, and there is a bunch of them. Yeah, so it, it's all bizarre. about it's all about trying to get people to quit, like an aid, right? Yeah, it's just when I see, see people blowing cigarette smoke out of their mouth on like, or it, I guess it's not cigarette smoke on a TV commercial. It just like it makes me think of like the fucking like seventies and shit when they still had you know the old game show channels and stuff. It's just crazy. Yeah, when you Never had the very uh, the, the commercial, the very introspective Marlboro man, you know, on his horse <laughs> smoking <laughs> smoking a cigarette, you know. Yeah, man, we got Stephen Dorff, the modern day fucking Marlboro man now. Fucking uh, the, the real Marlboro man died of lung cancer. Believe it. Yeah, true story. <laughs> Look it up, people. All right, uh, hey Leo, I, I you know no iTunes reviews this week, guys. Uh, so you're not going to get to hear the uh, catchy little jingle, and uh, that's your fault for being assholes and not leaving an iTunes review. So blame yourself. It's all on you. Yeah, that's super fucking shitty. No iTunes reviews. I'm yeah. ugh, depressed. Yeah, they didn't get them last week because we lost the first two hours. So yeah, we only had one last week. Jake, literally, I think we only had like five in July. That makes me sick to my fucking stomach. Yeah, man, I'm about ready to vomit myself. Mm. Yeah, that's just because you haven't smoked in three days. Oh, no, I, I, it might be the iTunes reviews. Leo, you had a uh, Michael Cannon mashup. Michael Cannon is an artist of uh, who's a listener of the show, and we do what's called Michael Cannon mashups, where uh, he's an artist out of Hawaii. You can follow him on Instagram at Art Till Dawn, A R T I L D A W N, and we give Michael two things in pop culture. He mashes them up, and then he uses his amazing skills of artistry to draw these things, and then we post them on the interwebs on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, Leo, you said you had one. Better be good. What is it? Yeah, well, I was thinking about uh, mixing a little bit of uh, TV with a little bit of music for uh, Sonny and Chernobyl. <laughs> that's, that's dark. Like so. Uh, eh? What, eh? I I like it. What, how, how? Okay. So what? What is he? What's he drawing? He drawing. Like, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna dictate the man's artistic vision. I just came up with the slogan. All right. I'm so. thinking maybe some. Uh, maybe you could have Sonny and Cher. Maybe with some mutations. Maybe next to a nuclear reactor. There's there's a lot of different ways to go with it. Yeah, nuclear fallout, feel good music. Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe he uh, he's he's skiing and he skis into a nuclear reactor. Oh! <laughs> and you said my joke was dark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, Sunny Chernobyl. I like it, Leo. That's good shit. I also well, go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say I got one more. That's oh yeah, go ahead. Probably not as good, but. 
you know, I think that all kids deserve a good role model, especially uh, at-risk kids. So I was thinking maybe we could do Breaking Bad News Bears. So a bunch of kids on meth. Well, just a bunch of kids with Heisenberg as their coach. I mean, the meth is optional. Okay, so you got – I like that one. Breaking Bad News Bears. And you got Walter White as the uh, – as the uh, – as the he's the coach of the team there? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, I kind of like it. Kind of uh, like yeah. it. Yeah. I imagine the team colors are yellow and blue. You know, I like where your head's at, Jake. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, it's good. Uh, I, I have one. I don't know. You could have started with either of those. Those are actually really good. Those are really good Thanks. ones. They're two of the best ones that I've heard from listeners, man. Really good stuff. Awesome. Yeah. Well, that was me peeking, so it's all downhill from here. So I'm I glad you enjoyed that. Kind of figured. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I got I got one myself. It's it's actually not as good as both of yours. It's uh, Master Chef meets Halo in Master Chef Halo, where Gordon Ramsay uh, is yelling at Master Chief for burning risotto. <laughs> <laughs> I dig it. And it's uh, yeah, that was uh, thanks guys for the rousing standing ovation there. It's like, yeah, I, I should have left. <laughs> Bravo, hats off. Fuck you. What are you? What are, <laughs> you're over there all quiet. You're, you, I don't even think you heard it. You're still thinking about Steven Dorf and these damn blue cigs. I, I watched that commercial. It is crazy. How is it? I don't understand. Like this, I don't. I don't get it, man. Uh, I just can't believe it that we're the FDA is letting like nicotine commercials on TV again. It's nuts. I mean, Nicorette's been out for a long time. Weren't there Nicorette commercials for a while? It's the same thing. Yeah. It's just an aid. I just never thought of this as I didn't think people when they vaped thought of it as a an aid. To quit I don't, I don't I think just, it's like one of those like they're not doing like the actual like vape boxes where you get the kits and you know like, oh yeah you can have some uh, tropical mango vape and that's like a new hobby uh, you know they're trying to they're trying to <laughs> yeah it's I, I was like man the dip no. company should get in on this hey stop smoking <laughs> use some dip no it's this is it's the <laughs> it's the image I think of uh, blue sig and some of these other ones where it's like they're they're using it as an aid to quit smoking I. I don't know, man. I, uh, Steven Dorff is like in black and white and like on a beach and the only thing in color is his pack of blue too. Yeah. Like it is a really artsy commercial. It's a, it's a neo-noir commercial where he's, uh, but what's crazy is he was smoking into two detective season three. <laughs> so I was like, that's, that's bullshit. <laughs> that is bullshit. Those were fake cigarettes. Yeah. So method acting. You know, I was thinking about, uh, Avengers Endgame, which is out now on digital. Mm, yeah, I just watched it yesterday. I was thinking about it, and I was thinking, uh, wouldn't it be funny? Spoilers for Endgame, people. <laughs> if, uh, you know, when Black Widow, when she sacrifices herself at the end, wouldn't it be funny if she, like, landed on top of dead Gamora? <laughs> yes, it would be funny. Like, have... <laughs> like, like Gamora's still down there? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I, I love that joke. Seems right up Marvel's alley too, like, like that kind of yeah, joke. Yeah, you know, I don't know, just like a pile of soul stone people down there that <laughs> they're landing on. <laughs> Let's get some Easter egg dead bodies down there while we're at it too. Wouldn't it be crazy if she landed on so many people that uh, <laughs> it, was like, it acted as like a cushion, or or there wasn't that much distance between her and the ground? She just lands on a pile of people like five feet <laughs> off the off the cliff. She's totally fine. 
<laughs> I love that. And we still cut like the same hard cut to Hawkeye being really sad. Yeah. And then you just hear her like yell down over the dramatic music. Like, uh, hey, I'm okay. You see, you see him wake up from that pool of water and she's like, Hey, I'm over here. You're off in the distance. <laughs> Splashes him in the face. Hey, Hawkeye. And then Steven Dorf comes up on that beach holding this blue sig and he's all in black and white. Dude, that seems like the perfect place to film a blue sig commercial. Doesn't it? it go to Vandor and film your uh, fucking blue sig commercial. Dude, the lighting there is perfect for that kind of thing. Yeah, it's very good. Oh, man. Hey, got exciting news. I Maybe I shouldn't. I'm, I'm going to talk about it anyway. I'm not going to give away too much. Hopefully in October. We've got a listener, um, and uh, he's a filmmaker. Um, he's made one film. He's on his second film. Actually has a Hollywood studio involved in this one. Uh, I'm not going to give out the name of the film, not going to give you any details about it, but I am going to let you know that he listens to Pop Culture Leftovers. It's his favorite podcast. He reached out to me and said, hey, would you like to play a very, very small part uh, for one day of shooting? And uh, I accepted. So hopefully in October, I will be filming. Uh, this is legit because I, as of today, I literally just got the email and that's why I'm talking about it. He sent me a link. I am in IMDB now. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. That's great. Yeah. That's so that's, that's very cool. Yeah. That's very cool. So I'm very excited. It's just, it's it's amazing. I you know, when I get more details about this and when I can talk about it in more detail, I will definitely give uh uh this person a shout out and uh it's it's crazy just kind of like the relationships and the people that you talk to and that you meet through the show um and uh you know i i know he's a fan of our show but i'm also a fan of him as a person um and he, he this person actually had their own uh podcast at one time that i used to listen to so and i was a big fan of so this is just, it's just it's exciting for me to see my name up on imdb so thank you very much for the opportunity and uh, as more news comes out that i can't give i will share that with you exciting things ahead on the horizon jake yeah, that's awesome, yeah. man. Man, time just flies. It'll be October before you know it. So I know. That'll I'll, be crazy. I'll be filming in mid-October, heading up. I'll be uh, making a drive and heading up and uh, filming for one day. And it uh, should be a lot of fun to be on set and, and uh, finally get to meet this guy in person. So I'm really looking forward to it. All right. Are you guys ready to move on into Good Pop, Bad Pop? Yeah. Yes. All right. Sure thing. Hey. 16 minutes and we're getting into good pop, bad pop. That's, like, I don't know, this is kind of a letdown here at the beginning of the show, Jake. I actually agree. <laughs> when you said time for good pop, bad pop, I was like, wow, wow. Geez, yeah, sometimes know. we have to break before we start good pop, bad pop. I don't have any, I, I don't have any good banter. I, hold on, maybe I do have one thing. Here we go. This is a question I saw on Reddit. I saw this question on Reddit. Okay, you're given a million dollars, but there's a stipulation. Every time you spend a dollar out of that million dollars, you sneeze for every dollar you spend. Would you take the million dollars? Jake, would you take the million? So that Yeah, means- I would. I, I actually love the feeling of sneezing. Hold yeah, here's the thing, Jake. You got a million dollars here. You're wanting to go buy a nice car. I'm talking a nice car. You're a millionaire. You want to buy like a you know, let's I'll be reasonable. Like forty thousand dollar vehicle, okay? That means you're gonna sneeze forty thousand times. Yeah. Hmm. So, like, as soon as you sign the deal at the dealership, 
you are sneezing all over the fucking place. Like they're calling paramedics at this point. Like it's, you know, by the time you're like on sneeze 55, I mean, and you got, I mean, there's, you're, you're sneezing 40,000 times here, buddy. Yeah, 40,000 sneezes. If that's a sneeze a second, that's still sneezing for a long time. Yeah. I feel like that can't be good for your heart. No, it's true, because every time you sneeze, your heart stops. Yeah, maybe just um, take the deal, but use it for, you know, small purchases. <laughs> Never, <laughs> like, maybe just only for, like, filling up the gas tank. Like, I, I could think I can handle, like, a 30 to 40 sneeze roundabout once a week to get yeah. free gas. Like, like, like that makes sense, right? Like, I really want to buy this bottle of Coca-Cola. It costs, you know, $3 or whatever. Yeah, I'll use some of the million dollars. I can handle three sneezes for this Coke. <laughs> yeah, don't quit your job over it, but uh, use it for some of the smaller stuff. Yeah, exactly. You're out with your significant other, and it's, uh, you know, it's Valentine's Day. Wanted to take her to a nice dinner, take her, him, to a nice dinner. And, uh, you know, it, the bill comes to whatever. Let's say it comes to 80 bucks, all right? I'm being uh, stingy cheap. It should be more than that for a nice dinner. But it's 80 bucks, all right? Are you, are you doing it? At, are you doing it then? Are you doing it then? Are you spending, are you spending out of your own pocket at that point? Or are you, or are you using part of them? Is, is that part of the deal? Like, like, where does yeah, your I money come to, into play? How do you, how do you I, differentiate? I would work the system. I would work the system and go there earlier and buy um, gift cards for the place. <laughs> Get this, do the sneezing all earlier when she when she's not seeing. That's smart, Jake. That is really smart. Yeah, like you could live your whole life on like gift cards, right? Like you could buy like. A hundred dollar Visa gift card or whatever, and get your sneezes out of the way, and then when you use it, you already sneezed. Yeah, you could go to Wal- like Walgreens at like two in the morning and uh, See? buy a bunch of gift cards and get your sneezing out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you're being all practical with this. You're taking all the fun out of it. All the you know the funny <laughs> scenarios. You're- I think it sounds really fun. No, you're, you're not the way you're doing it. Buy- oh, man, I love sneezing. I love money. Oh, I- shit, this sounds like the most fun thing ever. I love buying gift cards. I mean, come on. <laughs> no, like the whole joke is like every place that you go. Is like you're sneezing like a madman. You're sneezing like a, like a crazy person, and you're like, "Now nah, I'm gonna buy gift cards." Like you're taking all the fun out of it. <laughs> I'll buy gift cards. I'm gonna go to Amazon and I'll sneeze in my own private private space. <laughs> I know it's true. It, we are kind of like getting around it. Yeah, I mean, it's, you took all the fun out of this whole scenario. I know it's, <laughs> it's like those it's like those the, those challenges or like those things on Facebook, like. Um, if you could never buy alcohol again for, you know, ever, would you do it for a million dollars or whatever? And then you got people commenting like, oh, yeah, I'll just have my friend buy it for me. Sure. Like, there's always a workaround to this. Yeah, and I hate that shit. Make, you make- <laughs> I think I think you got to make it where if you're going to spend the million, it's all got to be consecutively. You don't get to pick and choose and say, I'm going to pay out of pocket here and then I'm going to use my sneezes for the money here. Yeah. It's got to all be just in a row. You got to spend that million start to finish before you get to spend any other money. So you got to sneeze all the way through. I would do it in both scenarios, even in the most violent, terrible version of it. Still sign me up. It's too late, Jake. You took all the fun out of it earlier when you were trying to be (laughs) off. <laughs> I'm over there buying gift cards and, but I'm purchasing things online. 
<laughs> I, gotta, I, I would do it either way. I would still violently snot all over the place if it meant taking the million dollars. That's yeah, yeah, I said 16 minutes now. We're 21. We wasted five minutes on the dumbest conversation ever. <laughs> five wait, minutes? Wait. Gosh. I got a follow-up question, though. Fast one. Jake, you said you like the feeling of sneezing. What is that fetish exactly? I don't know. It just it just feels good. It's, you know, like it clears my nose out. I yeah. breathe better the second after I do it. It I don't know. It just feels like a like yeah. a quick cleanse. What do you you like sinus pressure there, Leo? Big fan of that? Don't I, like no, I don't like the feeling of like shit flying out of my nose and all across the room. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. just it's sweet relief, man. It's like uh what, you don't like shitting? I like to keep that in there for a while. <laughs> I mean, I sneezes are very like cleansing, like a really good, strong sneeze. Like you here just feel there. better. Yeah, that's like <laughs> here and there. But I mean, I don't want to be like shitting nonstop from dawn till dusk just to say like I don't want to be sneezing <laughs> the entire way through. Well, it's not like I said, you know, if every time you spend a dollar, you're taking a huge shit. It's like, but there's only so much you could shit before you start so shitting. And, oh my god, there goes my intestines in the in the bowl. So yeah, I don't know. Well, at some point, you're probably sneezing out a lung or something. I don't know. I'm just like when it comes down to the what you what you're asking is there's some sort of like relief after you sneeze you, 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 your head doesn't feel there's not as much pressure it's just a, a little bit of relief you're wanting to put a cork on it and hold on to that feeling a little longer aren't you Leo uh, I must have some problems I need to work through I you know there's there's discomfort either way if you <laughs> if you hold on if you hold on to the sneeze there's discomfort there because you didn't get that relief. I understand. Yeah, it's, there's snot and mucus and shit that comes out of your nose, but I don't know. That's why they invented uh, tissue, Leo. Yeah, All right. Good stuff. Right. I'm the odd man out on this one. You guys got me. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, yeah, it's, yeah. You better concede, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys, for stepping up there while Leo was trying to uh, shame me for like a sneeze. I yeah. know it was, the, it was the great sneeze debate of 2019. Oh man, riveting, riveting conversation. Not really. It was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's jump into good pop, bad pop. For more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. So I uh, I know one other person is uh, wanting to talk about this on the podcast as well. But uh, I and I did talk about it last week, but I wanted to let everybody know finishing up. I did finish uh, the boys on uh, Amazon. When you say you finish the boys, it just sounds so dirty, doesn't it? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I finished the boys. Sounds yeah, it's not. Like, uh, there should be a cop car pulling into my driveway right now, and I say <laughs> something like that. We're, yeah, anyway, inappropriate, you know. So I finished the boys, uh, eight episodes, Amazon Prime, and um, I, uh, I'm going to give the whole series a Tupperware. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. I, I absolutely loved it, and I'm glad it's been uh, 
given a season two order. They're actually, I think they're filming now, as a matter of fact. They're getting a head start on it. And uh, really looking forward to it. I know, Rebecca, you've seen this as well. I don't even, I don't know how you feel about this series at all. So I'm interested to hear your take on the boys. Yeah, I, um, I finished the series as well. I binged it in about two days. Um, th- this was the show that I had seen a, the, the first episode in the theater a- ahead of time. So I was really excited about seeing the rest of the show. Um, Overall, I am going to give the series a Tupperware also. I really enjoyed a lot of the issues that the show brought up, uh, the abuse of power, uh, the idea of um, what makes a good person or, or what makes a hero and what makes a bad a villain a bad guy, like that kind of stuff I enjoyed. Um, I am, I'm not going to lie. The, the first episode had some stuff about the deep and um another woman in the show and i felt like the resolution of that at the in the last episode i wasn't a hundred percent happy with it um i'm interested to see where they go with it for season two um but i thought that overall like everybody gave excellent performances I, i i'm a huge fan of this of of Carl Urban. I thought he was great as Billy Butcher. I loved the guy who played Huey. I thought he was great. Um, yeah, overall, I really recommend watching this. And I'm, I have never read the comic, which I'm kicking myself about because I'm dying to read the source material now, which I'm going to do. But I'm super excited to see what they bring for season two on The Boys. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. I, with, with what happened at The Deep, I think it was, uh, what they did with him later on, I think I, I want to focus on one word and humiliation. And that's what, that's what kind of like, I was, you know, I was kind of like, good, mm-hmm. I, I, good. It, you know, that, that, yeah, no, I mean, for sure. Like he has to take like a, this, yeah, he, he does get humiliated. I agree. But I felt like in the last episode, and I don't know if you'll agree with me on this, but I felt like there were, he was brought, he was humiliated so much. He was brought down so far because of how how much bad stuff he had done, and it was sort of this moment at the very end where he was like, "Oh, I'm so sad," and they're playing like this sad music, and like I wasn't sure if the show was telling me I should feel sorry for him because I don't feel sorry for him. He's an asshole. He's a jerk. He's beyond that, and. I wasn't sure what the show was trying to say with that scene of like, oh, we should feel sorry for him because he's he's been through so much and now he's like eh, stuck in the middle of nowhere. I, I don't know. Um, I don't. I didn't get that at all. I felt it was yeah. all about like the, the, the progression of the character is just seeing his fall from where he was. Like he was at the at the top and 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 just this because of his actions. All these bad things kept happening to him the way mm-hmm. it should have gone, in my opinion. And and it right. ends with absolute humiliation there. So I, I didn't I never felt sorry for the character. And I would hope that the showrunners and the people that are involved in this are not planning some sort of like a redemption thing for this character, because I never once felt bad for the character. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, I certainly didn't feel bad for him either. And like so the, the fact that you didn't feel bad for him at any point to like kind of is like, okay, maybe that was just my feeling on it. And, and I could be in the minority on that. But um, I do think the show raises a lot of really 
good, very topical questions and things that are happening in today's world. And I just, yeah, I thought it was so well done. Um, I have to say by the end of the series, I loved Frenchie. I think he became my favorite character. Um, I thought he was so well played by the actor and I thought his storyline was really good. It's just a really well done show. I thought even, even down to the music was just perfect. Yeah. I, I highly recommend people check it out. I am just 100% like over the moon. There's three characters. I love, uh, Carl Urban as Billy Butcher, uh, Jack Quaid as Huey. And then, uh, what's her name? Moriarty, Aaron Moriarty as uh, starlight. Uh, the, the three of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the, and it all kind of like revolves around Jack Quaid's character of Huey. Like his relationship that he has with Billy is, is just amazing. God, and I'm leaving out that one actor that played Homelander. He was fantastic too. Fuck. Oh, Anthony Starr. Anthony yeah, Starr. He, God. He is great. You know, talk about like a really, like every character here has like a lot of like multi levels. Like even when you first meet like someone like Queen Maeve, who's like a Wonder Woman type character, um, it would be so easy to put her in a certain box of who she is and, and, and what she does. And her character is very multi layered. I, I just felt like all the characters were just really well flushed out. You got really good backstory on the, on all of these people. And the series ends on a really great cliffhanger, or the season, excuse me, ends on a really great cliffhanger. And I just think, wow, like, it, it, it makes me super excited to see season two. And I, I can't wait to see what they do with these characters. From what I've heard, that cliffhanger at the end of season one is not featured in the comics. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So this is like brand new territory. So I doing something different here. I mean, it all started with a vision from Garth Ennis and now it's being brought to Amazon Prime and this show is fantastic. Leo, have you started the boys? That sounds dirty too, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like, uh, um, I have not started the television show, The Boys, uh, but it is on my list. It looks, I'm super excited about it. It looks phenomenal. Like, I love superhero stories and I really like the kind of dark twists on things too. So it is on my list to start, but I haven't started it yet. Yeah, this is, uh, this is one of those shows that might, uh, show up at the end of the year for the, you know, best of for the, the, the tuppies. So we'll see. Cause, uh, I mean, this is one of those shows. And, and we've got plenty of the year left, so who knows. But, man, this is – I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Jake, have you started this one? No, I've not started The Boys yet. I, I am excited to to see it. I should get on. And I, I do like the Garth Ennis material quite a lot normally. So Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I need, I need to check this out. I'm, I've heard nothing but good things. Um, it it seems to be pretty well received by everyone, too, from what <laughs> I've seen on, like, Twitter and everything. Yeah. Like, yeah. It really has. It's uh, been critically um, – not everybody, but I'd say the majority. If you're looking at the majority, the majority of people are loving this, and uh, it's really turning a lot of heads. I am going to tell you right now, Rebecca, I think I like this. I know. Actually, I'm not think. I know I like this more than the Umbrella Academy. Oh, that's really interesting. That's really interesting. I don't know. I'll be totally honest with you. If we're talking about, like, for shows they've seen this year, like, Number one for me is still Wayne, and this comes really close. And it's not like it's more similar in the material to Umbrella Academy than it is to Wayne, of course. But 
Um, yeah, I'm just comparing it from comic book to yeah, comic book. I, I com- hear you. Yeah, yeah. I, I, as far as those go, I, 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 I'm putting this above Umbrella Academy. Wow, I don't know if I, I don't know if I can, but it, it's it's right up there because I love the Umbrella Academy. Thought it was really great too. Yeah, I don't know. I think the story just hit me a lot more because I've grown up with DC Comics. And I feel like this is just taking what we know uh, about the uh, Justice League and uh, flipping it on its head. And I, it, I, I just, just absolutely incredible to to watch this entire season. So fucking good, um, and very topical for stuff that are that's going on today. Um, I, uh, I it's crazy with how long ago it was written. Yeah. Yeah, it, well, you can always update things. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. true. But I mean, I I do kind of know a little bit of the gist of of some of the comic stuff, and it yeah. doesn't seem like it would take much tweaking to get yeah. in what's going on with like today's you know climate. Absolutely. Uh, real quick, I forgot to mention it last week. Uh, I just want to give my quick rating on this one. I did, Rebecca, and you reviewed this quite a few weeks ago. I did see uh, the Last Black Man in San Francisco. Oh, nice. What'd you think? I really loved. I'm, I, it's so weird, cause like, I don't, I'm, it's not like I just like, oh, I agree with Rebecca, but I do agree with you as far as like that first hour was kind of not, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. It was like that last mm-hmm. hour that really hit in this movie. Yeah. And so I give the last hour like a Tupperware, especially the last 30 minutes of this movie was just incredible and, um, an amazing story. Uh, if you want to listen to more about this, just listen to Rebecca talk about it, but I, I just want to give my rating. Just because of that, the beginning and just, I'm gonna give it a high taste it, but that, that mm-hmm. I, it's definitely something that I think you should watch. It's just, um, it took a while to get there for me. And once it got to that last hour, I was like, damn, this is, this is fantastic. I really liked it. it just took a while to get there. Cause like that first hour, I was just like, okay, when are we gonna get good? Cause I hear this gets good. Yeah. No, I, I can't, I can't disagree with you. I also struggled with that first hour of trying to figure out like where this movie was going. Um, but then when it, once it gets to where it is going, yeah. it's completely riveting. Like it's, com- it, you're just glued to your seat. And I, I think I gave it a Tupperware you did. overall. You did. I, I really loved it, but a high taste is nothing to sneeze at. No pun intended to our previous conversation. Uh, but, you owe um, me a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. No, it, I agree. Like basically, when your review, you said that first hour, and the, but the last hour, and I, I totally agree with you. I just, I, I, I don't know. I felt like that first hour could have been done, done a little bit differently, and but overall, I think it's a fantastic film. Um, one thing I want to talk about here, real quick, before we do talk about Hobbs and Shaw. Did everybody get a chance to see Hobbs and Shaw? I did. Sure. Yes. All right. Everybody saw Hobbs and Shaw. Before Hobbs and Shaw started in my IMAX screening, I was lucky enough to see the new teaser trailer for Christopher Nolan's Tenet. So this is the new Christopher Nolan film that's coming out next year. We're getting the teaser trailer one year before the movie comes out. Um, Before that trailer even started, they showed the trailer for 1917, which we'll talk about that trailer later. And it reminded me of the look of Dunkirk, which was Nolan's previous film. It was a, which was also a World War One movie. I was like, I, I thought, oh, this really, this looks a lot like Dunkirk. And I, I thought to myself, wouldn't it be cool if they dropped Tenet before this movie? Like they dropped the 
the trailer for it. I just thought it just for a moment. And then my jaw hit the floor when I realized what I was watching. The final trailer before the movie showed was the Tenet teaser trailer. And um, I'll be honest with you. It nearly took me. I don't know. This sounds like I'm exaggerating, but it's totally true. It took me close to 10 minutes to kind of like get into Hobbs and Shaw to kind of like recover from like just because you were thinking of all the other stuff. I was thinking about Tenet because it's like that's what Nolan does when he throws a trailer out there. It's it's very secretive. It's very mysterious. Doesn't give a lot away. And so I'm thinking like, what did I just watch? What what happened in that trailer? What is this movie about? And Hobbs and Shaw is playing the whole time. And I'm just trying to like, trying to get myself like back into, or trying to get myself into Hobbs and Shaw because I'm still kind of like reeling from the fact that I just saw the Tenet trailer. Um, it, this trailer, it just dropped in random theaters. Like Warner Brothers didn't release a list of theaters that they screened it in. Um, it didn't matter. Like, I, if you went to an IMAX or if you went to a 2D or you went to, it didn't matter. They just dropped it in certain cinemas. Jake, you went to an IMAX, correct? Mm-hmm. At AMC. Yeah. I also went to an AMC IMAX and you didn't get the trailer, but I did. It's just, it was completely random as how they screened this. It, uh, so, um. Yeah, the trailer played in my showing. Did it really? Yeah, way up in fucking Montana. Wow. Wow, dude. That's crazy. Um, I'll God definitely... damn it! I'm here in fucking New York City and they didn't fucking play it. I'm so angry. <laughs> oh, you get everything else. <laughs> so annoyed. Yeah, I honestly yeah. think that they know that I'm sure it did screen in places in New York City, of course. But I think that they know that like they're gonna get like the Los Angeles crowd. They're gonna get the people. I think that they are looking at people like, you know, ooh, can we get more people to watch this in the Midwest, you know, in the Northwest and stuff like that. So makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. What the fuck do I know, Rebecca? Right? Well, I mean, I think you're right though. I mean, it's not like I mean, we even if like movies come out in a limited release, right? We know the cities that it usually hits. New York, LA, uh like maybe one or two other big San Francisco. Like a couple of big cities will get like these limited release movies and then and then it'll open everywhere else. So like, I mean, if they're thinking like we don't need to show this in New York right away or in all theaters in New York because we know New Yorkers will go see it or whatever. I I get that. I mean, I I'm just really pissed because i wanted to see it yeah yeah well uh, here, here's the thing that the movie it's being described as an action epic evolving from the world of international espionage and leo will probably agree with me that the trailer did not show a lot did it leo yeah i honestly can't even hardly remember anything about it that's how little it showed uh here, I, I want to talk about it. I want to, I got a little bit of speculation, but I mean, there's really not a lot to go on here. Right. It showed the star of the film, uh, John David Washington from, uh, Black Klansman. He's the son of, uh, Denzel Washington. Uh, no other cast members were featured in this trailer other than John David Washington. Um, when we do get the film, they've cast Robert Pattinson, who's going to be our new Batman, uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson, uh, Elizabeth Debicki, Kenneth Branagh, uh, and Michael Caine. Um, the last two that I mentioned are, of course, uh, you know, Christopher Nolan favorites that he's used in most of his other films. 
I uh, haven't heard an announcement as far as I know for uh, Killian Murphy, but that's another guy that he likes to put in his movies. So the trailer, it starts, you got John David Washington and he's staring at this bullet hole that has like cracks around it in this large pane of what looks to be like bulletproof glass. Did it look to you, Leo? I don't know if you remember this. Did it look like to you that the bullet hole was still smoking? It felt like there was uh-huh. still like, it's, it felt like there was movement going on, some kind of like smoky movement going on in that bullet hole. Or maybe I'm remembering wrong. I, you know, I don't remember that, but I think in that moment, I was so focused on trying to like figure out who was behind the glass, like what the actor I was looking at, uh-huh. who it was. Um, so my attention was like away from the bullet hole itself. Okay. Yeah. I was, I was focusing like on the bullet hole and it looked like it was moving. I, it was, it was weird. It was a weird shot. Um, you see other characters behind the glass and he's walking towards the bullet hole, kind of examining it. And then the screen cuts to black, and you see the words, time has come for a new protagonist. And then it goes back to John David Washington, looking at the bullet, and he's moved farther back now. He's like, so he's farther back from where he was, and this is after we've seen him walking towards the bullet previously. And then the screen cuts to black and says, time has come for a new kind of mission. Um, and then they cut back to him and he's even farther behind the glass and he walks towards the bullet, but this time he touches it and then it come cuts to black and says from Christopher Nolan. And this is when I kind of like lost my shit and I was like, Oh my God. Um, and, uh, we see Washington as he moves to, Another, I think it was another bullet hole. It's off to the right. It's either more cracks in the glass or it's another bullet hole. And it's, I thought I saw two bullet holes. Yeah. I think you're right. I think it is another bullet hole now that you say it. So he touches the second bullet hole and we see the movie logo, which is the word, uh, tenant. And tenant, the word itself is a palindrome, which is, it's a word, um, that no matter how you look at it, it's spelled the same forward and backward, kind of like, you know, race car or, or the name Hannah. So it's a palindrome, but the final E and T are upside down and the logo is spin spinning counterclockwise. So there's a lot to talk about just with the fucking logo and the name of this. I mean, the upside down E and T and the logo spinning. And as the logo spinning, it's always turning and it's always, it's always kind of saying tenet. Um, and it's going counterclockwise. I'll talk about a little bit of that later here. We get, we then get a bunch of these different quick scenes that include John David Washington wearing riot gear. We see him running. We see him punch a guy in the face wearing uh this time he's wearing a suit and i believe that those scenes were shot in italy but i'm not 100 percent sure um we see a shot that really stood out to me and it was a shot of him being taken captive these two men are holding him one on each side and he looks beaten up and exhausted and then the trailer's final shot is washington standing um with an oxygen mask on his face and then a door in front of him opens, and that's when the trailer ends. Now, the whole time, 
like I'm in the IMAX theater, the sound is incredible, and the whole time the score is like this pulsing bass like Nolan loves to do. Um, mm-hmm. But this time it's not from Zimmer. We're getting Ludwig Göransson from Black Panther is scoring this this film, which is very exciting. Um, and I don't know if you notice this, Leo. I mean, it's there's a shot where he's walking between those bullet holes. Did did it look like to you? And I don't know if you remember. I mean, I've only seen it once. This trailer has not popped up online, as far as I know. And if it has. Like it's been taken down off of YouTube and, and other sites, but it looked like the shot where he's walking between the two bullet holes. It looks like he's walking backwards in that shot. So I don't know if you noticed that. I did not catch that. On honestly, I'm impressed with your memory. Like everything you're describing, like it. I did. I retained so little from it, but yeah, I I couldn't tell you. Sorry. I think that. This movie has to do with something with time and um, the teaser itself focuses on that word twice. It That would make sense from everything you've described too, like with the the logo like spinning counterclockwise. Yes, and, yes. Yeah. The logo spinning events cl- happening backwards. The the fact that it's a palindrome that it's the same at the beginning and the end, it's spinning counterclockwise. Uh, yeah, it's Oh shit. I mean and well here you got to notice that when it has like the words pop up on screen, it says time has come for a new protagonist. It doesn't say the time has come for a new protagonist. It says time has come for a new protagonist. And then it says time has come for a new kind of mission. Shit. You're right. <laughs> so it's focusing on the word time. I, I think we might be looking at something that's dealing with um, spies that are dealing with um, the, 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 space-time continuum here. Huh. That's all I know. There's literally, I I have nothing really else to kind of speculate here. We didn't get any, um, we didn't get any dialogue. We didn't get any of the other cast members in this. It was 100% John David Washington. I've only seen set photos from Italy. And Rebecca, Jake, I sent those to you. Leo, did I send them to you as well? You did, yeah. I got a chance to look at. There's them. nothing that I'm seeing from those that tell me anything about this. There's like, uh, yeah, me either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this this movie does seem so much more like Nolan esque than um, Dunkirk, though. It's got me really excited. Just like my favorite of his stuff, you know, is that you know, like the Prestige and you know Inception, and just when he does that kind of mindfuck type of movie. So I'm really excited to see what's going on here. Oh, see, I, I'll i agree with you. I'm really excited to see what's going on here, but I I am not taking anything away from Dunkirk. It was It's one of those things where you like to see some of these directors do a war film, you know, like Steven Spielberg with Saving Private Ryan. Like, what would it be like? Yeah, I've seen Lo- Lucas do it with uh, Red Tails, and now getting a chance to see, you know, Nolan do... Dunkirk, which in my opinion, seeing that in the IMAX was just incredible. I thought that that was just a fantastic movie, but it is kind of, you're right, Jake. It's, it's with, with Dunkirk, it's, it's a different thing. It's a war movie. This is, this is what Nolan does best. Science fiction, mystery, you know, we're getting back to kind of like the inception stuff here. And this one dealing possibly with the space time continuum, spies. We know it's going to deal with spies. I am yeah. just kind of uh I am I am so hyped for this. 
and we're a year out. Rebecca, you got any thoughts on Tenet? Is this one you're looking forward to? I know you were you were very bummed that you didn't get to see this trailer, so. Oh, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I mean, I've enjoyed a lot of Christopher Nolan's films. Um, and, you know, whenever he picks a project, like, we know that he picks projects that are, like, really interesting and different and um, – which makes him such an interesting filmmaker. So to find out that they were dropping this teaser with with some showings of Hobbs and Shaw, I was like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. I can't believe I didn't get this. But, um, yeah, I'm super excited. I saw the pictures you sent me. I mean, they don't really reveal anything because <laughs> um, it's yeah. just like what I think there's like people walking around on the street. Like it doesn't really yeah. reveal anything. And it's, it I looks mean, like it's in between takes, too. So it's just like we're looking mm-hmm. at like what they're wearing for that scene, right? Yeah. Like it's it's so it's like it's, it's like whatever pictures yeah. um elizabeth Debicki's wearing a summer dress you know and you've got Ooh, i know spoiler i know it's yeah. like <laughs> you know she looks like she's on the cover of vanity fair or something it's like you know yeah, or, yeah i thought vanity fair too and so and then you've got john david washington and he's just kind of like wearing a suit so I, mean, I didn't learn anything from these uh these italy photos so it's i oh my god it's it's just like you know i you gotta understand like i'm a, a Nolan films, Tarantino films, Marvel films, like, this is all, like, these are all events for me. These are, these are, this is what gets you excited about cinema. It's not like the new Sonic the Hedgehog trailer. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not like that. Yeah. I don't think that excited anyone. <laughs> like, no, like, not really. a Nolan movie, like in the sports world, like the Nolan movie is like watching like the World Series or something, you know? It, like, it's, it's, it's getting ready for something. You know you're going to get something amazing. So I'm really, really looking forward to to this one. I, and I'm looking forward to you guys seeing the trailer and being just as confused as me and Leo. That's hilarious. Have you guys? Yeah, almost, did you guys see the uh, official motion poster that I posted on Twitter? Yeah. No, for Tenet. Yeah, for Tenet. There's an official it's motion poster. Really, it's really cool how like <laughs> the word Tenet spins around. Yeah. Like. Because it is a palindrome, like, it, you could do that and it, it just looks super cool. Like, he's definitely, he's definitely keeping everybody in the dark, obviously. Like, he doesn't want to give too much away, which is smart. We're a year out. But, um, damn, if he isn't teasing tons of, like, weird, spooky, science fiction, time travel shit, like, Super cool. I, I am really excited to see. I want someone to drop this trailer. Somebody, somebody recorded and sent it to me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I, understand. I was only able to find like, uh, four screenshots from the trailer, which I sent to you guys, but that's, I mean, that's really all I had. But, uh, um, you know, it's, I, I'm, I'm upset that I didn't get to see it, but I applaud Nolan for doing this. Like, yes. I, I think that's really exciting that. Brian, you got to have this experience. Uh, I mean, Leo got to have it too, but you know, he didn't remember any of it, so it yeah, lost there. Like, but uh, <laughs> mine was wasted. I, I wish I could have <laughs> traded with you or Rebecca. See, but I, I just yeah. think that's really cool that he gave you that experience of seeing a trailer for the first time in the theater again. Man, I yearn for that experience for fucking any Jake, movie, you know, Jake, let alone a Nolan. They've been doing this now for a while. Not, not all the time, but hold on, let me explain this. I'm glad you brought this up. I got to see Us, the trailer for Us, one day before it dropped online. Now, listen to this. Uh, last week, 
I got to saw see saw I got to saw I got to see the trailer for Queen and Slim one week before the trailer was officially released online. Queen and Slim, the Daniel Ooh, Kaluuya I, movie. I, yeah, I saw that too. I didn't realize I was seeing it in advance. Yes, I believe we were. And then The Hunt, the movie The Hunt, uh, the new Betty Gilpin movie. I saw the trailer for that two weeks ago before it was recently released this week online. Because when I got out of the theater, I was like, let me look up the trailer for The Hunt because I really want to post this on Twitter and uh, let everybody see this. Nowhere to be found. Only thing that you could find is the uh, teaser poster. This is a movie that's got uh, Betty Gilpin. I know Glenn Howerton's in it. And uh, they recently just released the trailer for The Hunt now online. They're starting to do this again, Jake, which is you yeah, just, yeah, that's awesome. But, you know, I mean, I guess the difference is here. It's like, you know, a Jordan Peele movie seeing that early is very cool. Nolan seeing that early is very cool. But not a lot of people are realizing that they're watching Queen and Slim or The Hunt one to two weeks early before the official trailers released online. It's just, you know. So have you guys seen yeah, I like the practice for the bigger movies though, man. I would love to see like the bigger franchises like yes. adhere to this. Man, I would love to see the next big Marvel movie in the theater for the first time and be like rocked that I'm seeing the Marvel logo. Here's the thing though, Jake. They have their events. They have D twenty three. And you know this. I'm not telling you mm-hmm. something new. I'm just throwing this out there for the audience. They have their big events. They've got D twenty three, they've got this, they've got that. But you're right, Jake. They don't, it's not like D23 rolls around and they can show every trailer that they've got. I mean, we've got three to four movies a year, you know, if you want to include Spider-Man movies, because Sony will give them that fourth movie that's included in the MCU. But you've got three movies a year. It's not like you're going to drop all three trailers at D23 or at San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah, exactly. That that would just be great. I mean, any maybe try it with one of the, you know, like a Doctor, Doctor Strange, Strange too. Doctor yeah, Strange. Why? Yeah, that's the movie. Can you imagine? Can you imagine going to a screening for just whatever random fucking movie, and then and walking out and being like, I just saw the new Doctor Strange into the multiverse. Is that what it's called? Into, uh, into the in the multiverse of madness. of madness. Yeah. Can you imagine yeah. that? That would be awesome. And I feel like that's the kind of movie where they could show us 30 seconds before showing us a Marvel logo where we have no idea even if even, uh, it even is the Doctor Strange movie because yeah. it seems like it's going to be kind of that out there this time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, I agree. I think they're leaning into a very different type of movie with that one. They're, I mean, they've said something along the lines of like this is supposed to be like the first Marvel like quote unquote horror type film, um, well, the, or at least the trail, the, the the title, uh, you know, in the multiverse of madness is very uh, uh, Lovecraftian. Lovecraftian, very Lovecraftian. So it's, mm-hmm. I mean, we're, I think that that's kind of like the feel that we're going to get out of this movie. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's going to be a very different feel than previous Marvel films, and that's a great example, like of how they could drop a trailer in the theater first and then um 
and then drop it online because I think you could do it with that. And 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 speaking of the hunt, Brian, I actually I, I saw Crawl in the theater not that long ago, and they showed the trailer for the hunt before Crawl. And I remember thinking, oh, I've never seen this trailer yeah. before. Yep. What What is this movie? It's not even on my radar. And then, like, a couple of days later, I saw it had dropped online with, like, a, a synopsis. And I said, oh, I already saw this trailer right. in the theater. Uh-huh. So, yeah, what what a great, smart marketing idea. Because to see that trailer for the first time on the big screen was so much fun of being like, I don't even know about this movie. What is this? It's so exciting. I I think it works. Here's yeah. the thing. I uh, here's the thing, Jake, Rebecca. I'm gonna agree with you. I think it works for movies like The Hunt. I think it works for you know Queen and Slim. But as far as the Marvel movies go, I think what you what we need to also understand is in today's day and age, it's all about getting the marketing helps when your trailer does drop on YouTube and it gets all those views because then within the first 24 hours, if you beat some kind of fucking record, you're going to get an article saying, ah, the new Doctor Strange has beaten the YouTube views within the first 24 hours and you've got the major media outlets doing your marketing for you at that point. So everybody, yeah, you're right about that. Maybe the best of both worlds, though, like kind of what we were saying, and because I agree with what you're saying, that's a more like that's raw, crunchable numbers that they can't get from butts and st- seats at the movie theater, and they can flaunt that. But man, maybe just mixing it up because back when like the Star Wars prequel trailers were happening, we would go, we would pay to see whatever movie we had to see to see the trailer. And I feel like these Marvel movies have gotten that big where they held back for two weeks and said, go see whatever the fuck a wrinkle in time two to see, you know, the new doctor strange trailer that they'd put more butts in seats. I mean, we're looking at, we're, I mean, that was, it's 20 years ago though. You know, we're looking at, it's a new, it's new day and age where if, you know, and we're talking about number one, just going into the theater blind and seeing a trailer for the first time back then we did know, it was going to be before said movie. And so, you know, I mean, I don't, yeah, that's true. It's, it's kind of a different practice with the blockbusters than yeah. it is with kind of the, the softer movies. I guys, I'm in total agreement with you. I'm in total, I'm being suit Brian right now. I'm in total agreement with you that I like going into the movie theater and having a genuine surprise. I'm telling you guys, I was shocked and fucking reeling that I just watched the Nolan teaser trailer before Hobbs and Shaw. I was, I was just, I was like, oh my God, it was a great experience as a fan of Nolan, as a fan of his films. And, you know, it would be amazing to have that happen with a Marvel movie. I just, I I don't see that happening with all the... Yeah, I I tend to agree. I am kind of just romanticizing about like the perfect world and i don't really think that that would happen and Mm. this is kind of in step with nolan nolan is kind of that guy where he's a bit pretentious about filmmaking and you know he's anti-3d and anti-post credits and you know all that kind of stuff you know so you know who's shocking me these days about like you know you'd think this guy would be pretentious about films and, and all this stuff you know who's shocking me recently is quentin tarantino yeah i mean just the idea of of saying he would do a Star Trek movie or even entertaining that is well, shocking. Also, I, I wanted to bring this up. Like, 
the they Netflix. If you go to Netflix now, they have what's called the uh, the Hateful Eight Extended Edition, where they've broken down the Hateful Eight, I believe, into five or six parts, and it's uh, now broken up into like a mini series where Quentin Tarantino's added an additional, I believe, uh, twenty to thirty minutes to the movie, and you can watch it kind of like as a, as a mini series, and. Uh, when it was first like dropped on Netflix, to, with no fanfare, like no nobody's talking about it, like it, it just dropped and nobody's talking about it. Like the thing out there was like, yeah, okay, they, you know, Netflix just did an extended edition. They just added an extended edition, and people were like, Quentin Tarantino's not involved in this at all. Like this is just something. Well, uh, Slash Film actually reached out to him. And they were able to find out that Quentin Tarantino was 100% involved in, it's, he's not, it, in doing this for Netflix, this extended edition. He's not that, you know what I mean? You'd think that he would be like, no, my movie, I put my movie out there. I'm, there's nothing else I want to add to it. I don't want a director's cut extended edition. No, he, he, he was 100% for doing this he just wanted to be in control of it and put it together himself and now they're talking about i read an article today that they're talking about adding an additional 30 minutes to once upon a time in hollywood and possibly doing an extended edition for that that will also land on netflix yeah i, I read a bit of that too and he's he seems like he's really serious about doing the uh spinoff tv show based on uh the old cowboy western show i was surprised that okay so hold on some like i talked about this with somebody last night i didn't get to read that article so they're doing it on bounty law yes he he says he's already written three (laughs) complete screenplays for episodes of bounty law he basically says that at this point he is going to make these one way or another um he goes to list off like three or four major network net, networks. He's like, you know, Hulu, Netflix, HBO, Showtime. He's like, well, you know, I'm going to shop this to somewhere. Um, he says that it would be cool if Leonardo, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio played the character, but he's unsure if he would do anything for television. But he says that if he doesn't, he's still going to go through with it and just recast the character and do it anyway. Oh, my God. Oh my God, Jake! Oh, if, okay, see, I, I I had no idea like the detail details about this or if the story was even true. I just I had talked to somebody about it. And they didn't they they weren't one hundred percent sure about this as well. And the details are not not. not and I mean, and I'm that. paraphrasing, but uh-huh. I, I I'm like ninety percent to exactly what was said, and this was all stuff from Clinton's mouth. Wow, how do you feel about that, dude? I think it sounds super cool. <laughs> um, I. I would love to see him do these half an hour serials. Um, and I imagine if he was so inspired to write them that I, I'm sure he has the ridiculous cliffhangers where it comes back and then just something dumb happens to continue the storyline. And I don't know. I feel like he's having fun writing these. And I feel like when he's having fun, we have fun watching the stuff. Yeah. And I, I think this would be really cool. Um, I would love to see this. Um, I agree with him that, it would probably he'd probably not get Leonardo DiCaprio to do this, but it would be really awesome if he did. Mm, it's I don't know, man. It's Leo working with Quentin, so it's like who knows? I mean, it's he could shock the world here and do this. I yeah, yeah I feel like it, if it, it seems such a weird fit for HBO because it's such a goofy project, right? To me, like just the project in nature seems like it would work best for like a Netflix or a Hulu, but fuck, I mean, maybe HBO and like the allure of that would get Leonardo DiCaprio to come. Like there's so many 
big people that do that these days. I think with Netflix working with him doing these extended editions, I think that he might be saying, hey, I'll give you first shot at this. Have you um have you watched that yet? The episodic hateful eight, dude. Here's the thing. I and it was on it was on Netflix. I watched the uh, the the uh, the hateful eight recently, but I watched the theatrical version because I didn't know there was an extended version. So I literally just watched it. And then mm. within a week, I found out that there was an extended edition, and I was, like, not ready to jump back into the movie and watch it again for additional scenes at that point in time. So I have not watched the extended edition yet. I, I basically had the same experience. I, I had a buddy over, and he brought up that he hadn't seen it. And I was like, oh, you got time? And so we watched it, and then it was, like, three or four weeks later that the Netflix thing came out. And it yeah. was like, well, fuck. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I will wait. You know, it'll probably be a few more months, and then... I don't know. It could even be longer, but then I'll, I'll, I'll definitely be watching the extended edition at one point or another. Cause I do want to see those extra 30 minutes and what they have. Yeah. And I read where he talked about that too. And he he talked about having a lot of fun, um, making that feel like episodes Yeah, and making the cuts and everything. I believe it's four parts. A four parts. Okay. This year. Okay. Yeah. I, I have no idea. I was just that- guessing. Four sounds right, because I, I had started in on it, I mean, but I only got like 20 minutes in, so I have nothing substantial to offer. But it was it was about four hours long, if I remember correctly, oh, okay. altogether. Yeah, it's about an hour apiece then. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think some of the stuff that was added was like to kind of extend shots to make it, you know, feel like endings of tele- television episodes and beginnings of television episodes. Hmm. All with like right. you know long drawn out shots of like atmosphere and stuff at the beginning of each one that weren't there when you watch the movie because that would seem out of place you know yeah. two hours in yeah all right well uh, we I don't know I Jesus Christ for thirty minutes we've been talking about a trailer and not Tarantino I don't know we, 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 I mean it was better than what we were doing pre Good Pop Bad Pop at least we at least we had some good combos I suppose yeah um, let's uh, let's take a uh, quick break we'll come back we will be talking Hobbs and Shaw. Welcome back. We are going to be talking about uh, Hobbs and Shaw. This movie just hit this week. This is the Fast and Furious spinoff. Uh, was this only supposed to be one movie? Because it sure does feel like they're shooting for more films. Yeah, they definitely um, shot for the moon as far as um, making it feel like there's going to be a whole like couple movies here. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I just read something or I thought I read something about like this is going to be a one and done. Or maybe I read that these guys are just done with the Fast and Furious franchise. So um, I think that's probably 
uh, more along the line. I don't think The Rock and Statham are returning to the actual fa- fra- uh, Fast and Furious uh, proper films. So I, I think that they'll probably just continue to do these uh, Hobbs and Shaw spinoffs. Do you think the next one, when they do it, do you think it'll still have the Fast and Furious, uh, you know, Fast and Furious Presents, or do you think it'll just be Hobbs and Shaw 2, whatever? I think, I it'll, think it'll still be. have Fast and Furious Presents. Oh. I think it'll just be Hobbs and Shaw 2. I think it depends on how much movie this makes in the box office. They'll make that determination mm-hmm. then. It's if, doing pretty well so far, right? Yeah, if it becomes its own thing, I think it can stand on its own two legs. You're talking about, you got The Rock, who's like, this guy's making money hand over fist when it comes to the box office, right? Yeah, yeah, and I'd watch him watch grass grow. I'd see him in anything. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's The Rock who said publicly that he's not coming back to the Fast and Furious franchise. Um, there's been, like, some talk online between him and Vin Diesel that they don't get along. Um, him which, and Tyrese don't him and Tyrese. him and Tyrese yeah. don't get along. Yeah. And then there was some grumbling from Tyrese. And I... And I think maybe Ludacris, who is also like, how come these guys get a spinoff and we don't get a spinoff? We've been in the franchise longer than them. And um, so I, I think The Rock has said that he's done playing that character in the Fast and the Furious movies. But depending, as you said, Brian, how much money this makes at the box office, I think we will see more Hobbs and Shaw. But I still think they will slap the Fast and the Furious logo or the name on it just to remind everybody. Because it's, it's Universal's mm-hmm. most most um, profitable franchise. They'd yeah, be stupid you, not to remind you. You've got a guy who's publicly saying, I'm not going to come back to this franchise. And if the movie does well and it stands well on its own, it's like... I don't know. If if the first one makes that much money, it's not like you have to have Fast and Furious. I, I, I understand like the, the 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 brand name and what it does, but like if you got a guy like The Rock, he might not be like he might not want to be hindered by that uh I feel like um he's being a bit of a shuckster with all this stuff too though. Like where he's like building more excitement for when he just only skips one Fast and the Furious movie and he does come back to a main franchise movie. And I um, I agree with kind of both of you. Like, I agree with Rebecca that it, they're, they're going to want to keep reminding you of kind of the whole big franchise. But I do, the money thing is also correct. Like, if the next Fast movie without these guys and with some of the newer guys doesn't make as much money as Hobbs and Shaw, then it's kind of who needs you. And they can just Hobbs and Shaw to it up, you know? Yeah, and it also depends on if one day they want to sell, like, a huge box set. If they have Fast and Furious Presents in these titles, they can always include Hobbs and Shaw within the box set for the Fast <laughs> and Furious. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And that kind of stuff is so interchangeable, too, when they want to make money or not make money with it, too. Yeah. Uh, Hobbs and Shaw, Lom and Luke Hobbs and Outcast Deckard Shaw form an, form an unlikely alliance when a cybergenetically enhanced villain threatens the hu- uh, the future of humanity. Uh, it's directed by David Leitch. Uh, this is, uh, he was the uh, stuntman, now director. Uh, he was a co-director with Chad Stahelski on John Wick. Uh, he directed uh, Deadpool 2. Uh, this one stars, of course, Dwayne Johnson, Jason Statham. We've got Idris Elba as the villain here. 
here. Vanessa Kirby uh, making another action appearance as an action star here. She plays Hattie, and uh, you'll remember her from Mission Impossible Fallout. She was my choice as Catwoman uh, in the upcoming uh, Batman film, and it looks like they uh, have her on the short list for that character, and uh, she is all for it. Uh, Helen Mirren. Uh, as Queenie, Isa Gonzalez as Madam M, and then uh, Eddie Marson as uh, Professor Andrico. Uh So, yeah, I guess we're going to talk about this one, unpack it, rate it a little bit, not getting into too many spoilers, but uh, I want to start off with Leo. What did you think about Hobbs and Shaw? Yeah, uh, I had a blast watching this movie. Um, for me, it's an easy Tupperware and the majority of that is due to just the chemistry between The Rock and Jason Statham. Um, I thought they played really well off of each other, and the humor, for the most part, really landed for me. Uh, the action, which is kind of the case for most in the Fast and Furious movies, um, is, you know, pretty over the top in parts, but it was fun to watch. It's a, it's a great popcorn movie. All right. Yeah, Tupperware. Uh, Rebecca? Yeah, I am a huge fan of the Fast and the Furious franchise. Like, ridiculously a huge fan of those dumb movies. I love every one of them. Um, I had so much fun watching this movie. For me, this is a Tupperware. I, I mean, just speaking to my own enjoyment of the film and my own preference for the franchise, how much I love The Rock, Jason Statham. Um, I mean, it's just, this is an incredibly ridiculous physics defying movie and I loved every fucking second of it. So for me, it's a Tupperware. I'll go next. Um, I, I stopped watching the fast and furious franchise after Tokyo drift for good reason. I probably should get back to it. I hear it's better. Um, yeah, I know I, I, it's a silly statement to make. I hear it gets better. I just haven't jumped back on to it I, I do need to knock out the you know three four or five movies i've missed um so but i was looking forward to this one uh because you know i i'm a huge fan of the rock i love vanessa kirby i'm a big fan of Idris Elba. um and uh i had a lot of fun with this one i thought it was good i did not think it was as great as you guys did i'm gonna give it a high taste that i i did enjoy it um i don't know if it's something i'm necessarily gonna have to watch again but I did, I did like it enough. If it shows up on HBO or something like that, I may watch it. But I, I, I did enjoy it. I thought the action scenes were fun. Um, I did get, I'll have Jake rate it and then we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit more. Jake, what did you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of right there with you, Brian. Um, I, I liked this movie a lot. I thought it had a lot of charm, a lot of funny moments, a lot of really intense, cool action. But it's also just a high taste it for me. It's not it wasn't better than the best fast movie, in my opinion. And that if that's the Tupperware line, then this is definitely a high taste it for me. Um yeah, I don't know, maybe just I didn't think the the action sequences were good, but I could definitely tell that this was directed by a stuntman and it it, it felt like a first time director shot at a lot of these different extensive action sequences, I thought. Um that's probably my only real problem with the movie. I thought Rock and, and Jason were great. Um, yeah, high tasted. I thought Idris Elba was a really good villain and felt really threatening. And I enjoyed kind of, this is the first Fast and Furious movie that had some kind of a science fiction twist to it, really. 
and I, I enjoyed that aspect to it. Um, I like that if in possible sequels, we're going to maybe get a little bit more fantastic and out there than allowed to get in Fanta- or Fast and the Furious movies. So that's interesting. Are you done? But, yeah, I'm done. Okay. That was, uh, that was a very abrupt ending there. Yeah, I, I was trying to, you know, think if I had anything else, but I, I do not. I think that you were think. I think that your mind wandered off, and you were thinking about those blue cig ads and how they those blue cig ads and how they <laughs> blew your mind. I I had forgotten about those, but they still do blow my mind. I th- I feel like you know that that dogging up when he sees like a fucking tennis ball or a stick, like <laughs> like, like you had a moment where you like kind of like just looked off to the side. You're like looking off into the distance, thinking about Steven Dorf on that beach holding that blue cig. No, I will not deny that was very awkward there. <laughs> it was. It was a weird way to end that sentence. Yeah. I was like, "Where do I do I say something now?" <laughs> I have no defense. <laughs> you were you were holding in a sneeze, weren't you, Jake? <laughs> yes, I sneezed two <laughs> and had to hit you. Oh, man. You know, um, so yeah, two Tupperwares and high taste. It. I uh, here's a couple things that I wanted to kind of throw out there. I, I really thought that it was uh, cool that the uh, the two contacts that these guys had in this movie, uh, you know, you had The Rock, his contact was Ryan Reynolds, and then uh, Jason Statham's contact was Rob Delaney, both guys from Deadpool 2. You had uh, Deadpool himself, Ryan Reynolds, and then uh, Peter was the, <laughs> was the contact for Jason Statham. And uh, I don't know, was uh, I felt like the, the, the guy behind me, was just really, um, he hated every, I could hear him audibly talking about how much <laughs> he hated Ryan Reynolds every time he showed up on screen. <laughs> oh, no. oh, fuck that guy. That's kind of, that's kind of awesome. I thought Ryan Reynolds was pretty great in this. I, I thought he was fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was, he was a really great addition to this film. Um, I thought he was, I liked how he, he kept calling, um, that that the rock's middle name was Rebecca, which just <laughs> slayed me every fucking time he said it. And he called him Becky. He called him Becca. I thought that was hilarious. I love the daughter's reaction to Ryan Reynolds. Like uh, I thought that was funny. I, I thought Ryan Reynolds was great in this. And having the guy, having Rob Delaney who played Peter in Deadpool two, what a what a treat to see them like kind of working, even though they're like never like on screen together besides like a split screen. Like, I thought that was just great. I thought it added to the movie so much. I agree with you. I thought that that was a fantastic choice. The Rock's daughter, that little girl, so adorable. It's like they took Moana from the cartoon, pulled her out of the cartoon, put her in the real world. That girl was so cute. Mm Mm-hmm. She yeah, was, she yeah, was, I agree. she had a lot of charm, a lot of charisma, just like The Rock does. You know, I thought they had great chemistry together. I think that might be the same actress. She, because his daughter appeared, or the, the, there's a character playing of his daughter appears in a previous Fast and the Furious movie. I think it might be the same actress. Um, so it was kind of nice to see her again because in, in that in that previous one she had a very small role and here she has a small role too but they have a little bit more screen time together and um I I you know he's just so charming and it's that's the beauty of the rock like anything you watch him and he's just so great and then him and Jason Statham I thought all their banter back and forth all the insults was just I mean 
it was just really funny. I loved how they tried to get each other uh, in trouble with the uh, TSA and stuff like that. That really <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, and just the, the fact that the, the I feel like The Rock is one of the nicest guys in Hollywood. Yeah, he's got his rivalries with certain guys, but I feel overall with the fans, he's very well loved and and uh, he's just a stand up guy. And I love how they kind of like throw that into this movie. I thought it was great. Everybody yeah. loved him on that plane. He just had that charm. It, it gets him out of cer- certain situations where most people would like find themselves in trouble, but he's just so charming and charismatic. It just, it's almost like he's got a magic skill set with that, you know, like it just gets him out of everything because he's, a, he's, a, he's just a big, lovable guy. Mm-hmm. There was a uh, one rock kind of cringe moment for me. I always cringe when we're like over like almost a decade past his wrestling stuff and we're, doing callbacks to that character and when they did the eyebrow joke i was a little bit cringe yeah don't bother me it's you know it's a it's a hobson shaw movie you know yeah yeah (laughs) i know it's just they don't need to you don't need to rest on that gimmick wrestling snob over there (laughs) yeah i don't want to see any wrestling (laughs) i just you 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 wrestling snobs over there with your i don't know it's fine i mean Whatever. I mean, somebody liked it. They got, I think it's one of those things where, like, these movies, and uh, there's so many, like, rapid-fire jokes. Some of it's going to land with some people. Some of it's not going to land. I, just swing for the fences. It doesn't matter. It's a Hobbs I just don't like movie. that one. It just plays to the lowest common denominator, the wrestling fan, and I thought it was dumb. <laughs> it made me cringe. Oh, man. I, you know... I loved it. I'm just going to love it just to piss you off. I thought it was fantastic. <laughs> oh, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. If you want to sign up as the lowest commas denominator, as, it, as I just described it, then have at it. Oh, you're not the – you don't set the bar for lowest common denominator. You can make the statement. It doesn't mean that you're right. You're not setting the bar. I, I thought it was fantastic. I would like to see more of that, more eyebrow jokes. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tweet the rock tonight. I got a place where you can see more eyebrow stuff. Oh man, send me. Send me to this place. <laughs> it I want to go. Ninety nine a month. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I, I'll go there. I will go there. I just send me to that place, man. Uh, but um, did you guys? Here's a couple things. Uh, did you guys catch the uh, Italian job Easter egg? Yeah, the, no, the car. Yeah, they well, and the, and what he said. I mean, what Statham said in there. Yeah, it was something about he. It was the Mini Cooper car in his garage, and he said something about doing a job in Italy. Yeah, it, right. Yeah, Jason Statham starred in the Italian Job, the remake of the Steve McQueen yeah. movie with Mark Wahlberg, Charlize Theron, and uh, he basically has now made the Italian Job reca- uh, remake canon within the Hobson Shaw Fast and Furious universe. I thought that that was fucking awesome. <laughs> well, that that's yeah, also that cool. It's also funny because. Um, Charlize Theron has played a villain in a Fast and Furious movie, um, which is really interesting. Like it's, I mean, it's it's sort of like what whatever. But um, I did I did chuckle at that when he said that he used it to pull a job in Italy, and I just I kind of laughed at that. Um, I I thought that him and Vanessa Kirby playing like siblings, I thought they were really great together. I I liked all their sort of like all the flashbacks when they were like little kids playing running like their their grifts that they would make up and and uh like they came from like a crime family so they were always like interested in in crime and then you know here they they took two very different paths in life i i really liked her a lot in this movie i love vanessa kirby she's so good she's so fantastic 
Yeah, I thought she was tied in pretty well to both Jason Statham and, and The Rock, too. Like, I mean, not to give anything away, but, you know, with, well, what what kind of their interactions and how those go. And uh, you're not giving conflict. any. Are you talking about like with uh, like uh, her being related to him? No, no, oh, okay. no. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> no, no, no. I, well, now I'll just <laughs> say it. Like, but the like flirtatiousness that The Rock and uh, Vanessa Kirby have. And, no, like, that was in the that... that was in the trailers too. There was a, there's a, they they show a little oh. bit of that in trailers. So you're not spoiling anything. All right, perfect. Yeah, and how that pisses Jason Statham off, and like the banter on the plane, just about that specifically. Like, my theater was dying. At that I part. died laughing when we got Kevin Hart. Oh, yeah. Because it was, it's like, you know, him and The Rock have done so many movies together. And then it also kind of reminded me of like how you're watching a Lethal Weapon movie and Chris Rock will pop up. You know, it's like, it's like you have the two guys and then you've got Chris Rock popping up. And I was just like, it's kind of like that Lethal Weapon formula. And this is just like another, you know, duo. And then you've got like, you know, the funny, you know, the funny stand up comedian that shows up and, and wants to be a part of the action as well. And I thought that that was kind of like a, uh, kind of like a throwback to the old Lethal Weapon movies. Yeah, I thought that was a hilarious moment too. I was, I was really surprised to see him. Like I didn't have any idea that was going to happen. And then, yeah, you got some of that great chemistry between him and The Rock. Like <laughs> yeah. everything those two have done together has been gold so far. So yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. The new Jumanji trailer looks hilarious. Fantastic. Oh, it looks great. <laughs> it looks yeah. so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love the reveal. I didn't know the reveal until the first time I saw the trailer. Yeah. And when you find out that it's DeVito inside of the rock, I just was like, Oh geez, this is great. <laughs> I, love, I love it when it's, it's Danny Glover inside of Kevin Hart. Look at my thighs. <laughs> When he's doing the smolder and the the left side of his face is falling down. I think he's having a stroke. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Me and Michelle have been cracking each other up, calling it Jumanji ever since that trailer, too. Because it's like their old man pronunciation of the word. Jumanji. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for that. One thing in Hobbs and Shaw, this is just an observation that I made, and it's probably not even intentional in the movie, but um, Idris Elba's character... And the relationship that he has with like, um, the, uh, that corporation that he works for and that, you know what I'm talking about, that, that computer, that voice that he talks mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. and the way that, you know, we know that he's like cybernetically enhanced from the trailers. They've showed that they call him black Superman and just the way that kind of played out in the movie, that relationship between him and that voice it reminded me of Megatron and Unicron from Transformers the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. Well, that's the the voice is the one that 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 it's totally that. It's totally that because we oh god, I don't want to get into spoilers, but it is totally that. Like mm, I really want to get into this because it's totally that. If you think about it, like where that character was could have been and do you, do you understand what I'm saying? I didn't know there were any. I didn't know there were any Hobbs and Shaw spoilers that were off limit. I, I feel like it's such a popcorn movie. Oh, I don't want to. No, I. Yeah, but I. I don't want to be. I don't want to be the guy to make that determination right now. Yeah. I mean, there might. There's plenty of people that are 
probably didn't get to see it this week and want to see it next week. So I don't want to spoil that for him. I know it's, we might consider it silly cinema, but there, it, there, you know, there might be huge Fast and Furious fans listening and I don't want to, I don't want to be the one to spoil that. I, I just made the observation. I don't want to get into why. I, I do, but I don't. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I get it. Mm-hmm. I did want to bring something up about the voice too. And just kind of like Idris Elba's backstory and like his connection to other characters. And they even, did this with like Ryan Reynolds and the rock, but I really liked how in this movie, like it just felt like there was all this history there and like this deeper universe and like all this stuff that we don't know about these characters and all these places that it can go. Like I felt they were definitely, I mean, with the, you know, the voice and how that all ends, but Mm -hmm. it just really feels like they're definitely, setting up for something kind of long term here absolutely almost. absolutely I, here's the thing that i was thinking about leo you bring up a great point and i'm with you i think that definitely pursue the sequel what i don't want from this is prequels yeah that'd be Ugh. and i felt like there was enough in here with all that stuff that they were talking about that happened in the movie that's off-screen stuff like they could if they wanted to make prequels from this that's not exciting. I just want the story to move forward. Yeah, plus yeah. you wouldn't have Hobbs and Shaw together in a prequel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Like the the whole the the thing that makes this movie work from I think one of the big things is how funny it is to have The Rock and Jason Statham's characters together in this film. After you've seen them in Fast and the Furious, how they don't get along and now here they are again and they still don't get along and it takes and you know each one is like, I'm not working with this guy. Um, if you take that away and make a prequel you don't get that. You you, you would just get Jason Statham if we're going to tell that story. But think about um, this. What happens, or just The Rock. What happens when the well run, runs dry and you're looking at a studio and no, I'm being 100% serious here. Like, what happens when the well runs dry? Like, these guys, they've done these movies, and one of them's done. Like, let's say The Rock's done. Because this guy's going to have projects lined up for for many years now. You know, Dwayne Johnson has really made a name for himself in Hollywood. He's going to have projects lined up. He moves on. He's done. Let's say he's done three Hobbs and Shaw movies. He's done. He's going to move on. But they're not right, quite ready to move on from the Hobbs and Shaw, so they signed Jason Statham to do a prequel. And now we're seven years removed, and this de-aging technology is a little bit cheaper, and everybody's doing it now. I mean, we're seeing, uh, we're seeing right now, studios are starting to do the de-aging thing. Okay, we're going to be talking about the Irishman trailer a little bit later. They even had fucking de-aging going on in a Martin Scorsese film now, guys. So, like, this de-aging thing, right now, it's not not everybody's doing it. But I, I, I would say within the next 10 years, a lot of, lot more studios are going to be doing it. It's going to be a lot more uh, – we're going to see a lot more of this stuff. And so here we go. We're going to do a Jason Statham prequel. We're going to do a Hobbs movie. And it's going to be a prequel. And we're going to de-age Jason Statham. I, uh, yeah, they're not beneath it. I, I I completely agree with you that it's not beneath them. It's not going to be the next project, but you're absolutely right. Once once someone's tied up and <laughs> they want to keep rolling and making money, that's going to happen. We're getting a fucking Die Hard prequel if this thing happens. They're talking about it. We're getting a Die Hard pre- prequel with Rebecca. Die Hard. Fucking Die Hard. Are you kidding me? I just threw up in my mouth a little bit. Who the hell wants a Die Hard prequel? <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm fucking saying. Um, and, and I mean, on that note, like this stuff with 
I mean, I feel like part of the reason that Hobbs and Shaw, it is doing well in the box office and the reason I liked it so much. And it sounds like why Rebecca did, too. But it's it's that connection with Jason Statham and The Rock. It's their chemistry. That was the best part, in my opinion, about the last Fast and the Furious movie, Fate of the Furious. It was those two and their big alpha male pissing contest. And I feel like if you were to take the same movie and remove just either one of those two actors, I, I think it would just drop a lot. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, but- oh, I, to- I totally agree with what you're saying, Leo. And, and that, that is like, if you're a fan of the Fast and the Furious franchise and you've seen all the previous movies and you've seen how they've worked Jason Statham's character in and they've worked The Rock's character in and then having them face off against each other in, in such a, in such crazy, ridiculous ways. And now, you know, a, a movie franchise that started about two guys who drove fast cars has become how other guys are saving the world from like crazy shit. Like it's, it's nuts to think how far it's come, but a lot of it has to do with the charisma and the chemistry between these characters. And then having each character experience being like in each other's world, you know, with the rock being in London with Jason Statham and then the Jason Statham being on Samoa with, with the rock in his world. Like it's, it's fun to watch that. And if you remove one of those things, the movie automatically becomes less fun and less interesting. Yeah, but like, look at, and I'm not arguing with you. You're 100% right. I agree with that. But I'm just saying, like, realistically, they do these movies. They're all successful. One of them walks away, says, I'm done. This is my last one. This is my swan song. This is the last dance. I'm leaving. I'm doing something else. Studios, how many times will they squeeze it to the last drop to get one more buck? They know it probably yeah. this, this state them yeah. like, and I'm just saying, like, look at it. Look, here we are 31 years later. They're still talking about doing another diehard, doing a, doing a prequel now. Like, I mean, here we are 30. How many, you know what I mean? They're always squeezing it to the last drop. These other movies have had success and they're thinking we can try it one more time and we'll get, you know, we'll try, just try it one more time. One more yeah. time. <laughs> You're you're 100% right, and I think we're all on the same page that, like, we wouldn't enjoy watching it, but we know the studios might damn well try it. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. So um, let's move on uh, from uh, Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, definitely, I, I would say if you want to watch a, a fun action movie, this is one to go see in the theater. I saw it in IMAX, and it was explosive and fun, and they did have great chemistry, and I would highly recommend it. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Rebecca, what what do you got for good pop, bad pop? Oh, okay. I've got a couple of things here. Um, I have got... uh, I checked out a show that's been out for a bit on HBO. It's called Los Espookies. Has anybody else watched this show? I have not. I know that it stars Fred Armisen, so I am very curious as to how this show is. Yeah, not seen it. No, I I haven't seen it either. Okay, yeah, I've seen some ads for it, and I always meant to check it out. And then um, today I had uh, some downtime, and so I was, like, flipping through, you know, my on-demand channel. I said, oh, man, I never watched the show. Let me give it a shot. So I I watched the first episode. Um, So Los Spookies is about a group of friends that turn their love for horror into a – 
into a business, they provide horror to those who need it. In a, and this takes place, uh, I think it takes place in LA, although on IMDb it says it takes place in a Latin American country. I, I think that's incorrect. I think this takes place in, in Los Angeles. Um, so this show is, I would say, 90% in Spanish. And 10% in English. Um, all of the main characters are Mexican-American, I believe. And so they are speaking Spanish to each other. And yes, it does start Fred Armisen. He is like the big name in this. He plays Tico, who is um, the uncle to one of the kids who are part of this group, Los Spookies. Um, you have... Another character named Ursula, you have Tati, her sister, you have Juan Carlos, and then you have, um, uh, you have uh, an actor, I'm sorry, you have, uh, Andres, who is like the rich kid, um, in this group, and then you have, uh, Reynaldo, who is Tico's nephew, and apparently Carol Kane is in this show. She shows up in, I think, later episodes. I've only watched the first one. Um, she, the, the first episode, I really thoroughly enjoyed it. So, like, the idea is that these kids are, like, all into, into, like, horror and the supernatural, and so they, they throw a birthday party for Tico's niece and the theme is horror and it's, and he's like so blown away by how scary everything looks. And, um, at the party is this priest and he says, Oh man, I want to hire these guys because at my parish, there's like a new priest who's much younger and he's real popular and everybody loves him. And I want to basically, I'm jealous. So he wants to perform an exorcism to show <laughs> that like he's better than the other priest but he's he's so <laughs> i know he's like, so he's so bummed because he's the priest <laughs> at this orphanage and he's so bummed because none of the kids are possessed and shut like, the fuck up but, <laughs> but i'm so i'm so disappointed none of them are possessed and believe me <laughs> i checked and so that's he, hilarious he hires this group of kids to basically put on an exorcism. <laughs> but wait, wait. So then they involve this woman who is like the host of like um if anybody has watched like Spanish TV, oh, yeah, you know yeah. that there's like tons of like these half hour shows where it's like incredibly sensational stories that are happening in the community. <laughs> and she's the host of the show called Mira Esto, which means uh look at this. And they they basically get word to her through a crazy <laughs> series of events that they're going to do this exorcism and she shows up with a camera crew so they perform this fake exorcism and the priest does it and it's like all over you know the news and the episode ends with them getting a phone call from a mysterious person saying that she wants to hire them to do this other job. And it looks like it's going to be like an overarching story going on. Um, I don't know, man. This show is hilarious. The whole idea that they were hired to do an exorcism and you've got like these, these like crazy, um, 
you got these crazy characters. So, like, one of the girls, Fatty, she has, like, a million jobs. Like, she can't ever hold down a job. So, like, her, we first meet her. She's at the orphanage. And she works there, and the priest calls her in, and he's like, it's really hot in here. Can you put the fan on? And she <laughs> she takes the fan on the desk, and it doesn't work, so she spins, like, the fan. Um, she spins the fan, and she oscillates it by hand, and she makes the sound of, like, and it's, it's just, that's her job. It's hilarious. Um, I'm going to give the first episode... I'm going to Tupperware it. I, I don't know where it's going to go from here. I don't know if, if the rest are going to be as funny. But all of the characters are hell. One of the kids, he's like the rich kid. His family owns like a chocolate um, company and they're like huge. And all he ever has in his house is chocolate. Like anybody who comes over and they're like, man, I'm so hungry. What do you have to eat? I have chocolate. Anything that's not chocolate? No. Like, that's all they ever have in their house is chocolate. And he's got some crazy backstory about being adopted, which he keeps bringing up to everybody. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I know. But it's – so, again, it is mostly in Spanish. You There is some English in there as well. But, man, this is really funny shit. I mean, it's really, really funny. Again, I only saw the first episode – but it's half an hour. It's like 28 minutes. I'm going to go back and lock the rest of it out. It is so funny. It's on HBO. Yeah. It's called Los Spookies. Ch- well, check it out. It is very funny. I will be watching this. I don't. Did you watch Portlandia? I've watched episodes here and there. I haven't like religiously watched it. Oh God, I Portlandia IFC. <laughs> Huge fan of Portlandia. Mm-hmm. Th- this has definitely, if you're a fan of Fred Armisen's comedy, this has his flavor to it. He's not like one of the main writers. Actually, two of the cast members are the main writers of this show as well. Fred Armisen only has credit for one episode. Um, but if you're a fan of his comedy, this has it that same flavor. He's not in it a ton, at least in the first episode. He has a good amount, but it really focuses on this group of kids. Um, I mean, I say kids, but they're like, um, they're, I think they're meant to be like in their early 20s. But it, it's very funny. Really, really funny stuff. Lots of spooky. I'm going to be watching this now. That sounds yeah, fantastic. I think it's, I think it's great. <laughs> I've been watching uh, season four of Baskets, and uh, I found out just uh, yesterday it's uh, season four is the final season, so I'm a little bummed. Oh, that's a shame. I, I I think a lot of people were enjoying that show. Yeah, it's great. I, I don't I don't think it, I don't know if it even got canceled. It might just be like they're wrapping it up. You know, it's like four seasons, and you know he's, maybe he's ready to move on. Louis Anderson as fucking uh, Zach Galifianakis's mother in this is just fucking. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, fucking Louis Anderson. Yeah, he, he pulled an Emmy, didn't he, for that? I think you're right. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Baskets of Soup. I lost the spookies. I gotta watch this. I, I, I've seen it, like, pop up on HBO on, like, you know, the uh, HBO Go app, and I'm like, I have, I just haven't checked it out. And now you have convinced me to watch it, Rebecca. Oh, awesome. I hope you like it. I thought it was, I thought it was great. <laughs> I was cracking up at the fact that he's, He's upset that he doesn't have any kids that possessed. <laughs> he was so bummed about it. <laughs> he wants to show up this other priest to prove that he's a better priest. 
<laughs> little, little bit missing the point. That is that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's like a lot of other like little jokes in there yeah. about the the other priest and um there were I had some laugh out loud moments. Like I, I just gave you guys the highlights of course, but I, I think it's really worth checking out, like with that, that first episode for sure. What else do you have, Rebecca? I got two movies that I saw um that came out in limited release. Uh I saw The Farewell. With Aquafina, Has anyone else seen it? No, because they're not playing it anywhere near me. And trust me, I would have made the drive to see this one, but it's not near me yet. I'm not. We're not going to get this one for about another two, three weeks when the art theater finally gets it. So, okay. Yeah, I want. Yeah. I just want to thank AMC Artisan. Thank you, AMC Artisan, for you know. You guys see this AMC Artisan? You know what I'm talking about? It's the biggest load of horseshit. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, AMC Artisan. <laughs> I was laughing at that too. Like so far, the two movies I've seen that have deemed this label are like two of the most wide release possible movies. Yep. It's like yeah, Midsummer. the new Tarantino movie and Queen and Slim. Queen and Slim. Midsummer is another. Oh, yeah. another another low key indie film. Yeah. Oh my God, fucking. Um, <laughs> have you seen? Have you guys seen the trailer for Queen and Slim? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. Oh my Tupperware. god, Tupperware the fuck out of that trailer. Am I right? It looks, am- it looks amazing. Intense as hell. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you saw the farewell. This is the new Aquafina movie. Yeah. So uh, this is the movie. Uh, it's about a, a Chinese family discovers their grandmother has only a short while left to live and decide to keep her in the dark, scheduling a wedding to gather together before she dies. It's written and directed by Lulu Wong, who um, mostly has done short films. Um, and this is a based loosely on her own life and her own experiences. Uh, and basically Aquafina is playing her in, in the movie because in her actual life, her grandmother was also diagnosed with a terminal disease. The family didn't tell her they came up with an excuse to like all get together in China to say what it appears to be a goodbye to, to their grandmother, but they don't tell her. Um, so, of course, you know, um, Aquafina is the big name in here, but it also does star Si Ma, who plays her father. He's a character actor, a, a Chinese character actor who has been in, I mean, as soon as you see him, you'll know him from like a ton of movies and TV shows. Everybody else in this movie are pretty much um, Asian actors who have worked mostly in China. Oh, I've seen uh, this guy. Yeah, I know exactly. Yeah. What you're talking. I, I, I couldn't pinpoint like a movie I've seen him in, but I've seen him pop up in plenty of things. Yeah, exactly. As, as soon as you see his face, you go, oh, I I know that guy. He's been in every movie, uh, po- every TV show. Can I just point out, I, I'm a little shocked here, and I found this out actually yesterday. Uh, as I was searching to see if AMC Artisan had added it, uh, a- yeah, AMC Artisan. They is supposed- didn't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, they didn't. Spoilers. They didn't. Right, Jake. A- 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 AMC Artisan is supposed to be like AMC's like uh, label for their uh, independent films. Yeah, AMC Artisan. And I, me and a buddy were texting over this, and uh, <laughs> I said something. Oh my God, where's this? Where's this? text i gotta read this because this is actually pretty funny if i can find it oh my god we were talking about amc artisan and he cracked me the fuck up 
Oh God, where is it? Oh God, I'm now just rambling trying to find. <laughs> oh fuck it! Like basically, we were we were bashing on this AMC artisan, and I was talking about how they didn't have the farewell here, and I said, "Fuck you, AMC artisan." But he's like, "Oh, but they got that gold banner around it." <laughs> <laughs> so all the movies and as you're looking it up on the AMC A-list app on the AMC app all these movies that are AMC artisan have this gold <laughs> gold uh frame around the movie to let you know that it's a- <laughs> it's AMC artisan so fancy <laughs> so fancy with the AMC artisan yeah, so, uh, yeah, I was, okay, uh, my point was, is I was shocked that I, this movie's rated PG. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's from A24, and I was reading that it is their only PG release to date. Like, they've never released a PG movie before this, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, wow. it's, it's wild, um. So, like, in doing some research about this movie, you know, um, Lulu Wong has been shopping this movie around for quite a while, and um, everybody who she shopped it to, like, to get funding for it, they wanted basically her to change the story to include more white actors and be make this be like a – so they could put, like, a big name in it. And um, she basically didn't want to do that because this is not a story about white people. This is a story about – her Chinese family. And so what she did was she actually, I bet, took- I bet uh, Scarlett Johansson was jumping at this role. Oh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. She tried out for every fucking part. <laughs> she would have fucking done like, she would have been doing like the clumps thing with uh, Eddie Murphy where she, where she plays every role. I know, I know. It's really, really big of Charlotte of uh, of Scarlett Johansson to let Aquafina take this role you know, when she, <laughs> to play a Chinese American. Wow, yeah. really big of her. Unreal. <laughs> but um, yeah. So basically, she she kind of reworked the story to be able to tell it on This American Life. Uh, and the guy who does that show apparently was so enthralled with her story, he signed on to be a producer and helped her get funding to tell the story the way she wanted to tell it, which is how we get this movie, which I thought was a really incredible journey. Ira uh, Glass. Oh, fantastic. Well, not, I'm sorry, not Ira Glass, Chris White. I, I, I'm not sure who he is in that, um, family of, of, shows but i think he's he might be a producer or he's connected with this american life somehow and he signed on to be a producer and help her get funding um you know what this really reminds me of it reminds me of uh my big fat greek wedding when that movie was made because that that movie when it came out uh the the uh main lead uh, that had written the movie uh she wanted to star in it and, uh, uh, yeah, Nia Vardalos, uh, she wanted to star in it and, uh, nobody would, nobody would, would take her seriously as an actor and let her star in my big fat Greek wedding. And it was, uh, I think it was Tom Hanks' wife. Peter Wilson. Yeah. Who's also Greek American, who basically was like, I will help you make this movie. Yeah. And uh, she was a huge proponent helping her make that film the way she wanted it made. Thank God there's people out there that see a vision and they, and they have, and they, you know what I mean? And they, and they, and that was a huge success, mm-hmm. my, my big fat creek wedding. And it was, it's a great movie too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, it still holds up. Like, yeah. if it's, if it's on, I still watch it. I think it's incredibly entertaining. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, if you've seen the trailers for this movie, you kind of know the, the, the premise. I mean, it's, it's pretty straightforward of how, you know, their, their grandmother has been diagnosed with cancer. Um, and, 
they explain it that in Chinese culture, at least in this family or in this area, if you want to narrow it down, they do not tell the the person who's dying that they are. And the idea, as they explain it in the film, is that as a group, everybody in the family carries that emotional burden of the person dying, and the person who actually is dying does not have to carry that by themselves. Like, everybody else carries that sadness for them, and it's like an unselfish thing to do, which is a very different approach that I would say most Americans would take or people in the West. Um, so they basically all, you know, they concoct the sweating um, of the, of her cousin who he's been dating this girl for like two, three months. And they say, okay, we're, we're going to get married. And they all go to China. And the woman who plays her grandmother her name, uh, I hope I don't mangle this, is Shuzhen Zhao, who this is her only American film or film that's been released in America. She is a huge star in China. She is basically like the biggest soap opera star ever in China. And Lulu Wang had to beg her to do this movie for like a fraction of her, her, of her salary that she normally commands because she's a huge actor, a huge name in China. Isn't that, Um, isn't that, can I just throw this out? Isn't that crazy that there's a lot of actors in these other countries that are just huge in those other countries that we don't exactly, we don't know about. Like we've got, uh, uh, the the new actor that's playing uh, Shang Chi in the uh, the Shang Chi movie, the Simu Lu guy, huge actor in China. I'd never heard of him before. You know, it's it's yeah. crazy. It's absolutely crazy. You're absolutely right, Rebecca. It's like, but it's it's very. How, how do they get her? Um, basically, Lulu Wang was doing research to for someone to play her and she wanted to make sure she cast only Chinese actors to play Chinese parts. And her name came up by one of the producers and they, I think they kind of threw it out there of like, Oh, but you'll never get her because she's a huge star. And she basically looked her up or, you know, contacted her people eventually got, somehow connected with the actress herself by phone and basically told her this whole story that she was telling in this film. And she said, will you please play my grandmother in this movie? And the actress asked her, is your, you know what? I can't say this part because it's a spoiler. Um, anyway, whatever happened, happened. And she agreed to do the part. And, um, so, uh, this movie is 95% in Chinese. It is not in English. Um, there's very few scenes that are people speaking English. It is mostly in Chinese with English subtitles. That's another thing that the director fought to keep. They wanted the movie made in English. She said, nope, it's going to be made in Chinese because uh, that's where they're, they're, the movie takes place mostly in China. Um, this movie is an absolute Tupperware. It is beautiful. It is heartbreaking it is a love letter to the immigrant experience it's a love letter to her family in china it's a love letter to her grandmother it is the story of mothers and daughters and mothers and sons and grandmothers and granddaughters it's 
it's the story of trying to live up to your parents' expectations but having to find your own way in life. Um, it's about how much of a lie do you tell somebody because you love them? And are you doing more harm than good by telling them the truth? Because, you know, they don't, they don't tell, you know, they've made a decision to not tell the grandmother that she's dying of cancer and that the doctors have said, you know, maybe she's got three months, maybe six. And everybody is so sad around her, but she's just like, I don't know, everybody's so sad. Everything's great here. What's what's wrong? And um, it's, it's, it's a beautifully shot movie. It's incredibly moving. And th- this is Aquafina's first, like, really dramatic role. Um, and she just killed it. But I will say this. The... For the actress who plays um, the grandmother, Shuzhen Zhao, she needs an Oscar. She is incredible. She is so genuine and just this whole movie felt like it was so organic. I felt like I was eavesdropping on a private family conversation. It was so beautifully shot and beautifully made and so much heart in this movie and it'll just make you want to like call your grandma. Like it really will at the end, it'll make you want to like call your grandparents if you, if they're still with you and, and just tell them that you love them. It's just, this movie is a must see. I, I, if it doesn't get mentioned in Oscars, I'll be really disappointed. This movie is, is just incredible. I, I loved every second of it. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I, this is one I'm looking forward to. I'll probably be seeing it <laughs> in a few weeks. Uh, it's uh, cool that A24 uh, had this movie put out. Sounds uh, sounds fantastic. Aquafina, I believe, didn't she come from uh, YouTube? Yeah, uh, Aquafina. Yeah, she was. Um, she was kind of like a YouTube star. She was a rapper. She was like a skateboarder yeah, YouTube yeah. person, and then she got kind of got noticed that way. And 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 the director was saying that she had not um, because they started filming this movie quite a while ago. Um, she had not. She didn't know Aquafina from anything else other than like being a rapper from Queens. And so when someone threw her name out there of like, Oh, what about, what about this actor to play you? She was like the rapper. (laughs) No, like that's not who I envisioned (laughs) playing me. And they said, no, no, she's, you know, she's got other projects coming up and, and, um, because she hadn't seen her in like Ocean's Eight or anything else that she'd been in, so she she met with the actor and and when she found out that Aquafina herself had been raised by her Chinese grandmother, she was like, "Yeah, you're the person to play this part." And um, yeah, it's a it's a really excellent story, full of so much heart. It's it's just great. Very cool. <clears throat> oh, hey, Rebecca, did you have anything else? I got one more thing and then everything else I think is stuff that everybody or other people have watched too. I also saw the movie Loose, which like just came out yesterday. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think this was also a limited release, so I don't think this is playing everywhere. But um, Loose is the story of a married couple who is forced to reckon with their idealized image of their son adopted from war-torn Eritrea after an alarming discovery by a devoted high school teacher threatens her his status as an all-star student. Um, 
This is directed by Julius Ona, who also directed Cloverfield Paradox. Oh, um, no. Oh, no. Yeah. Jake. Jake, is, Jake, is, uh, Jake is like, I'm not watching this. <laughs> um, but it, it, Rebecca, it, it, I'll be honest with you. That synopsis, you read it wonderfully. I'm just – that synopsis does not do the trailer justice. This is a trailer that you had me watch today. Yeah. And that synopsis does not do this trailer justice. I, I believe me, I know that 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 synopsis is very generic compared to the trailer that you watched. You guys gotta watch this fucking trailer for this movie. Oh my yeah, god! It's, it's spelled L U C E loose L U C E. And if you just if you just Google loose trailer, I think there may be two out. Um, I'm not sure, but it, it'll it's on YouTube. It's easy to find. Um, do you know so, if it, this is mm-hmm. the first or the second trailer that you are talking um, about? I think I sent Brian the first trailer. Okay. The second one I think goes a little bit more in depth to the movie, but the first one is a pretty. Uh, I, I have to say, for both trailers, though, I don't think that they gave anything away in this movie because th- this is really a this is a really interesting film. It's a real, almost like a psychological thriller in some ways. I was just going to ask you if it was a psychological thriller. Like, it, I'm not even kidding. In some ways it really is. And the trailer definitely presents it that way. Um, you know, you've got this kid. Um, he is played by um, Kelvin Harrison Jr., who was in a couple of things. He's been in, um, he was in Mudbound. He was in Assassination Nation. Um, he's very young. He's only 25. He's playing a high school senior here. As a child, he was adopted by Naomi Watts and Tim Roth's characters. They were, they adopted him from Eritrea. He was a boy soldier. So at like eight years old, he is one of those kids who had been trained to shoot like a machine gun and to kill people. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's like a, it was, it's a terrible, terrible life that he came from. They adopted him. They spent many years, you know, having him in therapy and helping him to, uh, acclimate to life in the States and learning English. And this is a child that had a ton of psychological issues, right? Now here he is. He's a senior in high school. He's valedictorian. Um, and he's basically like the poster child for, like a success story of uh, having come from a terrible beginning to being given every advantage. I mean, his parents, besides being white, are also like very well off. Like his, uh, her mother, excuse me, his, his mother's a doctor. The father works uh, some kind of finance type job. They don't really go into it. Um, he goes to like a really great school and Octavia Spencer's in this movie. She plays his, his teacher and they really present it as like a cat and mouse game of that. They're almost at odds with each other, the student and the teacher, and you can't really figure out why. And there's a lot of talk. Well, he, this, he, he this, writes this paper. Yes. He writes a paper and the assignment was to write a paper from the viewpoint of a historical figure. So it would be like, put yourself in the shoes of a historical person and write a paper from their point of view, not your own, but their point of view. And he chooses an incredibly violent dictator type person who advocates using violence and genocide to get his point across. So taking into account 
where he comes from as a child soldier, and then this paper. And sometimes, and like in the in the paper, he doesn't he make the point of like sometimes it's necessary. Yes, he to, says that sometimes violence is necessary. Yeah. Sometimes genocide is a tool that is needed to basically keep people in line. Um, now, he is his defense to the teacher is like. Hey, you gave me an assignment to write from a particular point of view. That's what I did. You know, I'm sorry if I'm such a good writer that this thing scared you. That's kind of the attitude he takes with her. So she calls mom. Mom comes down. She shows mom the paper and then tells mom, I searched his locker because I was really worried about this paper. And I found that he had this bag of illegal fireworks. And it could like they're they're like meant to be like really, really uh, so illegal because they could put a hole in the school wall or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. So like now it becomes this thing of like, is he really is he sort of never got over that traumatic past and he is a violent kid? Is he just really writing from a point of view? Um, then you've got this other story of his secret girlfriend who. Oh, don't, was, oh, don't even get into that now. Oh, don't okay, even okay, get okay, into okay. that. Stop I'm it right okay. now. I'm gonna stop. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. That, that was okay. not in the, that was not in the trailer. You knock it off, lady. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm okay. No. I do not want to give too much away. I am glad you stopped because I don't want to give too no. much away. The only reason I, uh, the only reason I reacted like that is because you sent me this trailer earlier today and like I got so excited to see this movie. This movie, it looks absolutely fantastic. There's so many yeah. things going on in this trailer. You don't know whether to believe this kid or you don't know whether to believe his teacher, Octavia Spencer, because it's like, it's all over. It's like, there's a point where she's talking about her house being broken into and, and and things like that and it's like did she do that and try to frame him or like yeah. or did he actually do this it, it's a 100% feels like a psychological thriller yeah. this looks uh, absolutely yeah. fantastic i i uh, cannot wait to see this yeah a yeah. lot of this movie i'm sorry go ahead leo no i was just going to say um i'm looking at it online and i want to echo what brian said this looks really fascinating um can i ask you a quick question rebecca Go go for it. So the the title of it um, is that like in reference to something within the movie? That's his name. Okay, because it's also Latin for light. Yes, and there is a reference to that. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. There, and I think this is in the trailer, so I'm not giving anything away. Okay. He, he says that when he came to this country, um, his mother could not pronounce his name, so uh, they changed his name. Toulouse. They they picked that name. So that is not the name he was born with. Gotcha. Um, that is an that becomes an important point in the movie, and I will not say nothing more about that. I, I will say nothing more about this movie other than this. Up until the last <laughs> I, did I scare you? No, no, did not scare me. I'm glad. No, I didn't mean. I didn't mean. To, I didn't want to. Yeah, I didn't mean you know. to be mean. I know no, people. Not mean. You're not but mean at all. I'm, I'm, no, not, I'm protecting. You stop me from giving away too much. Yeah, I'm protecting myself as a viewer. Yeah, I, I, I felt. Say, I felt like you were uh, invading. You were invading my 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 viewer experience. <laughs> oh God. I would never want to do that. Um. I personally will Tupperware this movie. I'm Tupperwareing a lot of stuff tonight, but I will Tupperware this movie because it raises 
so many uncomfortable subjects to the point that you're just like, oh my goodness, I cannot believe they're talking about this and I can't believe, oh man, oh that's happening, oh wow, okay. Um, up until the last 10 minutes, this movie will definitely, it kept me questioning what was really going on. And wow, this kid, this kid turns in such a performance as loose Octavia Spencer once again proving that she is an incredible actor who can play a multi-layered character. Oh my god. Watch this movie, support this movie. It is written, directed and starring people of color. Please go watch this movie. It is a Tupperware. If you leave the theater feeling uncomfortable, it's done its job. You should feel uncomfortable. You should be questioning everything this kid is doing. You should be questioning the motives of his parents. You should be questioning his teacher's motives. You should be questioning everything about this movie and the subjects that it raises. I think it's a really incredible film oh, it's so good i cannot wait to see the amc artisan fucking banner around this movie <laughs> i mean if, if, if the trailer got you excited like uh. that is just a taste because honestly like the movie yeah. is that and so much more and, and naomi watts is great tim roth is great like everybody who's in this is really giving you everything like nobody is phoning anything in. Everybody is really putting in an incredible performance. And Tim Roth and Naomi Watts as a couple, there are some great scenes toward the end where he starts revealing stuff about how he really feels about certain things. And she's like, can't believe it. It is. Oh, hey, my Rebecca, God. I got a question for you. Do we get do we get a random sex scene with those two? Like out of nowhere, Tim Roth. Did I lose you? Yeah, sorry. I lost you there for a second. Can you repeat? Yeah. Did, did, uh, did, do we get a random sex scene between those two? We do. <laughs> Shut up. No, we do not. We do not get a sex, te- sex scene between Naomi Watts and Tim Roth in this yeah, movie. Yeah, you do. Oh, my God. <laughs> AMC Artisan. <laughs> yeah, you do. Now the movie is just spoiled for me. Now I just... <laughs> <laughs> Leo's just there, like throwing his papers. Out. Well, forget it. I was going to watch it, but now Rebecca spoiled everything. Oh no, I was, I was actually looking at it, and it's not playing in the one movie theater that's within an hour of me. So, it's limited. Uh, it's limited release right now. Yeah. So hopefully, within the next couple weeks, AMC Artisan will be all over this. I mean, honestly, it literally just opened last night to limited release. And so I know it may take a bit to Mm. get to other cities and other towns. But when this movie comes around by you, if you want to watch a really good story that's just well told and makes you question stereotypes in in a really good way, like this is a. I think this is a really good movie to watch. You want to wear? Hey, you want to watch another? Hey, you want to watch a psychological thriller right now? That's really good. What's that? Have you ever seen At Pupil? No, Jake. You ever seen At Pupil? Yeah, yeah. Whoo, dude! What did you think about that movie? I, I don't. I, I haven't watched it recently. It's probably the last time in my twenties. But what did you think about At Pupil, man? 
Yeah, I don't think I've seen it in a long time either, but yeah, I, I definitely remember liking it. It's based off a Stephen King short story. Oh, really? I didn't even know that, and I love this movie. I, I really, I, I gotta watch it again. It's, Rebecca, uh, Leo, have you ever seen it? No, uh, to be honest, I thought you were setting up a dirty joke, like, part no, of the way through there, so. No, you never know. Ian McKellen. Me. It's Ian McKellen, Brad Renfro. Um, Brad Renfro. Didn't he commit suicide, Brad Renfro? Overdose or something like that. I think it was suicide or overdose with that guy. I believe that's correct. Yeah, one of those two. Uh, it's uh, Brad Renfro, Ian McKellen, and uh, he's a younger kid, and he his next-door neighbor's uh, Ian McKellen, and he finds out that uh, his neighbor, Ian McKellen, was a uh, German Nazi, and he's been hiding out in America. Oh, oh shit. Yeah. You know what? I know of this movie, but I've never seen it. I don't yeah. know why I've never seen it. Oh. Yeah, I think I've actually heard the plot before. But... Yeah, it's called Apt Pupil. Let me see if this is streaming anywhere for people, because I, I think it's it's definitely worth a watch. And it's, Ian, said... it's Ian McKellen, for crying out loud. <laughs> When was it released, Brian? God, 90s, Jake? Would you say late mm, 90s? Yeah, late late 90s, maybe. Okay. Apt Pupil. I think it, 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 it's, a, it's a Brian Singer movie, too. I think it came out before X-Men 1. Ew. Yeah, that part is unfortunate. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's still yeah. a good movie. I'm not, you know. It is. I mean, it, it, we've, there's been shitty things made by terrible people. It doesn't take away from the quality of the film. I, I don't yeah. Con- I I'm not condoning his actions as a person, but it's still a damn good movie. And I, but um No, I yeah. agree. I agree. I I was more using that to date when yeah. it came out. Here's here's something that I want to point out to everybody. Uh don't always just when a movie like comes out and and I know it's it's hard it, you don't want to support that. But there were other people that were involved behind him behind the scenes that had no idea that what was going on when when he's doing those things? There's people that were working on the set and and uh, all the people that were involved in the production. So um, you know, actors from actors to you know just people holding the uh, uh, doing the foley work and stuff like that. So it's 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 one of those things where you don't want to support these these directors and some of the terrible things that they've done. But on the flip side, there's a lot of other people. In Hollywood, uh, that uh, they're just trying to, uh, some, you know, make a living for their families that, that put work into these movies, and unbeknownst to them, these people were doing shitty things. So, I, I you know, yeah, it's like, yeah, I mean, everyone's boss is probably doing a, you know, a jerk too. It's the same yeah. kind of morality, honestly. And here's the thing: it's like I think, like post when we find out these people are doing them, that's when you should, that's when you should drop them, right? You know, it's like, but I feel like. <sighs> It's a tough thing. It's it's really tough for me because there's so many people that are involved in different productions, and I think it does affect it does affect them and their families and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, that's my I, take on it. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of like a new thing that we have to wrestle with too. Like it's like a new. I mean, well, you know, within like the last 10 years or so and like all this stuff coming out, like it's it's something we've never had to navigate before. Well, I I, mm, I mean, Roman Polanski. Yeah, Roman Polanski. I, I refuse to watch uh, Hacksaw Ridge, which I know it's like it's revered. A lot of people love that movie, but it's a Mel Gibson thing. And it was one I'm of the, in that boat too. I'm in that boat too. I don't. I've never. I don't never intend to watch it. Well, that that was a decision that I made post everything that he's done. 
Now, yeah. everything that, like, you know, I, I can go back and, like, it's not like I'm not ever going to go back and watch Lethal Weapon again. I, I'll watch, I mean, it's it's Lethal Weapon, and it's, and, right. but now that, you know, it, I don't know. How, yeah, maybe that. Yeah, I never saw Apocalypto. I think Passion of the Christ was where I stopped. I watched Me Apoc- too, actually. I watched Apocalypto, but I had no idea that he had directorial duties on that film. So, I just feel like. I don't know, and this is just me. Everybody can do their own fucking thing. But I just feel like I don't want to go to the theater and support this kind of stuff, and I don't really feel like I need to go out and see anything new that they've done. But on the flip side, like it's like I've already seen Lethal Weapon. I love that movie. There's other people involved, like Danny Glover and stuff like that. I have no problem going back and watching like Lethal Weapon one, two, through four. So that's just me, though. Everybody can do their own thing. I don't give a fuck what people do. <laughs> and why should you? Exactly. What the fuck? You know, I don't know. Whatever. Am I going to get angry here? Am I going to start going off? And it, sh- it did sound like you were going to get angry. <laughs> I'm not. Please, I'm please not. do, because right once we start to get Darth Brian is when I get to switch from beer to whiskey. There you the go. Promise I made myself. There you go. There you go. I'm. St- I'm just. I'm on the tequila tonight. I don't know. We're. Oh know, God. <laughs> yeah, I'm rocking. I'm just doing some margaritas here. Uh, not straight tequila, man, because that would I, we would not get an episode. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, hey, Rebecca, thank you so much for the booze. Uh, I said, did, did I, I say I said raboos? I'm I'm really thinking about alcohol yeah. right now. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> did you did you watch? I want to know if you watched the. Uh, we'll talk about this here in a moment. Uh, did you watch Red Sea Diving Resort? It stars Chris Evans. Of course, I watched it. Okay, <laughs> all right. Um, well, so I'll listen to you talk about that when we get back. We're we're, cool. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right right back. Watch it, pupil people. Watch it. I, I know it's Brian Singer. Don't worry, don't worry about it. This is years ago and like it's out there and uh, it's Ian McKellen and watch it, pupil Jake. A good movie, huh? Right? No, yeah, I, I really like it. It was. Uh, uh, you know, I came out right around, I think it and like Shawshank Redemption, yeah. you know, some of the more serious Stephen King fair books that were going around in that time. It's, it, it's one of the good ones. And it's one of those, uh, Brad Renfro, like one of his only performances, like, you know, it's not, he, he was a young actor and, uh, well left us way too soon. So it's good to, I think a lot of people forget about Brad Renfro. He wasn't as big as kind of like a, uh, river Phoenix, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, what's more timely than modern day Nazis? Modern day Nazis, yeah. <laughs> well, Overlord is now on Epics, people. Rebecca, remember Overlord, that movie? Oh, I loved that movie. You that know, movie was great. You can watch it on Epics right now. So you, you know what you're doing? You're watching, you're watching Perpetual Grace Limited. And then you're like, fuck it, I'm going to watch some Pennyworth. And then you're like, you know what? I want to watch some Monster Zombies. I'm going to watch Overlord. Man, Overlord was such a good fucking movie. Wasn't it? Oh man, zombies, Nazis, like just enough zombies that it will satisfy the zombie lovers and just enough Nazis to satisfy the joy, the enjoyment I get out of watching Nazis die. Zombie, great. <laughs> zombies and Nazis and flamethrowers. Oh my, it's so <laughs> great. <laughs> Anytime Nazis die on screen, Rebecca loves it. Oh That's man, who doesn't? Yeah. I don't know, really. Other Nazis, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that was a pretty obvious answer. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what's not fun about you guys. Jake, I asked you earlier about the sneezes thing, and you're trying to find these little workarounds. 
By, <laughs> you know, you know, I, appreciate, I appreciated my gift card answer. Fuck your gift card answer. <laughs> the, these are little workarounds. I like how Leo came to my defense and he's like, yeah, the, this this whole separate money thing. No, it, it needs to be a consecutive million from the time you start spending. And I was oh, like, and then you all ganged up on me after that. Now yeah. we're on the same team, huh? Well, dude, we ganged up on you about I'm the still whole. I'm ganging up on him. <laughs> I like that part. I didn't like the part where you were like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, sneezing, gang. What do you, you like about sneezing? Yeah, that thing. You know what I mean? I was trying to bring yeah, up the that part was crazy. Yeah, that I was. I was trying to bring the defibrillator to the dying conversation, and it didn't work. Oh, listen wow. to you. Listen to you. <laughs> Yikes! Wow. Leo coming in hot on his first episode. <laughs> Fucking Leo thinks that he's uh, John Travolta with the adrenaline shot to the heart of Uma Thurman. There. <laughs> what I gotta I gotta stab three times? <laughs> Fuck you, Leo! <laughs> I'm gonna double down on Brian. I'll tell you. I will tell you when we went to C2E2 that year. Uh, two guys shocked the hell out of me that year uh, at, at how hilarious they were. Uh, number one, number one, Neil Follender. That guy fucking cracks him. my shit up. Love that guy. Love that guy. Number one, Neil. And then sure. fuck, and then Leo. Leo Bateman. You are a funny motherfucker, dude. I'll take my silver medal and I'll wear it with pride. <laughs> I just. I, my my memories of Leo are us in that karaoke bar in the back with those crazy footage and um man Leo you were just like pointing out all the crazy stuff and uh, we were having a blast back there just laughing our asses off. I mean, I barely remember that, but <laughs> yeah, Leo, Leo was the woo master. I remember that. He was. <laughs> there were a lot of woo. Yeah, yeah Leo yeah. started the woos. Yeah. <laughs> I remember two of that, Brian. I, I believe you initially hated it, and then after a few drinks later, you came back and you're like, "I was <laughs> genius." Oh my god! Yeah, it was one of those things where I was like, "What is going on?" And then, like, as the, as the night progressed and as I imbibed more, I was like, "Oh my god! I love what you're doing, Leo. I I love your energy, babe. It's awesome." <laughs> <laughs> Got to plant the seeds and just let them. Let him grow. Do you remember the the night we went to that bar and there was the guy that looked like Jake Gyllenhaal hitting on that yes! girl? Oh, that was the best! And we all applauded when they when they walked away. There was a guy that looked like Jake Gyllenhaal that was throwing game at this girl all night, all night, and we were like anxiously watching. Somebody yes. took a picture of them and I've made got it pictures their... of that still. No, but hold on, hold on. Somebody made it their Facebook profile. <laughs> I was dying. I don't remember who it was. I don't want to say the wrong person. I think I know who it was. But I don't want to say. It. If you know, if it was you, you know who you are. But it was hilarious. We did all applaud when they left together. That was the best part. And you can tell that she noticed that we did it. And oh yeah. Put off by she it. turned around and she gave a fucking dirty look. Like we, oh. like as soon as they walked out together, and we all we all started like cheering. Woo! Yeah. Yeah, it's like I felt like Chuck Woolery, like hanging out in the distance, watching the date as it's happening. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was fucking hilarious. Yeah, did we call him fake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, we yes. called. Him. Yes, we. Did. Okay, I, I remember it correct then. Uh, 
fake Gyllenhaal. That's amazing. Oh, yeah, we were so clever. Yeah. Oh, so I, I, I miss you, Leo. You better come back. And Rebecca, if you aren't at C2E2, I am going to lose my shit. No, listen, I, if I have to walk there, I'll go. I'll, I'll get to Chicago. All right, guys, we are going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to do some more good pop, bap, bap. We're going to do the things. We're going to talk about the stuff. It's all going <laughs> to Doing the things. Talking the doing the things. Talking about the stuff. It's all going to happen. It's all going to go down. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be wild. You're going to love it. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to blow your goddamn minds. It's going gonna, it's gonna to blow your balls off. Um, I don't know. I don't know why I'm talking all fast and shit. You know what I mean? That's weird, isn't it? It happens. Yeah, it happens. You know, fucking deal with it. I don't. I, I. I don't know what's going on this episode, Jake. Not a big fan of it. Oh, what? really? I thought. I what? thought you were enjoying yourself. No, I don't this episode know. is going great. What hey. are you talking about? I don't. It's all. <laughs> I loved Rebecca's response to that. <laughs> Clear offense. Uh, you know, Someone I, needs another tequila drink. No, I, there needs to be like if if this podcast was more popular, if more people listened to it, <laughs> and if I was a known commodity, there would be a Snickers commercial where like somebody is feeling like shit, and I would be like in Danny DeVito's <laughs> spot. You know what I mean? You're not yourself until you get a Snickers, and like I'm the guy, the <laughs> shitty guy. I'm the shitty personality before said person eats said Snickers. <laughs> Before the person gets that fucking, like, injection of nougat, peanuts, caramel, and chocolate, I'm the asshole. I'm the fucking, I'm the angry Betty White. I'm the angry Danny DeVito. (laughs) Oh, can we please make that commercial? Oh, wouldn't it be good, Leo? (laughs) Oh, I had to mute myself. I was laughing. Here's the thing. Here's the, hey, Jake. I know. Jake, here's the episode that I want. I want, I want Leo and Neil on an episode. Oh god damn it. Oh, like, man. Oh, oh man. I can handle that. That would be a great episode. That's the episode that I want. That's the episode. I will see yeah, I'll sit back. I will sit back and let these two motherfuckers just go at it. It's a, they're great. I Oh my god. Met met so many fantastic people at C2E2. And I'm just talking about two right now, but it's like this, everybody that we've met at C2E2 has just been absolutely fantastic. Hope to meet new people this year. Not next year, so, you know. It's, uh, hey, let's take a break. You know, we've been talking about that fucking break for the past 10 minutes. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I forgot about it. I thought we were getting ready to do more news. Or hey, you want to talk, talk about supporting Brian Singer movies a little bit more, Jay? <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk about – you want to you dance around that awkward thing and try to make it – you know what I mean? Try, 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 try to justify watching old Brian Singer films. Yeah, why don't we talk about our love for uh, Usual Suspects when we come back and break? <laughs> oh, my God. It's still a goddamn good movie, and that's the hard thing. It's the hard thing. Here's the thing. Like, I – this is what's fucked up. Like, I was like, I am done watching uh, – oh, my God, um, Woody Allen movies. I, I was done. I was like, I'm not watching any more Woody Allen movies. Jake, I broke that promise when he fucking made that movie with uh, – the Larry David With movie. Larry David, man. Yeah, I almost did there, but I did not. You're a better man than I am, aren't you? <laughs> no, I probably would have if I – it was probably laziness uh, that went out there more than anything. You know, it had Zoe. You know that morale. Dude, it's it's fucked you know up. Go ahead, Leo. You know what? You know what I bet Brian Singer could direct that we'd all watch? What's that? An e-cig commercial with Stephen Dorff. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's they're the perfect length. They're about a minute five. Don't talk about so. length with Singer. It doesn't matter with that. 
Uh, yeah, he just finished the boys too. Oh my! Oh! Oh my God! Savage Jake just appearing out of the field. <laughs> <laughs> you know, on Amazon Prime. <laughs> uh, let's, let's let's take a break after that one, my friend. Oh my god! Uh, Leo, give me a will. <laughs> I got. I'm running low on fuse. <laughs> Hi, I sound like Morgan Freeman. I bet most of you do some online shopping with Amazon. It's just so easy. I myself logged in today to buy adult diapers. No, I'm not embarrassed. I have zero shame. And I really don't give a fuck what you think. I'm at that age. You'll get here too one day. And don't think that you won't, you naive asshat. One day you too will be just like Jamie Lee Curtis and shitting your body weight and Dan and yogurt, and the next thing you know, you'll be on Amazon ordering adult diapers saying, holy shit, that freckled face fucker was right. Anyway, the whole point of this is to tell you that popcultureleftovers.com has an Amazon shopping link. What that means is when you click on the link from their website, it helps the show. It doesn't charge you extra at all. You just shop like you regularly would, and Amazon takes care of the rest. It's easy and convenient, just like these diapers. I literally blew up this diaper while recording this ad. Hashtag truth. All right, hey, we are back. Uh, yada yada yada. What are we? Oh yeah, if you want to, if you want to watch App Pupil, it is on Crackle. Uh, with ads, so Crackle free app. You can watch it for free on Crackle if you want to check that movie out. Uh, hey, Rebecca, you're doing a new podcast. Tell everybody about that. Get yourself off mute, whatever you're doing. <laughs> She's on mute. Are you on mute, Rebecca? I'm not, I'm not on mute. No, I'm not. What the, on mute. what the fuck? Are you confused about your new podcast? <laughs> like, what's going on? <laughs> I'm not sorry. I'm are, are you are you are you refle- are you thinking about Stephen Dorff and those blue cigs? What's going on? No, I really I could I I devote zero percent of my day to thinking about Stephen Dorff or e cigarettes. <laughs> were, were you were you were you downloading the Crackle app? I was. Uh, sorry, my I spaced there for a second. Yes, I have a new podcast. Thank you for uh, bringing it up. Uh, it's called Picard Cast, and surprise, surprise, it's a Star Trek podcast. Who would have thunk it? Um, what? I know. What? So a couple episodes ago, uh, Brian, you had correctly guessed that I would be doing a Picard show, a Picard recap show, and uh, Brooke approached me about doing one, and I said yes. And we have recorded our zero episode where we break down the San Diego Comic-Con trailer and we introduce you to uh, us, me and Brooke, and what our connection to Star Trek is. So 
right now, Cardcast can be found on Brooke's feed, uh, where she has her other shows. We're just waiting on iTunes or Apple Podcast approval, uh, and then we'll be everywhere in Apple Podcasts and Google Play and all that other stuff. Um, uh, until the show actually starts next year, we do have a couple of episodes planned where uh, we will be reviewing uh, important Next Generation episodes that you need to watch to catch up and be ready for Picard cast uh, or for, for the Picard series. Sorry. And also we will talk about the movie Nemesis, which is, seems to have a big tie in to the show as well. And um Right now, Star Trek Las Vegas is going on, so there'll probably be some news for us to talk about there. So, yeah, we've got some episodes planned to uh, get you ready for the Picard series. So it's called Picard Cast. There you go, everybody. Uh, subscribe, download Picard Cast, listen to Rebecca and Brooke, and I cannot wait for the series to come out. And listen to your recaps about each episode, because if there's anybody I'm going to listen to and trust, it's going to be Rebecca. You are the biggest Star Trek fan that I know. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. I'm that much of a geek and a nerd. Yes, but uh, well, I, yeah, didn't, I, yeah, I didn't mean to deprecate you. No, no. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm. Listen, I'm the one that showed up to cosplay at C2E2 as a Vulcan. Oh. I, I completely. I I get it. I'm that. I'm that kind of a nerd. So, it was. It was. Yeah. Fucking amazing. I just saw an article as I went. Uh, I went outside to cool down because I don't have my air conditioning on right now in the house because it makes this noise and it affects the recording. So I went outside to cool down, and um, because it's actually very cool here at night, uh, I saw an article on Screen Rant, and it says Star Trek Discovery Three will have a new captain. Mm. Did you see that, Rebecca? I did. Yeah. Oh, holy shit. I can't get anything on you. You know everything. <laughs> I got to keep up and stuff, you I, know? I can so. tell. You're on your game. That's why people should be listening to Picard Cast because she's on top of things. Just like Brian Singer. Guys. Oh. 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 oh, oh, oh. No, never mind. I was going to say something. Forget it. No, say I, I would love to hear Rebecca go inappropriate. Yeah, but the, the things that I am on top of are of age of consent. So there you go. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's talk about Chris Evans. Um, okay. <laughs> so yeah, the, Red Sea Diving Resort. Yeah, the Red Sea Diving Resort. This is a Netflix original spy thriller film about a group of Israeli intelligence officers and Ethiopians who, in the early 1980s, used a deserted holiday retreat in Sudan as a front to smuggle thousands of refugees refugees to Israel. The the undercover team carrying out this mission is led by Ari Levinson, played by Chris Evans, and Kabidi Bimro, paid, played by uh, Michael Kenneth Williams. Uh, the cast also includes uh, Haley Bennett, Alessandro Nivola, uh, Mikhail Husman, Chris Chalk, Greg Kinnear, and Ben Kingsley. Uh, it's based on the true-life rescue efforts of Operation Brothers. The film features uh, Mossad agents based out of the Mossad-operated resort named Arus on the, on the Red Sea up the coast from Port Sudan, working to rescue and evacuate Jewish Ethiopians from Sudan to Israel in 1984. I got about 20 minutes into this one before I tapped out. I don't know if it gets any better, but it just did not grab me enough and I was not looking forward to get back. It was long, two, a little over two hours and it just did not grab me. So I want Rebecca and Leo, did you see this one? Yeah, made it through the whole thing. Okay, so I want to know from you guys, is this something that I should jump back on to 
Uh, I probably will value Leo's opinion a little bit more since Rebecca's such a Chris Evans fangirl. Cause, uh, That's fine. That's a fair point. <laughs> yeah. Don't well, disagree. awkward moment here because, Brian, I just think we've never talked about it, but I... <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, my man crush is Chris Evans. Like, I'm a huge fucking fan. Okay, I am. Uh, I, I am not gonna get a. Uh, I'm not gonna get a fair opinion here. I can tell. Well, maybe because uh, I'm what? actually. Uh, can I go ahead and rate it? Yeah, go ahead. I um, I was actually just kind of at a taste it like it, and I mean, my thoughts to you would be if you fell off within the first twenty minutes, then I. I don't know if you're going to enjoy the rest of it. Mm. So, Mm. um, I mean, I guess I'll just kind of talk briefly, but I, I felt like there were some really good tense moments in the movie where I felt the tension and there was good suspense. I, I didn't really feel well connected to any of the characters. Like I didn't feel like they gave me a lot of information about most of them. I mean, we got to know Chris Evans character a little bit, but really he just, and I, I mean, I never thought I'd say this in a negative way, but it just kind of felt like a captain America clone almost. And like a bit of a typecast, but it felt like a little shallow for this kind of movie. Mm. Mm. Interesting. I mean, yeah. yeah, and it's based off of a true story, so like that's cool. And I felt like, I mean, just you know, engaging with these people's story and like how they rescued like all of these people that were suffering, um, like that and the suspense is what makes me give it a taste. It, but yeah, yeah I mean, ultimately, I can't go much further beyond that. I'll be honest with you, you're not you're not turning me around on finishing this one. And I like the cast. I love Chris Evans. Big fan of Michael Kenneth Williams. Love Greg Kinnear. Absolutely love Greg Kinnear. And I'm talking about, I'm going back to like the early 90s when he took over for later with Bob Costas. I was watching yeah. him do, I was watching him do late night television. Half an hour show. And I thought that like Greg Kinnear jumped into late night, Jake, and he just killed it. He was fantastic on late. He was so good on that fucking show. And then to watch him become like an actor and to see like him do uh, different movies. He did a movie about the guy that invented the windshield wiper for the car. And it's like everybody talks about the movie The Founder with, uh, you know, uh, uh, Michael Keaton. It's a great movie. But like there's also a movie with Greg Kinnear where he's the guy that invents the windshield wiper. And it's a great fucking movie. Love Greg Kinnear. And then Ben Kingsley, goddamn legend. And I just, I, I couldn't even get the Ben Kingsley. I didn't even get it that far in this movie to get the Ben Kingsley. Rebecca, what did you think about Red Sea Diving Resort? Yeah, um, so the, the biggest draw for me to watch this movie is Chris Evans is in it. Um, no that shit. Was, that was the number one. No, I'm not no. going to lie. I was excited <laughs> about this movie from forever ago when I first heard he was doing it. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I'm a Chris Evans fan, girl. Absolutely. Um this movie is basically two hours of hero porn is what it is. And it focuses completely on Chris. Like you, like there's a whole montage of him getting the team together, but there's zero character development for any of these people. We don't really know much about them where he knows them from. We get a little bit of background with him and Sammy, the guy who's the doctor. Um, they have like I think the most that they really spent on screen together. Um, 
tonally, like, this movie switched tones so quickly. So, like, one minute you're watching this incredibly sad story about Jewish uh, Ethiopians who are being oppressed and they're in refugee camps, you know, and then you're watching a movie where it's like, oh, they think we're running a resort. Guess we better pretend we're running a resort. And it's, like, all crazy music and funny montages. What and it's the like, fuck? It, it switches on a dime the tone to this movie, then it goes back to a spy movie. And I'm sorry, but these people are all supposed to be Israeli Mossad agents. I don't think there's one Jewish person in this cast. <laughs> I mean, Chris Evans is walking around with a big old star David on the necklace, and I'm like, really, though? Like, I get you're playing a real... I mean, they couldn't cast any Israeli actors to play Mossad agents? Like, yeah, uh, I That really bugged me. I honestly did not figure out that they were Israeli secret agents until, like, 30 minutes into the movie. Yeah. I thought they Hold were on. U.S. agents. Does, does, does Ben yeah. Kingsley show up as Gandhi in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> he does. He does. No, right? You spoiled it, Leo. Oh, I fucked There's a uh, surprise cameo by uh, Scarlett Johansson in this one. <laughs> Johansson plays an Ethiopian person, and we got Fisher Stevens re- reprising his role from uh, uh, Johnny Five. I messed up that joke. That was a funnier joke in my head. Um, you, yeah, you, you were sh- rocking. Short circuit. Fuck. That joke was funny in my head, and I messed it I up. I totally see where you're going. I was going to go with, uh, and I can't even, the guy from uh, uh, The Outsiders that played, uh, they, they, you know what I'm talking about? What was it? Soul Man? Do you remember that movie? <laughs> oh, that movie was terrible. Oh, it killed his career. Yeah. Oh, Soul yeah, Man. What sure. was it? Soul Man. Let me look this up. Who was the actor? Soul Man. And oh, Brian, no. it was oh. uh, C. Thomas Howe. Yeah. C. Thomas Howe. That guy was on the rise, and then he does Soul Man. Killed his career. 100%. Oh. You know, I, I would say, like, th- this movie has a really great premise. And I, I, I love it. It's based on a real true story of how these Israeli agents smuggled people out of Africa, brought them to Israel. But this movie, the story of the refugees is completely lost here. Like it, it's, it's all focused. It's the whole focus is on Chris. It really is. And like normally I'm, I'm like, you know, thumbs up, hooray, but I, this is not the movie to do that. And there's also, like, really random scenes of him working out for no reason. Like, <laughs> he's, like, doing pull-ups and then mm. doing push-ups, and then he's I running run, around. I see like, Chris Evans? Yeah. yeah and Rebecca's Chris complaining about And this is I, the negative part to Rebecca. No, no, no. This would be the only good part. There is a scene where he, like, gets, <laughs> he, like, gets out of bed and he's not wearing anything, and you get to you like a whole bunch of thigh. It feels like, it feels like this movie actually read like the comment cards from Rebecca. You know, like that, <laughs> you know, like that, that, or that, this, that, that's a plot. There's the, when you go to work and they're like, anything that we could do to improve. And like, there's that box and you put like your little card in there 
you know, and uh, you write down like what they could do. Uh, this seems like they were like Rebecca wrote down like more workout scenes, shirtless scenes with Chris Evans. It just feels like they were responding to things that you wanted, yeah, Rebecca. I know. I know. It's, it's like they sat down with me and was like, "So, what would you like in a Chris Evans movie?" And I'm like, "Let's see. No clothes. More, more working out." beard his hair looks good yeah like those are all things i want um i don't know like i just felt like if this was not well executed and it really does fall into the trope of like white saviors uh and it's really upsetting because i wanted to love this movie i really did i i love i love chris evans i want to support his projects but for me i'm gonna give this uh come on be honest I know, I know, I know. Um, Come on. Okay, for me, it's a taste it. But I think that there are other people who would watch this and would give it a low taste it or even toss it. I think, uh, I think me, that if, it's a taste it. I think that if you were being honest with yourself, you would give it a low taste it. <laughs> I probably should give it a low taste it. I know it, you should. But I'm I am not <laughs> going to and you can't. There we go. That's uh, that you're, you're demonstrating female empowerment by not giving the man of your dreams his like an oh, honest. That's not even <laughs> <really female empowerment. laughs> I'm empowered 24 seven, baby. I don't want Chris <laughs> to empower me. Um, <laughs> any, anyway, I, I just, yeah, I mean, you're just like those, those workout scenes kind of put this movie over the top for me, Brian. I had to, I had to bump it up a little bit. Edged out, like, I'm like, oh, okay, we're going to watch you work out. Oh, okay, why not? Oh, you're not going to have a shirt on? Oh, okay, cool. Why I'll not? watch, uh, fact, it's like, I'll watch Chris Evans do Zumba for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, watch, I mean, I'll watch him CrossFit for 45 minutes, you know? Not. I mean, you know, it could, it could happen, like, it could happen. But yeah. anyway, I'm just, yeah, th- this is not a well-executed movie. If you're not like a Chris Evans fangirl like I am, uh, you probably won't watch it. But if you didn't like the first 20 minutes, Brian, I don't think you're going to like anything else. And it is definitely too long. This movie should be at least 20 to 30 minutes shorter. I don't know. I think I'm going to go back and watch those workout <laughs> scenes. <laughs> you can yeah. just watch the workout scenes if you want to. You can watch him getting out of bed and you see his all thigh and stuff. And they tease you. Oh, they might shit. show you that. I got fucking, I want give me 20 minutes of fucking Chris Evans doing P90X. Let's do this. Let's do this. <laughs> you know, doesn't that P90X guy just look like a date rapist? Pretty much. Oh my he's, god, doesn't he? He's he, so creepy. He reminds me, and no offense to you, Leo Bateman, he reminds me of Patrick Bateman from American Psycho. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, where's this going? What the fuck? <laughs> no offense to you, Leo, but he's like exactly like you. No, 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 no. They're, they're names. <laughs> It's just the last names. That's all it is. Because you also I didn't know there was a visual guy. I thought it was just a voice. No, Jake. There's a there's a <laughs> God. I'm blowing your mind with the blue sigs now that there's a, now there's a face to P90X. Jake's whole world is just <laughs> falling around around. It's falling down around him. <laughs> Woo! Jake's just learning so much today. There's a face of P90X. What? 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 <laughs> Stephen Dorff's doing the, the blue sick commercials. They allow that. That's a thing that can happen in this day and age. What? 
Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm just so <laughs> blind on the commercials. Oh my god, you are, Jake. Just, just stay out of the commercial talk. It's, it's, <laughs> you, make, you make things awkward. I want to put a face to the voice now. You gotta look this P90 guy, P90X guy up. He just looks like uh, your typical date rapist. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I watched four weddings and a funeral. Uh, the first episode, the first four episodes are available on Hulu. I watched the first one. Uh, this is a television adaptation of the romantic comedy film Four Weddings and a Funeral. That movie starring, is it, is it, is it Hugh Grant in that one? Yeah. Yeah, you could, I saw that movie like maybe 20 years ago. I remember enjoying it. I don't, I don't remember like hating it, but I don't like remember everything about that movie. Like if I, if I had to take a four weddings and a funeral quiz, I'd probably <laughs> fail. You know what I mean? Uh, the series was created by Mindy Kaling and, uh, Matt Warburton. Uh, the showrunner, uh, is Tracy Wigfield and stars Natalie Emmanuel, Nikesh Patel, Rebecca Rittenhouse and John Paul Reynolds. Uh, did anybody else get a chance to see this on Hulu? I no. did. You watched it, Leo? Yeah, I watched three episodes. Oh, my God, Leo. Wow. Okay, I got to talk to you about this. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. Rebecca, <laughs> did you get a chance to see any of this? Wait, wait, you on mute? You Lots talking? awkward Rebecca moments. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like uh, we, I ask Rebecca a question. It's like, is she, is she on mute? What's going on? <laughs> She's, uh, what is she thinking about? Chris for seven? No, I was, I was, <laughs> what I was are you, on- you you thinking about Chris Evans doing some jazzercise right now? What's going on? I'm always thinking about Chris Evans. <laughs> you were rewatching the nudity scene, weren't you? Are you guys? I, it wasn't really nudity though. It was just his thigh, and that's that's all. Are you guys? Are you guys impressed that I went from uh, I went from uh, Zumba to P90X to jazzercise? Jazzercise. <laughs> I mean, hold it was a on. transition. Have you seen Prancercising? No, oh my God. no, but I was going to go to sweat into the oldies. Okay, also, also a good choice, but at some point you should look up prancercising because it is a real thing that a lady invented, and she swears it is a good way to exercise. Wait, that's actually a real video? I thought that was oh, a joke. That's a real video, my oh, friend. Oh, no. Yes. Oh, oh yes. No. You so, Rebecca, when while you were unresponsive, yes, yes, I, really I asked you while you while you were having, I don't know, a stroke or whatever the fuck was going on with you in breathe, that moment. Breathe. Uh, yeah, breathe, <laughs> Jumanji. Um, I, I asked you, had you watched Four Weddings and a Funeral, the series on Hulu? I had not, okay. I, but I said no earlier. Oh, did, uh, well, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I must have missed that <laughs> through all the chaotic. <laughs> anyway, four weddings and a few. Leo, you've watched three episodes. Uh, it follows four American friends, Maya, Craig, Ainsley, and Duffy, who reunite for a fabulous London wedding. But uh, <laughs> who's giggling? That's me. I'm that sorry. was Leo. Oh man! Uh, but after a bombshell at the altar throws their lives into turmoil, they must weather the tumultuous year of romance and heartbreak. Relationships are forged and broken. Political scandals exposed. London social life lampooned. Love affairs ignited and doused. And of course, there are four weddings and a funeral. So that is four weddings and a funeral synopsis. I uh, live. Leo, you know what? Who, who want, do you want me to go first? Or do you want to go first, man? I, 
since you only watched one episode, why, why don't you go first? All right, here's the thing. I, I'm going to be 100% honest with you, Leo. Yeah. I didn't love this, but I also didn't hate it. <laughs> All right, it's something that I can see like uh fuck, I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I Do think it. that no I, I think that I'm going to continue with this. I if you love like uh soap operas, rom-coms, Melrose Place like this I feel like this is a blend of all those things like you've got it's crazy there's like so many twists and so many different things that come into play here it feels I don't know it's you got Maya Maya she's uh, seeing this guy and he's running for senator and Ted Ted, played by Tom Dewey from Hulu's Casual big fan of Tom Dewey love him she's in love with Ted but spoilers Ted's married but he's been promising, like they all do, to leave his wife. I'm going to leave her. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to leave her. I'm going to be with you. It's not now's not the right time. You know, the kids are in school. Blah blah blah. Whatever's going on. I'm going. I'm doing my. I'm doing my. Uh, I'm trying to be a senator here. Like once. Once that's all done, I'm going to. I'm going to leave her. I'm going to be with you. So yeah, just promises, 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 promises. Exactly. So now Maya goes. Uh, she's flying to London. She's going to meet up with her old friends here, Craig Ainsley and Duffy. And uh, her luggage is lost. She's at the airport. She's trying to figure out, like, what happened to her luggage. And she uh, talks to this guy who's in a management position at the airline. And uh, he has her follow his son uh, to uh, baggage claim to find her bags. They hit it off really well. Uh, not so, it's not, not so much in the beginning, a little bit of conflict, but then they start talking and they hit it off really well. And later in the episode, we find out that she has kind of like a little crush on him. And spoilers, he's engaged to her friend Ainsley! Dun dun dun! Oh, it's, it's like Pythagoras up in here with these love triangles. Yes! <laughs> so Maya is dealing with, you know, um, her wife cheating boyfriend and mm. She, but now she has feelings for Cash, who is Ainsley's fiance. But we find out that their friend Duffy has had a crush on Maya for years and wants to profess his love to Maya. And uh, I haven't even started talking about Craig, who's moving in with his girlfriend. But he just found out that he has a kid from a previous woman he had sex with years before. Like these are all like, and this is the first fucking episode. <laughs> And I'll be on. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Like some of this stuff is absolutely ridiculous, but you want to see how it's going to play out. And I am one hundred percent down with this show because it's only one season. It's a limited series, and it it, it basically it's giving you the best of rom coms and sopras. Like it's like they took a rom com and they took a soap opera and they had them get in the bed and they're fucking like they're going down on each other doing <laughs> doggy they're fucking it's a crazy it's a crazy time and uh, I'll be honest with you I did not hate this Leo I'm actually gonna give it a high taste it and I'm probably gonna be continuing with the series because it is one twist after the other it's one love triangle after the other. And it's a guilty pleasure for me to watch. And I'm not even going to say guilty pleasure. Sometimes people you overuse that word. You know what? Fuck it. I like the show. I'm going to stick with it. You watch three episodes. I want to know what you're t- what you're thinking about. Four weddings and a funeral on Hulu. Yeah, man. Um, well, first of all, I mean, I just I agree with a lot of what you said. Like the plot is just. There's all these like ridiculous like cliche soap opera moments. Yeah, it reminds me of that like wedding singer song. 
<laughs> he loves her, but she loves him, and he loves somebody else. Like that's the whole fucking like story <laughs> that we have here. And I don't know, like if it was just the headspace I was in, like disclaimer, like I think I was hungover when I watched <laughs> this first episode. But like all the like drama, I was just fucking feeling it, man. Yeah, I yeah. was like emotionally into it. Like when you find out about like an affair here or a breakup here, I was like tearing up a little. I was like I was emotionally invested in this show. So like looking at the first episode, like I mean, it had its problems, but God Damn, dude, it was a, it was a Tupperware for me, and I immediately like, and I don't normally do this with shows, but I immediately just like, boom, into the second episode, and I'm glad that you liked it too, because I like had written down my rating, I was gonna stick to it. Good for you. Know, yeah, I know this thing has get, been getting butchered on like the fucking internet. Like everybody hates it, compares it to the original. I've never seen the original, so I don't give a fuck. But. Yeah, I just had, like, my armor on, ready to come in here. Like, no, I Tupperware the first episode. I high-taste the second episode. The third episode actually is where it dropped for me. Mm. It was, like, pretty fillery, Mm. really, is what it felt like. Um, And so I kind of low-taste that. But with the way the third episode ends, I have a feeling the fourth episode is going to be pretty fire. So, like, I'm finishing this fucking show. Nice. I, I don't give a shit. Like, I'm already in. I'm halfway through it because, like you said, it's a miniseries. I'm like, I, I just, I got to know what happens to these characters. Hashtag mad respect for Leo right now. Fucking sticking to his guns. Jake, that's a guest that I like. I like it. I don't like it when I come out here first. And let's say if I would have tossed this thing. I still feel like Leo would have came out and said, you know what? Fuck it, Brian. Tupperware grabbing his fucking balls and saying, Tupperware, <laughs> motherfucker, I liked it. I don't care what you think. Oh, yeah. He could have not have faked, he could not have faked it. I love it. That. I fucking no. love it. And I like, I have my notebook here. I, before we started recording, I locked in all my answers. Yes. So every rating I give yes. is, is what we have. It's, it's not being persuaded. Yes. That's how so. you do it. That's how you do it. That's how I do it, man. I write down my ratings on my screen and it's one of those things. Very rarely have I not written down a rating. Very rarely is it a last minute thing with me, but I always lock in my ratings before. I never talk about my ratings for anything. Before we do an episode, because I want those, I don't want to be influenced by other people's opinions. And I, mad fucking respect for you right now and the way that you're approaching this episode, dude. So mad, mad fucking respect and mad props there. But, uh, Thanks. I, I, no, I love that. I love that. I, it, it's, it, this, this show is not going to be for everybody, but I'll be honest with you. You know, I say guilty pleasure, but, I think when sometimes when people say guilty pleasure, it's kind of like their way of like having an out and saying like, yeah, this is not good, but I kind of like it. Like, you know, it's like eating that red velvet cheesecake, you know, it's like, oh, I'm on a diet, but it's my cheat day. You know, it's like, no, man, I fucking like this show. I like it's I know what it's doing. I know that it's playing to fucking people that love soap operas, that love rom-coms. I know what it's doing. But man, they're presenting it in a way that I really enjoyed Cash. I, I, I want to know what's going to happen to Maya. I'm rooting mm-hmm. for Maya. I'm rooting for Cash. But I'm also rooting for this fucking Duffy guy. Dude, the fucking just say anything stuff with him and the, yeah. I, you know, I'm rooting for this guy. I don't, I don't want him to end up with Maya. I think I want him to find somebody else. So I'm, I'm totally playing into this show. This is something I'm totally going to, finish watching i think it's i think it's fun i don't think it's just something for like 
You know, I, I, I guess it's easy for me to say like, oh, my mom would love this. Or like, if your girlfriend or fiance watches Lifetime for women all fucking day, this is their show. No, if you're a guy, I think you could even get into this stuff. Like there's, there, like you can get into this. It's, it's, uh, it's just fun. It's just fun. Yeah. A lot of twists. Sure. Yeah. Sorry. I, I was no. just going to say like, for sure, everything that you said. And I feel like, I kind of wonder, too, if maybe that's why I enjoy it so much, because I I don't watch a lot of like rom com kind of stuff. And so maybe I'm, you know, I'm not as familiar with the cliches or the tropes, but I'm just like eating this shit up like it's fucking cereal. Hey, like, hey, I'm Leo. just like talking to the TV, like, ooh, like what's she gonna do? Like, I'm fucking, I'm all about, like, and I realize, like, as I'm doing it, it's ridiculous, but goddamn, if I didn't have a good time. And like, I'm, I'm glad that you like brought this show up and said, yeah, you would be talking about it, because otherwise, I probably never would have checked out this show, because it's like, outside my normal genre selection but i'm grooving it i am nice very cool what what are you usually watching man what are you usually watching you watching like stallone movies you watching like <laughs> you know what i mean I, I just, you know what are you watching dude fair question um I, so i do like pretty much anything superhero related like yeah. i'll kind of check out or be interested in um of course which is like you know what brought me to your podcast and everything um, isn't that crazy? Your- isn't that crazy, Leo? You just like, well, do you remember your first episode? Do you remember when sure. we popped your cherry? Yeah, sure fucking do. What was it? It was uh, Days of Future Past. Really? And, oh, wow. And it was, well, it's kind of interesting because like back then I was rocking just an old iPod. So I had to like download every episode. Yeah. And I was taking a road trip and I was just like, you know, like I want to hear like, like comic book stuff, like da da da. And I saw y'all's, it was a long episode, like movie review. I was like, yeah. And I got into it and then I I didn't listen like for a while. And that's I mean, <laughs> you know, nothing like against because I love the episode. But I'm, oh, I'm, I'm a little offended, sir. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> but I just like I, uh, I didn't really listen to podcasts. But then, you know, fast forward like a year or two later, I had another long trip coming up and I was like, ah, oh, you know, maybe I can listen to some podcasts. Like, what was that one I really fucking liked from way back when? And then I downloaded the Logan episode Ah. and then I kind of, then I just started fucking cherry picking. Like I was like hitting your movie reviews and then I was like, well, fuck it. I'm enjoying everything I'm hearing. So I just like started up at the current date and kept up. Jake, listen to this, man. This is us. This is a guy that listened to us. This is his experience with us. And this is what brought him to C2E2. This is what brought him to the show. Dude, I got to feel good about that. I, I can't deny myself feeling good about that, man. No, it's it's fucking awesome. It's hilarious to think that Days of Future Past was so long ago that people were still like downloading podcasts to devices, right? Well, and I live in Montana, so we're, we lag a little in technology time. Dude, uh, my my aunt lives in Montana. Yeah, you mentioned that. Uh, my aunt lives in Montana. Yeah, Rebecca, we were supposed to get an interview with Dirk Benedict, who also lives in Montana, but Man. that wait, where is where does he? Live? <sighs> and, he lives in like some ranch. He lives on some ranch in Montana in the middle of nowhere, apparently, yeah. and like doesn't yeah. really want to do interviews. And yeah. I was heartbroken because I was a huge fan of the A Team back in the eighties. You know, like uh, 11, 12, 13 year old Rebecca had a huge crush on Dirk Benedict, and. Uh, 
Yeah, he didn't. He didn't want to do it. No, he did. It, there's like there's a moment where he was like, "I'm going to do it," and then he backed out. And the, I mean, the reason is he's very like. Uh, it's not like he's one of these off the grid guys. It's just like what he's very kind of like out of that Hollywood lifestyle. And they actually had to take their production to him. They he didn't go to you know Hollywood or wherever they filmed like. They had to go to him and film his parts. That's the, he's just very out of that world now. And yeah. I was hoping that we were going to get him. I spoke too soon. I told our listeners that we're going to get him on the show possibly. And it just kind of fell through. So, um, you know, things like that do happen. I was looking forward to it too, Rebecca. It fucking kills me. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I also grew up watching him on the original Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Uh, when he played Starbuck. Yeah. I, um, huge fan of his, of his work back in the eighties. And, uh, yeah, that's a shame. Yeah. Oh, well. Shit like that happens. You know, sometimes you swing for the fences, right? So. Yeah. Leo, happy to have you on this episode, dude. Man, fucking happy to be here, having a great time. I'm happy that you're fucking, you're grabbing your balls and you're giving me your real ratings and you're not fucking like, you know what I mean, Jake? He's not pussing out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, we've definitely had people come on here and puss out. That's definitely happened. Yeah, it's been, dude, this is a puss-free zone and Leo is... <laughs> <laughs> I got that Montana whiskey in me. I'm fucking ready to go. Woo! Montana whiskey. Give me a woo, Leo. Come on. There we go. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure all our listeners love that. That was a proper <laughs> woo. I, I'm going to level this episode. Don't worry. It's, it's not going to get blown out. Thank God. I watched uh, Madness in the Method. This is the uh, film that stars Jason Mewes. Uh, you'll know him from Mallrats, Clerks, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, and the upcoming Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Uh, also stars uh, Vinnie Jones from Snatch, uh, Gina Carano. Uh, she was in uh, Deadpool, uh, Haywire. Uh, and I believe a Fast and Furious film, correct? Was she in one of the Fast and yeah. Furious movies, Gina Carano? I don't remember that. I think I think so. Let's move on. I don't remember. Let's move on. You guys are unhelpful. Uh, mm. <laughs> I should have looked this up. That's my. That's me. That's on me. If she was, it wasn't a very like big part, right? Obviously, yeah. That's on me. Jaime Camille. Uh, Kevin Smith, of course, Danny Trejo, uh, Stan Lee in his last on-screen role. Yes, Stan Lee had his last um, uh, Marvel cinematic appearance in Endgame, but his last on-screen role is in Madness in the Method. Uh, Terry Hatcher is also in this, Brian O'Halloran, and then Dean Cain. So it's got both uh, you know, Lois and Clark, uh, Terry Hatcher and Dean Cain in this film. Um, in the film, Jason Mewes, tired of Hollywood's perception of him, embarks on a quest to reinvent himself as a serious actor. Upon advice from his best friend, Kevin Smith, Mewes tracks down a highly secretive method acting book with disastrous consequences. Joining the star-studded ensemble are also David Dasmalkian, Mickey Goose Jr., uh, Blake Harrison, Casper Van Dien, Judd Nelson, and then Zach Galligan from uh, Gremlins is also in this movie. Whoa. Yeah, it's got a lot of cameos and things like that. I'll, I'm going to be 100% honest with you when it comes to this film. I do think that you have to be kind of like um, in the Kevin Smith view askew lore. Like you have to know these movies. You have to know Jason Mewes. You have to know – uh, Jay and Silent Bob, you have to have watched Clerks and like some of those movies to really 
get this film. It, you've got Jason Mewes, who's been typecast kind of like as the stoner buddy, and he's trying to break out of that mold. We see a lot of people like get typecast in, in uh, movies and in television, and he's trying to be one of these guys that breaks out of this mold. So he goes to this uh, audition, and he's reading lines in front of a director and some of the people that are you know producers or whatever, and that are involved in casting and he's actually not reading for the stoner buddy part that they intended for him to read for. He's reading for the leading man role and he's trying to be gritty. He's trying to be serious. And of course, at the end of the read, they're like, we wanted you for this role. Cause he, you know, they've typecast him as this guy. That was really interesting. There's some really interesting stuff in the first act and some really interesting stuff in the third act. I think, the second act needed a lot of tweaking and Jason Mewes actually directed this film. Um, so not only is he having to do like the acting within the film and be the main protagonist throughout this movie, but he's also the director of this film. So he had his plate full here. Um, I, I, I really, I want to be 100%. I'm a huge fan of this guy. I love Jason Mewes. I've been rooting for him ever since I watched him in Clerks when I was 16 years old, I, That's which is a long time ago thinking about it now. I've been rooting for this guy and his sobriety and everything. Um, I'm going to be 100% honest in my writing here. I'm going to give this a taste it because I felt like the first act was very strong. And then the third act, there's a scene between him and Kevin Smith that gets real. That gets real. If you know these guys, it gets real. And it's like one of those things where like Kevin is being real with him and saying like, I cast you as the stoner buddy and I don't want to see you get a leading man role because if it fails... I don't want to see my friend go down the road of losing his sobriety again. I don't want to go through that again because that was a real thing with Jason Mewes. He was an addict in real life and Kevin Smith like had to push him out of his life for a while and you know, tough love. And, but there, Jason turned things around. He fell off the wagon a few times, but he turned things around. And like now he does a podcast, Jay and Silent Bob Get Old, where every week he talks about like how long it's been since, so how long it's been that he's been sober, what that journey's been like. And now he's been talking about fatherhood because now he has a daughter, Logan Muse. Yeah, and that, so that's really cool. Do you know how long he has been sober? Oh uh, God, I, I don't know the exact it's been years now. It's been a, it's been quite a while. I, I don't know the exact time. I'd have to, um, yeah. I apologize. Good I don't for know. Him. Yeah, but good for him. Like he's been yeah. sober. Uh, you know, he's married. His wife is actually like one of like the the people that are very highly involved in the you know in Kevin Smith's. Like I think it's like, she's like Kevin Smith's assistant and and um, oh. and Jason's uh, recently. You know, now he's entering fatherhood and. And here he is doing a movie, and honestly, I'm going to be honest with you. I felt like this movie was dark, but there was a lot of comedy in it. I would have I would have taken out some of the comedy in the second act and kept this one darker, because I think Jason can handle it. I really do, and I think he handled it well. Um, the dark stuff at the beginning, and then 
I think the third act had so many twists that really got me back into the movie. I think like the biggest part for me was the second act I think was the weakest, but I think there's a lot of potential and promise with Jason Mewes going forward as a director. And I know that sounds crazy. And I think maybe I, I, I don't want to say, I don't want to sound like I'm just biased here because I'm a huge fan of Jason Mewes because I am being very critical of the second act. I do think that the second act, there's a lot of tweaking that needs to be done. And some of the humor just didn't land, and I wanted it to be a little bit more serious. But that first act and the third act, I think, were very well done. And so I got to give the guy props for taking on such a big task and actually putting together something I thought was pretty enjoyable. So I'm going to give this movie a taste it, and it's called Madness in the Method, and uh, it's in limited release in theaters, and you can rent it on YouTube, I believe, for five ninety nine or six ninety nine. So check it out. I, this is something that I, if you're a huge fan of the VSQ universe and, and the Kevin Smith movies and, you know, Jane Silent Bob, this is something you're definitely not going to want to miss. So hey, Brian. Yes. Um, so you said you really like kind of like the darker parts of the movie mm-hmm. more. So in, in your opinion, um, does Jason Muse like, can he act in a serious way? Yeah. The, I honestly felt like, Oh God, I'm going to be 100% honest here. There's the scene between him and Kevin where they're yelling at each other. Right. You got to understand, like a lot of this plays into the fact that I've listened to these guys record podcasts and I know their love for each other. Sure. But to watch them yell at each other and get personal, like in like, and this is like multiverse, Kevin multiverse. Like this is them in another universe where like, he spirals out of control after trying to be a method actor and mm. and um, it takes him down a very dark path and you've got Kevin and Jay yelling at each other and getting saying very personal things things that are very hurtful like I started to get emotional I started to get very sad because like this is I've known these guys as like friends for like you know 25 plus years now and I've been I've been championing like both of these guys. Like I haven't loved everything Kevin's done, but I love him as a person, and I love Jason as a person um, from everything that I know about them. And so, like watching this scene and this scene getting really dark, like I wanted more of that. I think he can handle that, and I think like some of the comedy stuff they could have left out. I think he could have. I think he could have went. For, I think he could have went for it and just went really dark with this. Yeah. And done his cool. own thing. Like, I don't want to see, like, and I love uh, Brian Johnson. Brian Johnson from, you know, uh, is a Kevin Smith uh, friend, and he did that movie Vulgar. I thought that Vulgar was, like, it's a perfect title. I thought Vulgar was a little too dark for me. Um, I didn't want it to be that dark. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen Vulgar, but it, there's there's some scenes. Mm-hmm. There's yeah, some, no. There are some scenes in Vulgar that are very disturbing, but that's that's from Brian Johnson's mind, and Brian Johnson is a creature upon himself. He's <laughs> he's a different kind of dude. I, I but I love Brian Johnson. I listened. I have not missed an episode of Tell Him Steve Dave podcast uh, ever. Um, so, but um, yeah, I, if you're a huge Kevin Smith fan, huge Jason Mewes fan. Uh, support this movie, Madness in the Method. I'm going to give it a taste. It. I do think it has value, and I do think that it is something that people should watch. <laughs> hey, um, what are we going to talk about? Uh, the Irishman trailer. Did you guys watch this? 
Yes. Yes. Uh, first teaser, uh, teaser trailer for Scorsese's The Irishman, starring Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, Al Pacino, Ray Romano, and Harvey Keitel, uh, dropped this week. This is a movie that's been being talked about since 2016. Finally got the trailer. Still don't know when this is going to be released. I think they're talking about sometime in the fall, but we don't have an exact date. Um, this is a, uh, adaptation of Charles Brandt's nonfiction book, I Heard You Paint Houses. Robert De Niro plays Frank Sheeran, who admitted killing 25 men for the mob, including his friend, the Teamsters boss, Jimmy Hoffa. Uh, Pesci plays Pennsylvania mob boss Russell Buffalino, and Pacino plays Hoffa. Uh, the movie will get a theatrical release by Netflix, uh, release, uh, yeah, by Netflix this fall before it jumps to the streaming service. Uh, but specific dates for that are not yet set. Um, what did you guys think about this trailer? I'll start with you, Rebecca. Yeah, this trailer looked absolutely incredible. Um, you know, I, when it comes to me and like mob movies, it's kind of 50 50 how I feel about them. I'm not a huge fan of them, but I know that there are some really interesting stories that can be told there. Um, I mean, getting Pacino and De Niro and Pesci and it's Martin Scorsese directing, I mean, it's hard not to be excited about this movie. I mean, there's a lot of talent here. Um, yeah, I thought, and I know that there's like some de-aging technology going on here to make them all look, or to make at least De Niro look younger. Um, I don't know, man. This trailer got me pretty excited uh, for the movie. Um I'm going to give it a high taste. I'm very excited for this movie. Um, I think it could be really, really interesting. And I kind of like the idea that they're going to tell the story of like what could possibly have happened to Jimmy Hoffa, which is, you know, I mean, he confessed he killed him. Who knows if that's true or not? But, um, yeah, I think this is going to be a really, really good story. Jake, what'd you think about this one? Man, I was really blown away by this. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see kind of another, you know, the next Goodfellas and Casino. And then it seems like this, man, it seemed like just the same, like, level of production and, and care. And, man, I'm, I thought this was a Tupperware. I, this could potentially be one of Netflix's biggest movies, I think. Yeah. Um, I'll jump in before we get Leo. I'm going to piggyback off of you. Like, this is, um, I'm, I'm going to give it a high taste it, but like at the end of the day, this could be a Tupperware, like as far as the movie's concerned, but I'll give the trailer a high taste it. I think like, uh, I think I, I need to watch this trailer multiple times. I need to actually watch this on the big screen because the de-aging, I need to see it a little bit more. I, I don't know. Do I need to see, do I need to go back and watch some old De Niro movies? Do I need to watch like the deer hunter? Do I need to watch taxi driver? Cause it was just so weird seeing him so young. I don't, you know what I mean? I think it was easier on my eyes seeing like a younger Will Smith and Gemini man because I remember that. It's been so long since I've seen a really young De Niro that it was just crazy to see it here. Um, so I don't know. Like, did the de-aging look great to you guys? Hmm. I didn't, it, I didn't, it didn't stand out, look fantastic, but it also didn't look distractingly bad. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I kind of feel the same way that, that Jake does. I, it didn't really like I knew they were going to use it, but it didn't really take me out of the experience of being of watching the trailer. This is like Joe Pesci's first movie in years, right? 
Yeah, uh, he was yeah. great in this movie. Just a little bit you saw of him was fantastic, I thought, too. Joe Pesci hasn't done a movie. I feel like it's been like over a decade since this guy's done a movie. Yeah, That's other than a- that stupid Home Alone Super Bowl ad. Oh, I haven't God. seen yeah. him anywhere. That's a possibility. It could be almost a decade he since vo- he's done the movie. He was in a movie called Love Ranch in 2010, and then he voiced a character uh, in an animated movie, it looks like, here back in 2015. But that's, I mean, that's it. That's it. Lo- Love Ranch 100% sounds like a porno. Not- <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> no, it totally, it, Love Ranch just sounds like a guy that really loves uh, tasty condiments. <laughs> there you go. Or <laughs> some guy maybe like, maybe it's a porno that's filled that uh you know uh what is it Hidden Valley. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's a, that's a, what, what we call a double entendre there. <laughs> I want I want to I want to see a guy get all sexy and pouring like, you know, ranch sauce on a woman's nude body. <laughs> that's hot. Stop it, Rebecca. That's hot. But it, no, ranch gets no, that's going to get everywhere. And then I want to see a Texan just going crazy with some barbecue sauce <laughs> <laughs> and, and do an anal. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's going to burn. Oh. <laughs> well, well are, we, are we talking smoky or honey barbecue? We are talking mesquite. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 it's going to burn. It's going to burn. It's gonna burn. Yeah, that is gonna burn. Yeah, not 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 good, not good. I'm gonna rub mesquite all over your teeth. Here we go. Hey, what, Leo, <laughs> what did you, Leo? What did you? What is wrong with me, Leo? What, <laughs> I can answer that, but it'll it'll cost you. Oh no! You after you complimented me so much in the uh, in the interim, the off the the break. Um, what did you think about the Irishman trailer? Yeah, um, well, it sounds like I might be the dissenting opinion here because I, I was kind of meh about it. So I'm going to give it just a a flat taste it um, on the positives. Like I thought, like, obviously, it's got a stacked cast. Um, I thought the de-aging technology looked great because I didn't even notice it until like the third time I watched it. I was like, holy shit, Robert De Niro looks kind of young. And I was like, oh, just like it felt so natural, like it was in there. Um, and then kind of the the music to it and the build up with whatever they were doing like the hey like thing like i felt like made the trailer flow really well but ultimately it just it didn't do much to set it apart from like any other mafia film for me like so yeah yeah it's it doesn't it feel weird that this is what scorsese's doing for his like doing a netflix thing yeah, it is odd. He's just kind of really been waffling around between a bunch of different projects, it seems, lately and being hard-pressed to get, like, fixed on something. Because he's been the, – the Ramones thing has been flopping around all over the place. Oh, yeah. Him. What happened to that? I, I, I still think it's something that's in production, but mm. it's just, you know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I haven't even thought about that. That's crazy. I forgot about that project altogether. Yeah, I just saw something recently about it too. Like, well, not recent, recent, but like four months ago. Yeah, I. 
this is, I, I want to get a date. I want to get another trailer. I mean, it's like, I feel like I'm happy that we got the trailer. I've been looking at that fucking poster for like the past <laughs> half a year. You know what I mean? That fucking, you know that one poster mm-hmm. I'm talking about with fucking De Niro getting ready to shoot that guy on the street? Yeah. That's, I've looked at that, but it feels like I've seen that poster for the past year. You know what I mean? It's like, can you give me something else other than that fucking poster? <laughs> so I finally got it here with this one. I, I'm excited for it. I hope it's fantastic. I, it is, it is, it does feel weird seeing a Martin Scorsese film, uh, going to Netflix. I, I know it's going to get the theatrical release and they're probably doing that because it is Martin Scorsese and they, Netflix wants it to qualify for an Oscar and stuff like that. But, yeah, check out the Irishman trailer. I'm sure it's on YouTube. It's all over YouTube. Um, God damn it. This is one of our longest good pop band pops ever. Isn't it? Getting up there? Yes. It is. It's getting there, yeah. Yeah, shit happens, right? Hey, uh, Jake, do you have anything? Um, Nothing timely. I, I'll, I'll save it for the, the sake of time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir, for your... You're like Iron Man at the end of that Endgame movie. You just, yeah, you, dude, I'm just throwing myself onto the fucking stake here. I... I'm Jake, and you snap your fingers, and your good pop, bad pop just turns into dust. I love it, man. It's amazing. Thank you. I, I mean, it's just, it's nothing that <laughs> can't be brought up in a future episode and will be just as impactful. Just as impactful, Pink. <laughs> Take that either way. <laughs> it's it's going to blow your dicks off, people. Um, Leo, what do you got for good pop, bad pop? Uh, yeah, I just got a couple of quick things I can kind of blast through. Um, this first one, um, it was a movie dropped on Netflix uh, back in May, and I, I don't think you guys have talked about it on here before, but uh, Wine Country? Oh, Wine Country. No, I, I saw it pop up on like uh, Netflix, but I, I did not watch it. It's, it's all the uh, – uh, there's a lot of female – is Maya Rudolph in this one? She sure is, bro. Yeah, it looked really funny, and I <laughs> – it looks like <laughs> she sure is, Brian. <laughs> hey, hey, Brian and I are really bonded over like no. these rom com kind of things. So. No, I, I want us to have I want us to have like this uh like this uh Hoda Kathy Lee kind of conversation. You know what I mean? She sure That's is Brian. I want us to have like this uh morning show talk show kind of like vibe. Me be between me and Leo. You know what I mean? I think we can get that going. Dude, I, I think you're on top of it with your last uh comment about she sure is, Brian. Like that's yeah. totally Totally the vibe that I'm going for when it comes to Leo and Brian in the morning. Would you like to hear who else we have in the cast, Brian? Oh, my gosh. You know what? I you know what's crazy is that I'm drinking uh, just like Kathy Lee uh, <laughs> this wine. I would love to hear the rest of the cast. Yes, please. All right. So it's it's got a pretty thick cast. I mean, we got Amy Poehler, Rachel Dratch, Anna Gasteyer, Maya Rudolph, Paula Pell. Emily Spivy are like the main six people because really this movie's about. Um, I mean, the IMDb synopsis is pretty thin. It's a group of longtime girlfriends goes to Napa Valley for the weekend to celebrate their friend's fiftieth birthday, mm. and that's all they really fucking give you about the movie. Um, but I mean, ultimately, that's that's really what it's about. It's these six women, and they're staying in an Airbnb, which is hosted by Tina Fey. Um, and so she, you know, pops in and out of the movie, uh, to comedic effect. But, uh, really with this movie, um, there's not 
much there plot wise. It's really just about the character relationships between the characters. And uh, I mean, although so there's six of them, so it doesn't really feel like we get too much time with any one particular person. Um, and so I almost think it could have kind of been better if they had like trimmed it down to four people or something. But given that they had six, I felt like they actually did an all in all pretty good job um, as far as letting me get to know the characters, getting to know what's happening with them. And each character kind of has their own different thing, like their own either personality quirk or a problem that they're facing. Um, so like one person's a workaholic and always feels like left out by the group. Um, but really, she's the one always like running off to work, yada, yada. Uh, Amy Poehler's character is kind of uh, reminiscent of Leslie Nope. So kind of like, you know, really organized, kind of controlling and bossy. Um, and ultimately, the movie's about like these friends that have been friends a long time, like getting together and a lot of like coming of age stuff as they're moving on to like the next life cycle that they're in and getting older and dealing with the fallout of that and then also dealing with like some just interpersonal dynamics and conflicts that come up. Um, I enjoyed this movie most of the way through, but it was the ending that kind of took it down to just a taste it overall for me. Mm. So like the movie, like I was sitting at a sweet, pretty high taste it like almost all the way through because this movie has some good comedy moments. Like there was a few times where I laughed out loud, but most of the time I was just smiling. Like I was just like enjoying like watching, you know, these women like deal with stuff and just like their witty repertoire. Like there's one scene where they're it almost feels like a bachelorette party. Like one of the characters is handing out like dildos, like at a bar to each member of their group. And like they each get a different dildo, like based on, you know, their personality. And it was funny. It's like the workaholic got the dildo called the executive for when you need to like get off and get back to work. Or some shit, you know? uh, and it's like, and then the lady that has had like four kids got like the biggest dildo. And then they like make a joke. She's like, yeah, it's like a wet paper bag down there. Like, and so, you know, so there's some good comedy there for sure. Yeah. Um, there's another great scene toward the middle of the movie where they, they get like a tarot reading as part of their uh, vacation. And the lady is just like a huge asshole. And she does the tarot reading and it's like, on point, just like attacking each person's flaws and just <laughs> predicting like a horrible, awful outcome. For That's them. amazing because like every time you get like a reading, it's always positive, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and for- there's this fortune yeah, fortune cookies never say like uh, you're gonna get hit by a fucking semi. You know what yeah. I mean? It's always like uh, here's uh, you know uh, you know. Uh, your friends are going to be somebody that you can lean on. Uh, look to them in the, uh, troubled times. And then like you flip it over and you got your lucky numbers. It's never like, you know, you're, an anvil's going to land on your head. You're going to be dead. You know what I mean? And yeah. Then, like it's not, it's not like fucking like, what, what, what are those, what are those, <laughs> those movies, Jake? The last destination where fucking people are. Oh, final destination. Final destination. Final destination. <laughs> you never get a final destination, uh, fortune cookie. Yeah, and this one is, like, definitely, it's on the negative end, and it's, like, it's funny because they play up that, too. Like, she'll turn over a card, and someone's, like, and she's, like, oh, this is the garden. And someone's, like, oh, that sounds positive. And she's, like, (laughs) well, normally it is, but it's turned upside down, which means, like, and she just always reframes it in a negative way. And 
there's one character who's like super anxious and is always worried about bad things happening. And you see her sit down for like her individual reading because they all take turns. And then the terror lady flips over a card and it zooms in on the card. It's and you hear her voice like say like, ah, this is the devil. And then it pans up to the chair and the chair is just like rocking back and forth. Like it's empty. The ladies like ran out of the room. Um, so there's just, I don't know, some good comedy moments there, but where it kind of drops for me is at the end. Um, the ending just felt super sudden and cheesy. It was like, you have this like buildup of like these ladies are kind of tense with each other and there's going to be some conflict here. And then it fucking happens and they're like going at it. And then suddenly it's done. And then suddenly the movie's over mm. and it was just like all so fast. And I felt like we had this buildup that they, they could have just made it like 20 minutes longer and it would have solved that problem. Um, but it just gets so cheesy, like with some of the like and how they work through their conflicts. Like one example is like <laughs> and just the character growth is cheesy. But one example, it's like, you know, they're all rolling or running down a hill like to get over their fears or whatever the fuck. And then like Amy Poehler is like scared to do it. And so she's grabbed onto a bush and then they're all like, let go. You just need to let go. And it's like, come the fuck on, like, because she's the controlling, organized one, and you're telling her to let go, and it was just so on the. Oh my god! It, no, that is yeah. so deep. <laughs> it just fucking took me out of it. Oh my uh, god! I've honestly, I'm letting go of my metaphorical bush right now, Leo. You've changed my life, dude. Uh, and so it was just like that. I was like, no, you fucking had me. And you lost me. Um, yeah. Well, it didn't lost me. It was still. I enjoyed it. I had a good time. It's a taste. It it's like taste. Taste it isn't a bad rating, but some could have been a little. Some fantastic uh, comedians in that movie. It sounds like. Yeah, they are, and they're. I mean, Tina Fey was was great. Like she was just this really sort of sour, like flat um, Airbnb host that would show up at the perfect times, and you know and that was. You know, I think uh, here's the thing, uh, Jake. Uh, I don't know. It, this is what it feels like with Netflix with me. When it comes to like their TV series, like they're very serious. Like they want, I want this, and I want you're gonna do this. And it's gonna be, it's gonna be this. But I feel like when it comes to their movies and them casting like these big time actors, big time comedians, they're just like, yeah, you can do whatever. Like, yeah, it, it feels like I agree. This movie is just like. Like they got Amy Poehler and they got Maya Rudolph and they got Tina Fey and they got all these fantastic comedians and they're like, what do you want to do? And they're like, we want to go on vacation and drink wine and you can film it. And like, that's what happens. And like, even with Adam Sandler, they're like, hey, Adam, what do you want to do? And he's like, I want to solve a murder mystery on a cruise ship and kind of have a vacation and make kind of a movie you know so it's i don't know man i've seen two really good netflix movies and i'm sure there's other ones out there but i've seen roma and i am mother other than that i have not been impressed with netflix films yeah to piggyback off what you're saying it it almost feels like a sandbox where they're like Netflix just like lets you in and they're like, do what you want. Yeah. Do what you want. Yeah. Have fun, kids. And they get to yeah. go, they get to go on vacation in Napa Valley and just drink wine. Like, I can't fault these women for doing that. That sounds like a fucking blast. But on the flip side, it's like you've got a great talent. Like, you got a great group of talented women here. And it'd be, it'd be awesome to like, cause like, I, you know, like, if you could get the next bridesmaids on Netflix, can you imagine that, Jake? 
bridesmaids. Yeah, I mean, bridesmaids was for me the comedy. Like that. That like if if I was compared like bridesmaids to Hangover, I'm a bigger fan of bridesmaids than I am the Hangover. Like I think I, I agree with that. I'm a huge fan of bridesmaids, and so like to get the next bridesmaids on fucking Netflix, like, and you could do that with this cast. Like, these women are 100% capable of giving you a really funny fucking movie. And Leo's coming out of the saying, I'm giving it a taste it. Like, that's, uh, I don't know. That's a huge letdown. Yeah, that's a shame. I've seen this movie advertised on my home screen for a while now, too. And I've, I've, I've always been like, oh, I'll, I'll watch this eventually. And, um... That's a shame that it like only got to taste it because, I mean, not that that's like a terrible rating, but the cast could have. I would almost expect more from this cast. I, I honestly, I, I think like Netflix is the fun destination for some of these big. I, I think that Netflix is just throwing money at people and kind of letting them do what they want to right now. I, that's got to change. It's got to change. Yeah, eventually they have to be a little bit more frugal, right? They have to. They have to. Yeah, and I mean, with this one too, you you know what it almost felt like? It felt like because they were going like so well within the movie, and then toward the end, it almost felt like like behind the camera, somebody was like, "Oh shit, we got to be out of Napa in two days. We better wrap this shit up." Like, it just <laughs> felt so rushed. Like they're like, "Ah, you know," and yeah. then suddenly we were there, and the movie ended. And like, I mean, normally I'd like want movies to be shorter, but I was just like, "Fuck, give me more!" Like that you yeah. you had me, and then like give me yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I this might be something that I'll throw on and see. I'll watch. You know, I'll give it the 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 uh, the the Red Sea Resort or whatever the fuck that movie treatment. <laughs> I'll, give, I'll give it twenty minutes and see if it can. Wait, hold hold on, Leo. Are there any naked Chris Evans scenes in this movie? I, I I'd say they're about five to seven. So oh. <laughs> he's a recurring just like flasher that just busts his his, I'm going to watch it right now. His his erect penis is knocking over glasses of wine. <laughs> oh my God. That's, that's what they use to uncork the wine bottle. That's, oh, my God. That is very disturbing. <laughs> wow. Um, but, yeah. Um, and I don't know if I mentioned it, it was directed by Amy Poehler as well. And so – and I thought, like, directorially, like, I, I mean, it was fine. It, it was just more the – I think it was the script that was written and, like, just – because the performances were fine, like the interactions were fine, the editing was fine. That was all I had a problem with. I like how we, uh, I like how we get on here and we judge things, and uh, we're way less talented than any of these people that we get to that we get to critique. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah, we toss the shit out of any movie yeah. I fucking make. Well, I toss, you know, it's yeah, that's the thing. Is that, that's got to drive these uh, actors and uh, these directors and producers crazy. Is uh, just <laughs> fuckwads like us, like saying their stuff isn't <laughs> their stuff isn't great, and like what the fuck have we done, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's just the way it works. I mean, get over it. It's the way she goes. No, man. No, I, I would. I, I I would be like bow before my creation, peon. <laughs> what? Your, your voice got very robotic there. I know. I'm uh, kind of crazy, guys. I watched uh, Leo. Did you have anything else? 
had one more thing. Well, we can you know what? Off if- I want you know what I want you to do. I want you to I want you to pinch it off like it's a turd trying to come out of your butt. But you're like, not right now, buddy. We're gonna or like have- a sneeze trying to come out of my nose. I like, yeah, that's true. That's a callback to earlier. I like that. I'm picking up what you're putting down there, man. That's good stuff. <laughs> I like that. Leo with the callback, Jake. Let's give him a round of applause. All right. Leo, you are, you're in the fucking moment, bro. You know, I watched, (laughs) (laughs) what's, what's, I hate myself. Hey, I watched a show. Hey, don't say that about my friend Brian. (laughs) Oh, I do though. I I watched a show called, uh, Lights Out with David Spade this week. It's on Comedy Central. I believe two episodes are out. I've watched the first episode. Jake, did you get a chance to see this one? I did not. How was it? Was it good? You know what? This is, this is something, it's a weird thing for me to rate because I think like it was the perfect storm this first episode. They had, uh, it's, it's, it's David Spade and he's talking about current things going on in pop culture, current events, and, uh, he has a, uh, you know, a group of three guests that join him and they bring up different topics that they talk about that were popular in that week. And, uh, the first, uh, episode had, uh, David Spade with, uh, guest Whitney Cummings. I'm a huge, I love Whitney Cummings. Uh, she has a new net, uh, new Netflix comedy special this week, which I haven't watched, but I'm gonna be watching that, um, this week. But, uh, she was on this first episode. They had Neil Brennan on, and then Eric Griffin from, uh, Workaholics was also on this first episode. And, uh, I don't, here's the thing. I'm going to rate this one, and I don't know if it's just because of the guests that he had this week, because next week he could have different guests and it could be a completely different outcome. It could, could be, it could be a completely different show. But this first episode was the perfect storm of just hilarity for me. I laughed out loud so many times and I, I think it was just the way that Whitney and Neil and Eric Griffin were just reacting to David Spade and, and, um, it was, this was just a great episode. I, I laughed so hard many times during this. It's not like, and then and it's not all just kind of like them talking about this stuff. They break away and he does have like different segments. He had a segment where they had a guy, just a guy that they know do stand up in front of an audience, but everything he said was stuff that David Spade was telling him to say, as well as Jeff Ross, the roast master, Jeff Ross. And yeah, so that was pretty cool. Like they had a guy get up in front of an audience and he had to say whatever Jeff Ross and David Spade were telling him to say uh, during the stand-up act. And that was a pretty hilarious thing. I fucking loved this first episode. I don't know if the second episode will be anything like this, the chemistry could, could be completely different with different guests. But this first episode was an absolute Tupperware for me. I cracked the fuck up and I loved it. I thought it was so funny. And they were, it was kind of like David Spade would tell a joke during the opening monologue and you had Whitney Cummings and Neil Brennan and Eric Griffin kind of like roasting him and saying shit. And they were just like, the banter was so good between all these comedians that I really loved it. But it's one of those shows, like, it's a first episode. Who knows? The second episode might not have the same chemistry as the first one. So we'll see how the show goes. 
but I hope it uh, I hope it succeeds because like this first one was fantastic. That's awesome. You said do you know who's on the next episode? I don't know. I don't know. I didn't look. I, the second episode's out. I could. I guess I could have watched it, but I haven't gotten around to. It. I don't know who's on the second one. That's cool. I, I, I'm a fan of David Spade. I'm glad that you know he's got something going on again. You know, hopefully it's not fleeting because you know Comedy Central. It's like, does anything last more than three seasons there anymore? Yeah, no shit. Except yeah, for South Park and South Park and Tosh Point oh are pretty much the only things that fucking go on and I, mm-hmm. I'll be honest I love both shows so just throwing that out there I also watched uh, Southside on Comedy Central it's a new uh, it's a new comedy show anybody heard about this or watched it no, no. not me uh, it's a pair of uh, recent community college graduates look to become entrepreneurs in Chicago's Southside um, and uh, I'm not going to talk about this one too long I think it has great promise you got a couple of uh uh, you got a couple of, uh, uh, guys that work for, it's, uh, RTO, what is it, Rent to Own? And, uh, you, it, it uh, the cast is mainly black, uh, African American. And so, like, they, they're all, like, uh, they all work at RTO, Rent to, uh, Rent to Own. And you got this one guy who's gone to community college and he got his degree. And he's ready to go out there and make his impact in the in, in the working world. Get a good get a good job. Get an office job. Get a real job. And you know what? You know what's fucked up is that all the mistakes that he made when he was younger. Like it's, you know, the system is like it's it's it, you know it's stacked against him. Like he he's got this uh, background and these criminal offenses, and they follow him. He's a totally different person now, but they follow him. All the stuff that he's done has not followed him. He gets this great job that he wants, and they find out through his uh, background check that you know he's got he's got this past, and so they they let him go, and now he's forced to go back to RTO. And um, it's it's uh, the first episode. He's got to like uh, retrieve an Xbox for somebody that's not paying for it, and it's uh, he's trying to retrieve it from these guys who. Uh, we're led to believe they're gang members, and um, you know, it, it's it's in a really bad neighborhood in Southside Chicago. We're trying to get this stuff back. Uh, I actually worked for like a rent to own type of place back in the day. I worked there very shortly because I did encounter this kind of stuff. I worked for a place called Rapid Rentals. Where you'd have to go and retrieve stuff from people, and it's scary. It's scary as shit sometimes. Like some of the houses that you go into, and um, you're scared. People yell at you, scream at you, and it's scary. So I kind of related to this because I've done this kind of stuff, and it, it is kind of scary. So um, I'm gonna give this one a taste. It, it was funny enough, and like it was the pilot episode. I don't know if I'll watch the second episode, to be quite honest with you, but there was some funny stuff in it. I don't know. That's all I really got for it. I'm not going to spend too much time on that fucking show. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there's just so much TV that it's like you, you get to the point where you have to really only watch, like, your top, like, tier stuff. No, I, like, I've watched some comedies this year that, like, I'm going to stick on. Like, Rebecca's talking about, like, you know, Los Spookies. It sounds like something that she really liked from the first episode. And I loved, like, 
what we do in the shadows. I thought it was fantastic. And then I loved Tacoma FD, which I watched all 10 episodes on True TV. This first episode of this show, like, had some promise. It wasn't great. Will I get back to it? I don't know. It's up in the air now. It, the show didn't do its job in like saying like, oh, you've got to watch this next episode. You just got to. Oh my, the antics and shenanigans we're going to get in on this. (laughs) It didn't do that for me. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't know. It was, it was fine enough. I think it'll find its audience, but I don't, I don't. I don't know. If the show doesn't get any better than what it was, I don't see it sticking around. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Hey, Leo, did you have one more thing that you wanted to talk about? Did yeah, you want- I had uh, one more. Is it okay if I talk about a book series? Oh, God. Listen to LeVar Burton over there. <laughs> <laughs> Take a look. I'm, I'm, it's in a book. A reading rainbow. rainbow. I, Man, can I, I don't. Do, hey, you're cutting me off. Anything. <laughs> ways to grow and something to show. A reading rainbow. Go ahead, Leo. I don't know if I've ever received <laughs> a compliment that has made me feel better than that one just now. Was that a compliment? I'm taking it as one you <laughs> But you don't have to take my word for it. Oh! oh! Oh, Rebecca with the fucking Reading Rainbow callback. Uh, I know. I just love Reading Rainbow back in the day. Yeah, I, I love know. Reading Rainbow. Lined up that shot and just fucking nailed it. Oh, my God. You remember the Book It program? Mm-hmm. Did, did you guys have the book? Yeah, Leo, did you have the book program out in Montana? Fuck no, I have no clue what you're talking about. Rebecca, Getting did those you, personal pan pizzas? Personal pan pizzas from Pizza Hut. You really, of course I know what that is. Personal uh, we did, pan pizzas from Pizza Hut. We did not have a Pizza Hut in my the town I grew oh, up in. We used to have a Pizza Hut in, it might even still, no, it's not there anymore. It, we used to have a Pizza Hut um, in like, it was in like right next to a, sh- a big shopping center, and this was one of the old Pizza Huts that used to have the salad bar. Do you guys remember the salad bar in the Pizza Hut? Yeah. No. It's oh, been so man. long. Yeah, and they used to do the personal pan pizzas. They bring it to your table, be all sizzling in the pan. I remember that. Yeah. All right, this Pizza Hut <laughs> retrospective has been brought to you by <laughs> Rebecca. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. You know, when you're not listening to Picardcast, I would like you to listen to Pizza Hut. <laughs> uh, uh, Pizza Hut. Pizza. Was it Pizza the Hut? Yeah, from Space That's the song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was trying to. He got locked in the car and he ate himself. I was trying to think of the name of that character from Spaceballs, and it was Pizza the Hut. Yeah, it, that when I was a child, that killed me at the end of the movie when you found out <laughs> that he ate himself. <laughs> I thought that that I thought that that was top tier comedy back in the day. <laughs> 
do you remember the scene where he's got like his his like henchman in the car with him and he's like a mob guy <laughs> it's um, like a max headroom thing yeah, or something, it's, right? it's like a max headroom kind of thing and he's but he's like a mobster and he's like they're like threatening lone star and then like <laughs> he's, he's eating like the pepperoni and the cheese that's falling off of pizza nut, and he's like oh boss you're delicious <laughs> isn't it dom deloise uh, is it? It might. It might have been. You know, Mel Brooks put Dom DeLuise in like all of his movies. Did uh, you watch I the Dom DeLuise half-hour comedy where he was a barber? No, I'd never seen that one. Jake, did you ever watch the Dom DeLuise half-hour comedy where he was a barber? <sighs> I, I don't. I, I don't recall it. <laughs> I'm looking it up right now. I used to love this fucking show. What was it called? What is wrong? Why am I looking this up? What was it called? I, this is driving me crazy. I can't believe that I'm putting our audience through this. There's literally no one listening right now that remembers the half hour comedy with Dom DeLuise where he played a barber. And I'm doing this, I'm doing this for myself right now, looking this up. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, I only understood like four words in that sentence. You don't even, do you know who Dom DeLuise is? You know, I do not. Do you know who? Do you know who Peter wow. Deloise is? Do you know who Peter Deloise is? Do you know the the uh, the second generation of Deloises? We're 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 just, we're just laying my ignorance out for everybody to see. I have oh no my! It was called the Dom Deloise Show, and there is literally no description on it for IMDb. Oh, that's. Sad. Only oh. Oh, there seventeen seventeen people have rated this. <laughs> seventeen people in the world. Oh my God! This show came out in nineteen eighty seven. It lasted for one season. What? It's only showing one episode. There was more than one. <laughs> <laughs> IMDb even gave up on it. I like. Oh my! There was more than one episode of the Dom DeLuise show. What in the? Fuck! Oh my! I, I'm gonna stop talking, Jake. Can, uh, hey, uh, you were gonna talk about something, Leo, right? <laughs> a book? <Wait> huh. <laughs> yeah, long time ago. You were. Um, you were <laughs> how did <laughs> talk about your book? All right. Um, I'll try to breeze through it. Um, but so I was checking out this trilogy. It's called the uh, Red Rising trilogy uh, by Pierce Brown. Um, there was no non-spoiler synopsis on the internet, so I'm just going to fucking Does wing it. it and- Can I just say that the name Pierce Brown sounds like an anal porno? <laughs> <laughs> Where they use that mesquite barbecue <laughs> Oh, yeah. The, they have anal brown mesquite edition, you know? Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. He, doesn't, he sounds like a, an anal detective, Pierce Brown. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> I'm going to get to the bottom of this. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! All right, go ahead, Leah. Uh, you got a fucking book here by uh, Anal Master. <laughs> anal Master McGee. What's going on here? All right, all right, you, you <laughs> bastards. Um, so my, so, all right, so it's basically it's. Uh, all right, so it takes place in like a dystopian future. It's kind of a young adult novel, like yada yada cliche here. Um, and 
basically what it's about, it's about this kid that grows up in the society that's like highly um, segregated by class. And the classes are divided into certain colors. Like you have the golds up top, the reds down at the bottom. Um, but what's interesting is that it's it takes place in the future. It's like a science fiction trilogy. And so society has gone so far to where they actually create physical differences between all the classes. So like the golds are actually like physically and intellectually superior to the reds because they have like biological and genetic enhancements like to their brains and their bodies done. Like they have legitimate like gold skin. They have like, they're on average like seven and a half feet tall. Um, and so they've like so far separated people like out. Um, and you know, it's just kind of like typical in that way where it's about, you know, people from the lower class, like rising up, creating a revolution. Um, Honestly, it's pretty reminiscent of Hunger Games. Oh, I was just going to say Hunger Games. Like, it, it 100% is, and I can't deny that fact. But I am really loving this series. It is a Tupperware for me. Like, I, you know, going through grad school and everything and having to read so much academic shit, I kind of fell off the wagon of just reading for fun. Like, reading became more of a torture thing for me. But this, these books have, like really helped to kind of reignite it. Like they're just so well paced. Um, They're the first books in a long time that I haven't been able to put down and they follow this main character. Um, His name's Darrow and I'm going to try not to spoil too much, but essentially due to some shit that happens to him, he becomes part of the revolution. And what they do is they have a doctor that defected. So they actually put him through a whole bunch of surgeries to change his skin color, change his body, and make him look like a gold. Because originally he's a red before. And so then the story, the trilogy, is about him infiltrating this upper class of society, trying to rise to a high enough position where he can just, like, cause chaos and get kind of a civil war going. Um, And so, I mean, even as I describe it, like, it it sounds, like, kind of over the top, and, like, there's a lot of cliches, but just... It's pretty well written. It's got a lot of cool concepts, and it's written in an engaging way where you just don't want to put it down. What's the, um, what's the title of the book again? So the first book in the trilogy is called Red Rising, mm-hmm. and the name of the trilogy is the Red Rising trilogy. And I just finished the second book, which is called Golden Sun, and I'm starting in on the third. Uh yeah, I mean, I could see this at some point in the future getting adapted to a TV show or a movie. Um, it's it's similar enough to, like, things that are popular, but also different enough that I think people, you know, would still be into it. Is this, and, a, is this like a YA novel? Is this for, like, teens? Yeah, but, I mean, you know, obviously I'm not a teen. Like, as an adult, like, I found it was pretty accessible like same as i did kind of for the hunger games like i would put it on almost that exact level where it's yeah it's considered a young adult novel but i think adults can really enjoy it too jake i've been writing a uh i've been writing a pg version a milder version and not so extreme version of the hunger games oh yeah for How's a, that going? i've been writing it for for a younger audience i've been calling it the the craving trials and Ooh. it's 
no, people aren't. It's basically just kind of like a uh, uh, a spirited match of uh, paintball guns, and if somebody gets taken out, instead of a cannon going off, there's a a small child that runs around with a sparkler. <laughs> yeah, it takes place between the hours of lunch and dinner. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 more of a hobby. It's it doesn't it doesn't really make for a good read. There's a lot of like the kids going home. <laughs> and, and and there's a lot of like you have to there's a lot of trying to describe like how they're how they're snapchatting each other brian's the craving trials the craving trials and it's yeah it's just a it's a spirited match of uh of uh paintball guns just craven the hunter make an appearance mm, no that's too exciting ah. no you're you're ramping it up and i'm wanting to take it down <laughs> a little bit more you know what i mean Jeez, yeah, slow it down. Slow your roll, dude. All right, yeah, so uh, yeah. watch uh, Red Rising, which also sounds like uh, dog porno. Yeah, Pierce, yeah. Pierce Brown presents Red Rising. Yeah, Pierce Brown <laughs> presents dog porn. <laughs> All jokes aside, though, I do think to the listeners that do read, if you enjoyed the Hunger Games trilogy, like I think you would enjoy. What do you say? Our audience is illiterate. Wow! Yeah, geezly, I'm dropping the shade on all our listeners. <laughs> My favorite podcast can read you heathen. My favorite podcast is Pop Culture Leftovers. All I have to do is listen. You know, it's like <laughs> I didn't know we had that episode. I can't Maybe read. we should do audiobooks, Brian. Help our help our readers or listeners out. I know we should do audiobooks. Yeah. Oh wow. my god, Brian, would you do an audiobook of my novel? What, what's your novel, dude? Haven't written it yet, but <laughs> Brian <laughs> reads Pierce Brown's <laughs> Red Rising. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's all I got for good company. Thank you. God, thank God. All right, uh, we're going to take a quick break. <laughs> Rebecca, very quiet right now. Uh, you got you got three guys talking about dog penises and anal <laughs> sex I things, and you're just have like nothing to add you're to like, that conversation. Yeah, yeah, when you guys start talking about Chris Evans doing push-ups again, then I'll jump in, okay? But right now, I'm just like, I'm going to step out of this one. I mean, I don't know what to add. I could possibly add to make that conversation more interesting. You guys seem to have it covered. Oh, that Jake, she, <laughs> she is making a mockery. Thanks, Rebecca. No. Oh, you think she's being insincere? 100% insincere. I mean, uh, no, I'm being 100% sincere. I have zero to add to the oh, conversation. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's such an engaging conversation that you have to find your way out of it, huh? No, I didn't say that. You don't put words in my mouth. I said that I love you to add to the conversation wow. you guys got it all covered. Wow. A little, uh, you don't put words in my mouth as she snaps her fingers in a, uh, <laughs> no, no, no. in a Z formation. <laughs> no, sir. No, sir. All right. Hey, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back. We're going to talk about the pop culture leftovers news. Something I probably could have said. After we came back. Makes no sense that I'm saying it now. Because I'm going to have to repeat it when we get back, Jake. Kind of stupid. Yeah, just don't. Let's just go into it. What? Going to the news right now? 
No, I mean, after the break, just fucking cue right into the bumper like a madman. Oh, God, just start. Just start with the news. Like, not even fucking announce the news. Just like... Yeah, like, yeah, that'd I'm, be great. Dude, I'm like fucking Pierce Brown horny as fuck. And I'm just, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's ballsy. It's ballsy. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm going full Pierce Brown on this next segment. Mm. Yeah, dude, fucking news rising. Oh, my God. <laughs> this, this fucking... Oh, my God, my... Uh, my dick star is fully operational. Yeah, I'm just like, boom, take that. <laughs> That's no moon. That's my dick. Ah. <laughs> Let's take a quick break. We'll come back back and come. I said the word come. <laughs> All right, death break now. We're definitely taking a break. Sorry. We'll be right back. Listen, group. It's simple. If you want to help the pop culture leftovers... Go to thepopcultureleftovers.com and do all your shopping from the Amazon link. I am Groot. It doesn't cost you extra, and it helps the leftovers. Got it? I am Groot. Yeah, people can buy hats at Amazon. Are you still hung up on that hats thing? I am Groot. Yeah, okay, I got it. You don't have to buy your hats there. I am Groot. You're impossible. For anyone else who doesn't have a strange or borderline psychotic hatred for hats, please head over to PopCultureLeftovers.com and use the Amazon link already. I am Groot. And now you're wearing a hat. Not freaking give up. Attention, the following is an important consumer warning. Listening to PCL might be harmful to your health. I'm Yaden Palm. You might know me as Sturdy, but after years of listening to PCL, I might have developed a multiple personality syndrome. At first, I didn't quite buy into it until... <laughs> the cynical laughter of the Joker popped into my head, but things got really weird when my wife found me in the dark closet saying, The power of the darkness. And I will let nothing stand in our way. At which point I jumped up and said to her, Well there, honey, I didn't know you were sitting there watching me. Then it dawned on me, I don't even have a wife. It was Ollie Williams with the Blackie Report. It's gonna rain! Get your umbrella! All in all, the condition isn't that bad, because I have the PCL. Ohana means family. For more of my voices, search me on social media, Y-E-A-D-O-N, Paul Vio. Attention, the following is an important consumer warning. Listening to PCO might be harmful to your health. I'm Yaden Palm. You might know me as Sturdy, but after years of listening to PCO, I might have developed a multiple personality syndrome. At first, I didn't quite buy into it until... <laughs> the cynical laughter of the Joker popped into my head, but things got really weird when my wife found me in the dark closet saying, The power of the darkness. And I will let nothing stand in our way. At which point I jumped up and said to her, Well there, honey, I didn't know you were sitting there watching me. Then it dawned on me, I don't even have a wife. It was Ollie Williams with the Blackie Report. It's gonna rain! Get your umbrella! All in all, the condition isn't that bad, because I have the PCL. Ohana means family. For more of my voices, search me on social media, Y-E-A-D-O-N, Paul Vio. All right, hey, we are back. You know, uh, one thing I forgot to talk about is uh, the trailer for 1917. I, I just want to talk about it really quick before we go into news. Um, also, I also want to apologize to Leo that I turned your book report into a uh, a guy uh, performing anal. Yeah, it's uh, pretty reminiscent of most of the book reports I gave back in elementary school, so we're good. <laughs> but yeah, the trailer... <laughs> 
the trailer for 1917. You guys watched this. This is the uh, first trailer uh, for it's a, a World War One drama uh, called 1917. It's by filmmaker Sam Mendes. It's uh, his first directorial uh, effort since uh, the uh, Bond. Uh, he did Bond, Skyfall, and Spectre. Uh, we got uh, George McKay and Dean Charles Chapman lead the cast alongside Colin Firth, Mark Strong, Benedict Cumberbatch, Richard Madden, and Andrew Scott. Uh, and uh, guys, this the cinematography in this one is done by Roger Deakins from Blade Runner, Sicario. Did he? He was in. He was the cinematographer Shawshank Redemption. Jake, I think. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Uh, it's edited by Lee Smith from Dunkirk. It's composed by Thomas Newman from American Beauty. Um, it's uh, at the height of the First World War. Two young British soldiers, Schofield and Blake, are given a seemingly impossible mission. In a race against time, they must cross enemy territory and deliver a message that will stop a deadly attack on hundreds of soldiers. Blake's own brother among them. This is going to be released on December 25th. This was a trailer that I saw before uh, Hobbs and Shaw. I'm just going to say I Tupperware this trailer. This looks fucking incredible. I loved this trailer. I loved how they took the uh, logo for 1917 and actually made it part of the action. I This blew me away. You have Everybody, you have to watch this trailer. I Tupperware the fuck out of this one. Like this is – we talked about Dunkirk earlier. This gave me Dunkirk feels. Jake, what did you think about 1917? Uh, I as well was going to Tupperware this trailer, and I as well was going to bring up how awesome I thought it was that they used the logo and had, like, the moving images happening in the logo, um, and that just looks so cool, blown up big on the IMAX TV um, yes. I, or screen. And, yeah, I thought I thought it was really cool. This looked really exciting, um, looked really tense, looked really dramatic. Um yeah, I was definitely into this. I I love Sam Mendes. Yeah, uh, big fan. So can't wait to see this. Rebecca. Yeah, Tupperware. It's um, it earlier this year I saw um, They Shall Not Grow Old, which I know you saw too, Brian. The that restored World War One footage. Oh um, God, yes. Uh, the Peter yes. Ja- Peter Jackson directed movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I saw that earlier this year. Um, and watching this trailer kind of took me right back to that moment of watching that documentary about World War One and that restored footage. And, um, you know, I'm I enjoy um, I've seen a good number of World War Two movies and I enjoy the World War Two genre, but I haven't seen a ton of World War One films. But this um, got me very excited. It looked like a like an old school Hollywood sweeping epic, which we don't really see that much anymore. We see fewer and fewer of those, I think. And so th- this kind of reminded me of those old movies with like the gorgeous cinematography. Um, it's got people that I really enjoy working in this film. Um, and I also a Sam Mendes fan. And I think the cinematography looks incredible and i cannot wait to see this movie in the theater leo talk to me about 1917 do you remember the year (laughs) i I do it was a cold day in december (laughs) um no i i I definitely am on board with a lot of what you guys have said the trailer was good um the visuals yeah with the the years coming at you and seeing the uh footage kind of in the interior of 
uh, just the numbers um, was really cool. I, I gave the trailer a high taste. It is what I had down. Like it's definitely um, like what Rebecca was saying. Um, you know, I, I'm a fan of like this genre and this era of war movies. And I feel like we get a lot of world war two stuff and yeah, I'd, I'd like to see more about world war one and the story seems kind of personal between this kid and wanting to save his brother. Um, it looks tense. Like it, the footage looks beautiful. Um, yeah. I'm not hearing where it gets the high tasted. Where the fuck does it, like what's your, what's your, what's your, what what does it, what does it like push this over the edge for you, man? That is, that is a fair question. (laughs) I was trying to, I was trying to think about that while you guys were talking. And I guess, I don't know, but it's just like my general reaction at the end of it was like, yeah, this seems like it'll be pretty good. But it wasn't like, uh, yeah, I gotta fucking see this movie. I need to see it. Like, I'm all about it. It's, uh, so it did, it didn't quite get me there. Oh I my guess god. It, it brought me to climax, you stingy motherfucker. I'm yeah, I, I felt like just a little blue ball. After it, so I, didn't quite I didn't quite finish, so I, I couldn't give it the Tupperware, but I'm like, I want to see more! Right. I, guys, you gotta watch this trailer. 1917. You gotta watch this trailer. Make up your own mind. And, uh, this, this is definitely something that, uh, if it gets an IMAX release, I am there to see this in IMAX. This has, like, this has, I, I'm, I'm feeling like I love Dunkirk, thought it was fantastic. Another World War One movie that I really loved recently, Wonder Woman, just throwing that out there. Uh, yeah, good call. For sure. So I'm really looking forward to this one. This, this looks really good. Um, you know, I'm, I, I'm very excited about this. Can't wait to see what Sam Mendes does with it. Great cinematographer. Love Roger Deakins. I think he's fantastic. Let's move on in to the uh, pop culture leftovers news. Are you guys ready for the news? Always. Yeah, it. Apparently my... Uh, very awkward pause. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not playing, so... <laughs> I don't think I'm ready for the news anymore now. Okay, well, hear ye, hear yeah. ye, read all about it. Leftovers. Anyway, yeah, we're not going to hear the, the bumper, so that's not happening. So, <laughs> that's not... I don't know if I could be ready without the bumper. Variety is reporting that the uh, Game Night directors, John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein, are now in talks to direct the uh, Dungeons & Dragons reboot. These guys recently left the fr- for the Flash project, which, uh, that broke my heart, Jake. We didn't report it on the show, but they were attached to the Flash project. I was really excited for that. Um, <laughs> apparently there was uh, Ezra Miller... Who didn't, I guess Ezra Miller, um, had problems with like the direction that they were going in. And, uh, he was gonna have, uh, who's gonna have Grant Morrison write a treatment with him. And, uh, while they were doing, yeah. while, yeah, while they were doing that, Daly and Goldstein just left. They were like, you know what, fuck it. Yeah, probably a smart business move. So, yeah, I can't. I can't blame them for leaving. I probably would too. <laughs> but if you're gonna leave, I, I may not go and do a D and D movie again. Oof. Let's see how this goes, though, huh? Well, I mean, you got to understand. Like John Francis Daly is working on this. Um, they've also we know that I think a producer involved in this one is uh, Joe Manganiello, who's also a big Dungeons and Dragons fan. Huge. He plays Dungeons and Dragons. 
John Francis Daly, if you remember his character on Freaks and Geeks, played Dungeons and Dragons in a, uh, in my opinion, a very memorable, memorable episode of that series where James Franco, you know, James Franco kind of played like this James Dean badass character in that show and played with the younger kids, uh, a game of Dungeons and Dragons and, and had a blast, uh, doing that. I, I what do you think we're doing here, though? Are we doing like are we doing the Jumanji thing, where it's like meta Dungeons and Dragons movie, where people from the real life go to the Dungeons and Dragons world, or are we actually trying to establish the Dungeons and Dragons mythology as a I, continuing thing? I would go with the first one with these guys. I mean, they're the, yeah. they're the directors of Game Night. They're they're known for kind of comedy stuff, right? Yeah, it was where I first went to. It's why I even thought about them doing like the Jumanji route with Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, that's basically what like the original cartoon series is like. Kids get on a Dungeons and Dragons amusement mm-hmm. park ride and end up in the Dungeons and Dragons world where they're introduced to Dungeon Master. So we'll see. I don't know if they're going to do that story, but I'm I'm very hopeful for this. Um, I, I love these writers. I love them too. And I got to meet, I got to personally talk to John Francis Daly at C2E2 when he was walking on the floor and just a very, very nice personable, personable guy. So I'm looking, I, I root for these guys. I, I hope they do a great job with this. It, Jake, it is, I'm not going to lie to you. It is a, it's going to be a tough thing to adapt Dungeons and Dragons into something that everyone's going to love. Yeah, you go that comedy route and you're just not there's certain people that no matter how good it is are going to be upset by just the idea of going the comedy route. Right. You know, yeah. and then but if you go the uber serious route with it, you're just not going to seem accessible to the mainstream people that they want to get to see this movie. Yeah. So it's to find that happy medium is tricky. It's going to be very hard. I don't know. I think you got to pull in that Jumanji crowd, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's a pretty good typecast. I think you just find a way to get normal, charismatic people sucked into a live-action game of D&D, which is always hard to do, even in real life, and and off you go. There you go. Rebecca, Leo, you got any thoughts on this one? Yeah, um, I mean, I loved Game Night. Like, that movie was a Tupperware for me, so anybody from that project that's involved in this bodes well. Um, I feel like I'd need to see a trailer for it just to know what I was getting myself into though. Yeah. Um, in order to be able to tell like what I think, like I could see this being a really fun movie or a really fucking terrible movie. Yeah. Rebecca. Man, all I can think about is like that, that, that 2000, uh, Dungeons and Dragons terrible Stop, movie with don't Marlon Wayans. Come mean, on, sh- why are they going to replicate that fucking I, thing? I'm not saying they're going to replicate it. I'm just saying. Let's go to that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we got we got the, we got the controls of Dungeons and Dragons. Let's go to that. Well, I'm just saying that when I read the story, <laughs> that's where my brain went. It's oh my god, my last exposure to a Dungeons and Dragons movie was that 2000 piece of shit with Marlon Wayans like and I I mean I'm with Jake if if you don't well and I think you agreed Brian like if you don't pull them in in a Jumanji type situation then I think it's a fail to begin with but then 
at the same time, you set yourself or you leave yourself open to be compared to Jumanji. That's the only thing, right? It's like people are going to watch this and go, oh, it's just like Jumanji when they got pulled into the game. Like it's it, – you – I don't know if this project can work because I feel like you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. If you set it up as like the Dungeons & Dragons is a real world, everybody, and here we are, and oh, it's crazy. I don't think that's going to work. And if you do the Jumanji route, it could work, but then you open yourself up to that criticism. So here, I, I don't know if this is going to work. Here's how I would do it. Here's how I would do it. I would cast the kid from Dustin, the kid, the Dustin kid from Stranger Things. I would cast Grace McKenna, you know, the young actor that we've seen in like, uh, she was in The Gift. She was in, uh, she's going to be in the upcoming Ghostbusters 2020. I would cast some of these up and coming young actors. I would have them sit around at a table playing a game of Dungeons and Dragons. And then I would have, Actors like Joe Manganiello, uh, just jacked actors. Like I, I want to get fucking like Batista in this thing. I want to get, and then I want I want to get you know, and I want to get other character. I want to get other characters in this that that fit like different roles. Like I want a thief. I want a tank. I want a healer. You know, and then I want to see these kids at a table playing a game, but I want to see the game that they play represented in an actual fantasy world. And I want there to be stakes involved somehow. Like this is a real game of Dungeons and Dragons that these kids have to play. So like this is, it's not just kids playing a game and us watching it. I want somehow real stakes to be played in this game. So I want you to take the elements from a real game of Dungeons and Dragons, but give it real stakes and then throw. Do, 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 am I making sense? I'm, yeah. I'm trying to put yeah. a Jumanji. So, yeah. yeah, a Jumanji. 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 Yeah, that, I mean, it, it, well, it, I mean, it is, but it isn't Jumanji. Like, because the kids aren't being sucked into the game. It's, they're the actual. But their decisions are the ones that influence yeah. the actual. Yes. Get like the best of both worlds that way. You get to have your mythical Dungeons and Dragons world. Then you also get to have the real world where kids are playing a game without them being sucked into the game in that exact way. That could work. I mean, I, I think that could work. You kind of blending the two storytelling techniques. That's the movie that I want to see. I think that's the movie that's going to succeed here, too. It's going to grab... I don't know. I think it'll grab a fun. It'll a, you want to grab that. You know, if you're if you're if you're the makers of Dungeons and Dragons, you do want to grab that younger demographic and show them what's fun about the game to keep this to keep it going. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Um, it, it almost the way you described it kind of reminded me of what what was that mediocre movie way back when, Gamer. Mm. Oh yeah, it, where it's like it's a real kid, um, and he's playing the video game, but there's a real person he's playing as, so like the stakes are there, and I mean, which I think is like a concept that that could work, like if we assume that like these Dungeons and Dragons characters are, you know, real in their own universe, and then it's like kids are kind of coming in and like dictating maybe what they do. I could see it working if you if you get the right cast and the right writing. I think we got the right directors to do something here. So yeah, as, as yeah. far as like everything else that it's put into this, we'll see. But I think we got the right guys behind this. We got to get the right cast. So we'll see what happens. I, if if I were to guess what we're gonna see, 
That would be my guess. We're going to see a bunch of kids at a table, real stakes in this game, and they're going to be they're going to be uh, playing just. You know, we're, we might see Joe Manganiello involved in this as an actor. You know, so we'll see. Uh, Mortal Kombat reboot Gre- uh, writer uh, Greg Russo talked to ComicBook.com and revealed that the movie. We talked about this, Rebecca. It, we we know it's going to have R rating and R rating, and it's right. going to have fatalities. But he talked <clears throat> about how this. We we talked about how this is this movie is uh, going to have those things, but he revealed that the movie is actually going to have game accurate fatalities he talked to comicbook.com he said game accurate yes we are i can say for sure that the fatalities that we're going to be put that are going to be put in the film are from the game this is like like we kind of guessed this you know they they revealed that it's going to be r-rated we're going to get fatalities but he's saying he's saying game accurate i just want to throw this out there that the game accurate fatalities that we've got I I I even go back to 1992 when the first game came out. Are very violent and they continue to get violent violent throughout the franchise. Uh, we're talking about characters like uh, you know punching through somebody's chest, ripping their beating heart out. We're talking about characters like Raiden fucking using electricity, lightning to come down and uh, shock uh, electrify somebody's fucking head, their skull. Until it pops and explodes. We're talking about a character that rips a person's head out of their body, attached to the spine, and holds it up. These are the things that we are going to see in a Mortal Kombat reboot. Jake, this is what I wanted. This is what I'm excited for. Dude, this is exciting news. This is Mortal Kombat. Yeah, I I am excited. I mean, it's... Everything we've got has just kind of had like kind of an air of super cheese to it. I mean, even the cooler version that we got just like a few years ago still had kind of like that little bit of cheese to it. And this sounds like it's just going to be the all out uber violent stylized Mortal Kombat movie finally. Leo, are you a fan of Mortal Kombat or do you not care? I'm a, I'm a huge fan. My my brother and I used to like sneak that game as much as we could when we were kids because we weren't allowed to play it. So it was like the forbidden fruit. Um, I love it. Thank God my parents were ignorant because I had the Sega CD. And I, <laughs> I was able to play the the version with blood where I didn't have to, I didn't have to enter a code in, and I was you know I was fucking ripping spines out of people's bodies and ripping their hearts out and doing all that stuff. Fatality. I loved it. And, um, I, even as a, a young adult, like, you know, I would have people over and we'd be playing Mortal Kombat 2. And I was, uh, my favorite was Baraka with the blades. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's, you know, and so I, you know, I've been playing Mortal Kombat all my life. And so uh, I loved that first movie in the 90s and the mid 90s when it came out in 95. I loved that movie. But, like, we never, in my opinion, have gotten a proper Mortal Kombat with fatalities. With an R rating, I don't want them to take, I don't want them to 100% take the humor out of the series. I think there can be funny moments, but on the flip side, like, I do want to see some of that R rated fucking gore. And, like, I think James Wan is involved in this project, and I think we could get that with this film. Yeah. I think one of the biggest failings of Mortal Kombat being translated into any kind of a movie 
has been it's just been a little bit too plot heavy and they just need to really keep it simple like just establish a way that there's a tournament that these people are fighting and show us these fights and all their glory like i think there's just too much emphasis on this crazy not even in the video game trying to tie all the mythology together plot bullshit going on and every other interpretation of Mortal Kombat that I hope this can avoid and just deliver the goods. The first movie was that, in my opinion, as far as... It was, cl- it was the closest. As far as the tournament, but when you got into the second film with Shao Kahn, it, like, that second movie got into less of the tournament and more into, like, all that other shit. But the different... I mean, I agree with you. But the problem is, is the first movie, it did the right plot, but it didn't deliver the goods. Like, we didn't get the fights, like you said. We didn't get the fatalities. We didn't get... We got, well, we got, like, we got Scorpion ripping off... Not, yeah, we got Scorpion <laughs> ripping off the mask with the skull and and uh, trying to pull off the fire, but then getting killed right before that happens by Johnny Cage. Like, we, they tried to do the fatalities with that, you know... In that movie, I'm trying to think of like, you've got, I'm trying to think of some of the fatalities that we did get in that movie. Well, there was the really lame one with Goro and like the unnamed Earth Realm fighter that wasn't even based off a video game character. He's right. just like a red shirt. Yeah. And, and then you had the like very cheesy Shang Tsung fatality like line after that. Yeah, so. and, and that's what we're going to get with a PG-13 movie from 1995, right. right? So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, more video game news here from Deadline. Uh, this is ha- this has to do with the Halo series. We got some castings, more castings. We know that, uh, um, what's his name, Pablo Schreiber is going to be Master Chief, but we also got today or yesterday, it was Natasha McElhinney and uh, Bakeem Woodbine are set for lead roles in this series. Um, I am extremely excited to see both of these actors, Natasha McElhinney from uh, Californication, and of course, Bakeem Woodbine from Fargo, and he was also the uh, second shocker in uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, McElhinney is actually going to star as two characters. She's going to star as Dr. Catherine Halsey, uh, a... Uh, brilliant, conflicted, and inscrutable creator of the Spartan super soldiers, and she's the closest thing that Master Chief has to a mom, except Spartans were taken from their real parents as young children and turned into super soldiers. She's also the personality, she's going to play two characters, she's the personality that serves as the basis of the AI Cortana, which she's going to be playing. Cortana, the most advanced AI in human history, and potentially the key to survival of the human race. And um, we're going to have Woodbine is going to be playing uh, Soren 066, a morally complex privateer at the fringes of human uh, human civilization whose fate will bring him into conflict with his former military masters and his old friend, the Master Chief. So I... These are a couple great castings. Jake, I love what they're doing here as far as casting so far. Um, my biggest concern with this one is the director that they have now. I was very on board with this when when we got the announcement of Rupert Wyatt. 
He's the director for Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. He most recently directed Captive yeah. State. But they've got Otto Bathurst here. And he directed one episode of Black Mirror, which was the first one, the one with the pig. I believe it was called National Anthem, which is probably my least favorite episode of Black Mirror. But it's also... Well, I think it's... I, yeah, most people's, I think, right? It's, it's What's crazy about that episode is that it's a lot of people's least favorite, but in a lot of ways, it's one of the most memorable episodes, right? Yeah, just it's the first. No, because a guy has to fuck a pig, Jake. <laughs> I don't think it's because it's the first. I think it's because in the episode, the prime minister has to have sex with a pig. I think that's pretty damn memorable. That doesn't burn yourself yeah. into your memory. I don't know what will. I don't know what will, right? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. If that doesn't pierce Brown into your brain, I don't know what the fuck will. What a weird first episode for that series. I know. Not the best episode to start off the series if you're wanting to get people into it. Because, like, the rest of the Black Mirror stuff is absolutely fantastic. He's also directed three episodes of Peaky Blinders. He was the director for uh, Taron Egerton's uh, Robin Hood film. Uh, which was not great. We've got Kyle Killen as the writer and showrunner on this one. He, uh, he did NBC's Awake with Jason Isaacs, which got canceled after one season, which was actually not a bad show. I actually was enjoying that show, to be quite honest with you. But, um, I'm excited about the casting. Kind of worried about this showrunner a little bit and even more so worried about like Otto Bathurst who's directing at least, I don't know if he's directing all nine episodes. It's going to be nine episodes. Steven Spielberg's Amblin Television is still involved though, Jake. And, and he was once attached as, as an executive producer. I don't know if he's going to stay attached though. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, his name just brings a level of production to it that I think the show needs. Yeah. What do you think about these castings, though? Does that have you excited a little bit? Uh, I'm not the most familiar with these actors. I mean, the only one I've barely seen was in the Homecoming, and oh yeah, you, yeah. You, you, Homecoming's not going to excite. You got to see this guy in Fargo. Who did anybody watch Bakeem Woodbine in Fargo season two? Negative. Nope. Oh my god, you guys are worthless. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Fair enough. To mute I go. Oh man. You got do you like Noah Hawley? Do you like Noah? Oh no yeah, of course. Well then get on Fargo. Get on Fargo. Get on Fargo season two. Fargo season three. And oh my and I'm telling you, get on Fargo. Oh my god, fantastic. Bakeem Woodbine in Fargo season two. Absolutely incredible. Rebecca, you remember Bakeem Woodbine. He was in Overlord, do you remember he was like the uh, like the sergeant or something that dies in that movie? Do you remember him in yeah, the in, I, in the helicopter yeah. or whatever in the plane or whatever? Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, you don't you don't sound too excited about this guy. I'm, no, no, don't get. Me, I mean, I'm excited about the guy. I'm just not. <clears throat> excuse me, like the 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 video game aspect of it is sort of has me like yeah i get it a little ho-hum but like it doesn't mean i'm not excited <laughs> about like the casting of it because i mean a good show is a good show and like if the show starts up 
and people are like, oh my god, this is incredible. Like, of course I'll watch it and give it a try. Um, I just, it's hard for me to get excited about a property that I just don't know, like, anything about or have any connection to. All I ask is if you're excited for these castings. Yeah, I'm sorry. I gave you a lot more than you asked you did. there. You did. No, okay, I'm kidding. I get it. Video games, video game adaptations to, to TV, to film are, mostly pretty terrible and i i I get it like i love the new pokemon i thought detective pokemon was fantastic but those are few and far between that we're gonna get stuff like that have you guys uh heard about let's move on because i I really feel like i'm getting nothing i feel like you know what i mean i feel like you know like when you got a studio that's trying to squeeze a property to its last drop like we were talking about hobson shaw die hard i feel like i'm trying to squeeze something out of this halo thing and i'm getting nothing you know what i mean (laughs) Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's Halo, the TV show. What, what more do you got? Well, I mean, it's, it's a, it, Halo's a video game that I absolutely love, and I think that there's a good story behind there with the Covenant and with the Flood and with Master Chief and with Spartans and all. Jake, I think it's a good, I think it's a good story. I think, I think, you no, find- I, it just, yeah, it just, it feels like a little bit, the casting news is the biggest stuff we've gotten in a long time. Yeah. Since then, it's been a lot of spinning wheels. Yeah. yeah. And Brian, I'm right there with you. Like, I'm a huge fan of the series. Like, I grew up on those video games. Um, but I mean, as far as the TV show goes, I'm just skeptical. I'm like, I want it to be great. I fucking hope it's an amazing show. Yeah. Because I would love to get into this. But it's a TV show based off of a video game. Statistically, <laughs> success is like, the prognosis is. It's scary to me. So. I get it. I get it. I totally get it. And like we heard the rumors that Rupert Wyatt left over budgetary issues and them not putting enough money into this to make it something that's worth his while. So I, it's just a rumor. I don't know. And the show was originally slated for 10 episodes. Now they've dropped it to nine. That might also be part of the budgetary stuff. We'll see. Have you guys heard about Nicolas Cage's upcoming film, Primal? No. I feel like I have briefly. There's not a trailer or anything, is there? Last week I talked about Primal, which was the uh, new... Um, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, The Taranofsky yeah. cartoon. Yeah, exactly, which is uh, about dinosaurs and the caveman. This is also... But this is a live-action film with Nicolas Cage. It's also called Primal. This news comes from Bloody Disgusting. Uh, it's being called an indie high-action thriller. In the story, Cage plays a big game hunter for zoos who has booked passage on a Hispanic shipping freighter with a fresh haul of exotic and deadly animals from the Amazon, including a rare white jaguar. Two days into the journey, a political assassin being extradited to the U.S. in secret in the hold escapes. In the process... He releases the captive animals and throws the ship into chaos. Famke Jansen, Kevin Durand, and Michael Imperioli also star. So here we go. We've got Nicolas Cage. He's a big game hunter. He's a big... (laughs) I know. I know! This is snakes on a plane, but on a boat. That's what this is. It's not just snakes, though. This is Noah's Ark. This is Noah's oh, Ark's yeah. revenge I'll on a this boat. Movie. <laughs> this is Noah. This is Nicholas Cage. Nicholas play, Cage playing Craven 
on a boat and fucking Noah's Ark goes into chaos. Oh, oh my, my lord. And it's hard to say no. And watch this movie. there's a political assassin on this boat as well. <laughs> of course there is. Yeah, duh. <laughs> I don't know about you, and it's got it's got Famke Jansen in it. I'm dude, I am all about she's, this. She's the assassin a hundred percent. Dude, I am all about this fucking movie. I will put twenty dollars down right now that says the Jaguar ends up eating the assassin at the end. Mm. Oh, oh, I, I co-signed that 100%. It's totally going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I want this movie, like, now. I want to watch this movie today. <laughs> when does this come out? Hold on. It comes out. It's going to be released on video on demand. How the mighty have fallen. We got oh, there you go. You'll get it. You'll get it day on demand, then. Nice. It's cr- How the mighty. Nicolas Cage, huge star back in the 90s, right? Yeah, Oscar winning right oscar winner yeah. was almost superman was yeah. almost superman here is here is the video on demand november 8th everybody november 8th you're going to be able to watch primal you're going to be able to watch nicholas cage on a boat you're going to be able to watch him uh hunting uh a bunch of animals on a boat and uh going after a uh, political assassin here this sounds i i cannot wait to see this <laughs> fucking movie it sounds incredible yeah, I think the exact moment that did Nick Cage in was the Wicker Man with the bee shit. One hundred percent. You could pinpoint it all, dude. That exact moment, it feels oh, like not the bees, the bees. Oh my god! But it spawned a million memes, so you know I can't can't hate it that much. What? What's a, what's a movie that I really? I, he's been. He's the, did he do the? Was it the Weatherman? I like that one. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, that didn't help the cause though. I liked the Weatherman, and then I liked uh, what was the other one that I, I loved? That it was an eight millimeter. Oh yeah, it's twenty years oh, ago. Yeah. And then Snake Eyes was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the stuff that he did with Michael Bay. I'm a big fan of like The Rock. Oh, The Rock. Yeah, the Sean Connery. Yeah. Yeah, Nick. I might I still love, uh, what's it, uh, was it Leaving Las Vegas? Was that it? Yeah, I think that's the movie yeah. that he won the Academy Award for. Ah, oh, that's a great movie. Red Sonja news from Dark Horizons here, people. Millennium Films long in the works film adaptation, uh, sword wielding heroine comic Red Sonja got a shot in the arm back in June when transparent creator and afternoon delight director Jill Soloway came on board to pen and direct. Soloway is taking over from Brian Singer, whose status on the film was called into question in the wake of accusations of sexual assault and misconduct against him. The original plan was to shoot this year in Bulgaria, but that's off the cards as the project is still very much in development. This weekend, uh, while speaking to Deadline at the TCA press tour, Soloway discussed the project and sounds downright excited about it, saying she was very clear, she has very clear ideas about the tone, style, and what she wants to do with the property. She says, I can't wait. I'm super excited. I get to write it as well, which is really a dream come true. I know it feels different when you compare it to transparent, but for me, it feels just really very much like it's coming from the same place. I've never watched transparent. But, like, that quote has me very worried, like, she's a one-trick pony. Right? Yeah, I could see why you would think that from that. I'm sorry. I've never watched Transparent. But for her to, like, come at this project from, like, 
looking at it from what transparent is sounds like am i wrong to think that i mean that's isn't that weird i mean if that's if that's like her it sounds like she's approaching it as like this is my frame of reference which could be good or bad if she doesn't like in the sense of like I did transparent, so I feel like I can handle this movie or I'll approach it the same way. I I haven't seen transparent either. Like I don't know if it's any good. I don't know if it qualifies. I I don't know if it makes her a good choice for this project or not. Transparent is about an LA family with serious boundary issues have their past and future unravel when a dramatic admission causes everyone's secrets to spill out. Wow, sounds like a perfect fit for Red Sonia. Ugh. Ugh. Okay, I, I don't, I don't know that. The, the, I, I kind of, uh, I'm leaning towards what you're saying about that being tr- a troublesome quote. No, of her listen, feeling like, listen, I'm very excited that it's anyone but Brian Singer. Don't get me wrong, and I'm sure, ro- me I, too. I, me I'm, too. I'm rooting. I'm rooting for away. I, and I've never seen Transparent, which has a cast, like, it has a cast with people that I do like. It's just, that quote has me a little bit worried because, I'll be honest with ya, I'm a, I'm, I, I don't know anything about Soloway, but I do know a lot about Red Sonia, and I'm a huge fan of the property, and I want it done right. I want it done right. Like, like, um, I'm very happy that they did get a female director involved in this, but I'm also a little bit worried that they haven't reached out to people like Gail Simone about this project. To yeah. I, I think she would be great to talk about when it comes to this because I think that she understands the character. Um, it's just a quote like that has me a little bit worried when you're comparing it to something else that you've done in the past. She also goes on to say, I've, always talked about myself as doing work that attempts to heal the divided feminine in our culture. The idea that women get kind of chopped up into wife or other woman or good girl, bad girl or Charlie's angels or all the women on sex in the city. And this, and that this idea of the divided feminine means that women get like a small slice to be. If you look at transparent, it's really about a lot of women becoming whole all of my work is really about humans searching for some divine feminine, asking these questions about God and looking for meaning. So for me to transfer that into the world of Red Sonia felt incredibly natural because Red Sonia is a very different kind of superhero. She's not really typical. Now reading the rest of that quote, I'm like, Reading the rest of that quote, I'm like, okay, so she's basically not saying, like, this is based off transparent. This is just based off kind of, like, the big themes that women are dealing with in this series and how it applies to our female heroine back in this time in Harkania and how that works. And I'm kind of getting flipped around on this. (laughs) I, do you understand what I'm saying? Does that make sense? You, you know what the the second half of that quote says to me is that she's not going to put Red Sonia in a box of because we because Red Sonia can kick ass and kill people doesn't mean that she can't be feminine and delicate in a in a different way. 
And and that to me says that she wants to tell an intimate story about a woman who's multi-layered and multifaceted. Uh-huh. And and that makes me excited to see this movie. I'm rooting for her because I do like those quotes. I, I'm I'm one hundred percent in agreement with you. And she also goes on to say I can really have so much fun with Red Sonia. I see her a little bit more like the first kind of bad girl superhero, sort of like the Batman of the Dark Knight or Deadpool. You know, the world is changing so much right now for superheroes that I just really look forward to not only going to the edge of what I've ever written and directed before, but to the edge of the genre as well. So it sounds like she's really swinging for the fences. She's going to do something um, what has me excited about this is like I love Batman, like I love the Dark Knight that movie. I love Deadpool, and she's to even reference those, and then to also think of the to think about um, Red Sonia in those conversations in talking about Red Sonia being like I don't know, comparing her to those movies has me excited. Like those movies are great movies. Like, people love The Dark Knight. There's a lot of people that love Deadpool. And I want uh, Jake, Rebecca, mm. Leo, I want a lot of people to love Red Sonia because mm. I love this character. I love Red Sonia. I've been into, you know, I watched the movie when I was a kid with uh, Brigitte Nielsen, but I, I didn't, I, there was a long time where I didn't know anything about Red Sonia. But, like, back in 2012, I started reading like new Red Sonia comics and I've fallen in love with this character in the comics and I want to see a great Red Sonia fucking movie and um I am Rebecca I'm hopeful I'm hopeful I know you've yeah. read, I know you've read some of the recent comics that have come out as well and I'm hopeful by these statements I'm hopeful Yeah you know um the fa- like kind of it's interesting cuz that that whole quote from start to end was like a roller coaster of a ride it was like oh no oh wait a minute this is good and then which was like pretty funny uh, in in like retrospective but i feel like the things that she's referencing like she's referencing the dark knight she's referencing deadpool and then she's talking about women not being just cl- classified as to one type of thing mm-hmm. You know, I, that tells me that this movie is going to, at least in her intention, is to give us a Red Sonia that is multifaceted and she's not going to be afraid to show how tough she can be, but not going to be afraid either to show how loving she can be or how funny she can be or how raunchy and sexual she can be if she wants to. Like, that to me is an exciting female character because too often, like it is done that way, right? Oh, this is the good girl. This is the bad girl. This is the slut. This is the, this. And, uh, but (laughs) you know, she, she, but most people and women included in that are combinations of all those things. And so to see that in a movie makes me really excited. What we need, in my opinion, is for this director to show us the origin of Red Sonia, which I think is important. I want to see her as a child. I want to see her grow up, and I want to see how she deals with boys growing up. But I also want it to get to that point where 
when we're in the comics, by the time you're reading a Red Sonia, com- Red Sonia comic, when she's a full-grown woman, you are seeing men and women in absolute fear of Red Sonia. She is legend. She is basically the... The female Conan. And I hate even saying that. The only reason I say that is because more people are familiar with Conan. She is her own. Like, like, I'll be honest with you. Like, I'm a bigger fan of Red Sonia than I am of Conan. I really am. And I love what, um, uh, Brian Wood did with the Conan comic book series. I love what Arnold Schwarzenegger did with the, the, um, character in, in those films. But um, not so much Jason Momoa. But I am a huge <laughs> fan of Conan. But I, I I am a bigger fan of Red Sonia. And I want in these movies for this director to be able to get us to a point where it fucking will convince male viewers that watch this movie that men should fear Red Sonia. That men will call her the she devil. I want it to convince male viewers that when they watch this movie that she is a fucking badass and she is some, she is someone to be feared. So you gotta get the casting right, you gotta get the writing right, you gotta get the action and the choreography on point. It, it really, I really want her to be feared by everybody. And I want men to like watch this movie and be like, oh my god, she's a fucking badass at the mm-hmm. end of this thing. Cause I, I love the character and I want to see her done justice at the end of the day. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that one. I just, I, I just feel like a lot of times in some of these movies, like, you know, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know how to say it. Like, I feel like sometimes in these movies, they don't, they don't do a, enough setup to show you why this character is who they are and like mm-hmm. why they're deserving of this reputation. And like, I feel like Red Sonia throughout the comics has, as the more that we've read, I, more that I've read about her, the more that I'm like, oh my God, yes. Like anybody that goes up against her is going to, ev- they can defeat her one time, but like she's gonna come back. They're not gonna kill her. They're never gonna kill her. She's always gonna come back. And she's always gonna fight back harder. And she's always gonna take. She's always gonna take him down. Um, I don't. Uh, Leo, are you a fan? I, I know that Rebecca and Jake. I, this this next story might not mean anything to you, but like Leo, were you are you a fan of basketball at all? Did you watch any NBA basketball back in the day? You know, not much. I was always more of a football guy. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's not like I dislike the sport, but I didn't follow it closely. All right. Variety is reporting, and I don't know, maybe I'm just talking to our audience right now. This is maybe just a, a conversation between me and the people that are listening. Uh, Jason Clark is going to be playing Jerry West in HBO's 1980s Lakers pilot Showtime. So HBO is going to have a Showtime is, if you're not familiar with this, Showtime is the, uh, the nickname for the Los Angeles Lakers. They were Showtime back in the day. Um, it's Hollywood. It's Hollywood. And, uh, you, we were talking about, uh, you know, Magic Johnson, uh, you know, Kareem Abdul Jabbar, Pat Riley, um, uh, you know, uh, and uh it, it was showtime back in the uh, back in the 80s 
with uh, with with the Lakers. You had the best coach. You had the best players, and um, the pilot for this series is going to be based on Jeff Perlman's nonfiction book, Showtime Magic Kareem Riley, and. Uh, You've got uh, Jerry West. He joined the Lakers. He was a player back in the 60s. He was an all-star in all of his 14 seasons with the team. He retired in 74. Uh, he was then named head coach in 76, and uh, he held that position for three seasons. And then he went on to become a scout and then general manager in 1982. And this series is going to be about Jerry West and the Lakers and you've got uh, Jason Clark who's going to be uh, played uh, he's going to be playing G- uh, Jerry West the NBA logo are you guys familiar with that at least the NBA logo with the player yeah, yeah. for the Lakers yes well no yeah. for, for yeah. the for the NBA oh <laughs> yes no, the, the NBA <laughs> logo that has the player that's dribbling the basketball correct yeah okay, okay. the player in that logo is Jerry West. Huh. I don't know if you guys knew that or not, or if I'm blowing your mind. Oh, yeah, I had no idea. Yeah. I did not know that at all. Yeah, nope. you've got the outline of that player in the NBA logo dribbling the basketball. That's actually Jerry West. So, like, Jerry West is a big fucking deal in the NBA. And uh, that 1980s era of basketball was huge with Magic Johnson. You had Magic Johnson, like, his smile would light up the world. Like, everybody loved Magic Johnson. Um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, we're talking about this guy is the all-time scorer in the NBA. Uh, he scored more points than anybody throughout their career. And he did it with the skyhook. It was literally an unstoppable shot at that time. You're talking about, I think he was like seven foot three or seven foot four, and he was putting up a skyhook, which was like this arch kind of shot, which you couldn't block. If you're going up against a player that's seven three seven four, it was just just an incredible. Uh, yeah, fucking. Uh, he was in a uh, what, what what movie was he in? What was Cream in? Was, airplane, right? Well, he, airplane. The Bruce Lee movie. He was in the Bruce Lee movie, and then he was also he was a substitute teacher for Arnold Jackson in Different Strokes season is season five episode two. I think <laughs> I'm trying oh to remember. Goodness. Yeah. Yeah, uh, different strokes had a lot of uh, good athletes on that show. Uh, Muhammad Ali was a uh, guest star on an uh, episode of Different Strokes. Mr. T, Mr. T. Oh, was I a... remember that. I clearly remember Mr. T yeah. making an appearance on uh, Different Strokes. So is Muhammad Ali. But uh, I, I'm talking to the wrong people about this show because I'm super excited about this. <laughs> I am super fucking excited about this. Sh- um, Showtime coming to HBO, which is crazy because there's also another Showtime. Yeah, I'm telling you, Jake, that's where I was going. There's also another pay cable network called Showtime, but it's going to be on HBO and not Showtime. Showtime should be like, fuck this. We got Cinemax coming to Showtime. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> we got stars coming to crackle. <laughs> <laughs> We got Hulu coming to Netflix. There we go. It's crazy. Hulu's going to be that Don Ho's show, right? 
<laughs> oh, that's hula, hula. Hula. But I got the joke. That was a good you joke. got the joke. Thank you. I it understood was, the reference. It was terribly executed. Um, talking to the wrong people about basketball this week, but looking forward to showtime. Uh, it chapter two. Oh, we're gonna. I'm gonna wrap this up soon. It's getting fucking late. It chapter two. Did you see that? It chapter two. They're gonna be de aging the kids in this one, Jake. I did. Isn't that crazy? They're de-aging kids now? Yeah, it is wild. <laughs> They're kids. It's like you're already past your prime, getting the fucking out of, you know, work line and shit, and we're going to de-age you and we're done with you. Still kind of cool. I wish they could do it for Stranger Things, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> yeah, shit. I wish they could just fire the whole cast. You're crazy. Get the fuck no, out of here. I'm, I'm totally joking. Get out of here. No, I wish they could, like, if if Netflix could afford it, I wish they could de-age those fucking kids on Stranger Things. But anyway, they're de-aging <laughs> the kids in It Chapter 2 to look like they were when they first filmed It Chapter 1. Yeah, makes sense. I, I, think, they're, I think they're very serious about, you know, really making this as good as they can make it as far as, like, the logistics and the continuity when it comes to that kind of stuff. And they want the times to match up. So I think that's really cool. Um, you know, as long as it's not distracting, that that's the thing with this kind of stuff. Like if it works, it works and we don't even really notice it. But if I, if stuff looks wonky, then what's the point of even doing it? So hopefully, hopefully it looks good. I hope it looks like shit, dude. (laughs) I I feel like, um, Warner, I feel like they're Warner brothers, like, Warner Brothers has had such issues making big money with their blockbusters that the guy, I forget the director's name, making it too, but they're probably just giving him anything he wants at this point. What was that show? What was that show with uh, fucking uh, Harrison Ford's wife? What was that show back in the 90s? Uh, Harrison Ford's wife in the 90s. Uh, Moonlighting? What show is that? He was married to Sybil oh. Shepard? Oh, oh yeah, Allie McBeal. Allie McBeal. I hope that the, the graphics look just as good as like the, that little dancing baby oh they had in that God, show. Oh, my God, that dancing baby, that was – man, that thing was everywhere, and you look at it now, and those graphics are shit. Yeah, that was it like – It was creepy. That was creepy then. Oh, that it was, was always like creepy looking, like whenever like she'd see the dancing baby. Yeah. But like – I think now, like 2019, you look back on that show and number one, the show is like super dated now, but like those graphics are just like Did you ever see terrible. Like, that was like the world's first gift that was getting passed around. You know what I mean? It was. It was. Yeah, good, the good Dancing call. Baby. Yeah. Do you remember? That's what the Dancing Baby's from? Yeah. Yeah, it's from, from Allie McBeal. McBeal. How, That's fucking terrible CGI. That's awesome. <laughs> How fucking old are you, dude? CGI How old are you, Leo? How old are you? <laughs> I'm 29. Oh, fuck you. Oh, no wonder he doesn't know anything. Fuck he you. Exactly. Oh, oh, sorry, I'm 29, everybody. <laughs> no, I, I like, here's Thanks a, for at least apologizing. Here's, hey, Leo, here's the thing. I'm going through a midlife crisis, so fuck you. You're just going to have to deal with it, okay, Brody? I mean, I'm just being honest with you. I can so. counsel you through that. No, you, you can't. You're 29. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, did you ever see the Ally McBeal, the dancing baby, where the baby is drinking alcohol and pissing? all over the place. <laughs> I can't say that I have. You never saw that one? Wait. No, what? no. 
that was never in the show, was no, it? No, 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 like, no. Like, somebody like did that for Yes. It was never in the show. Somebody took the dancing I'm asking. I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm reacting in a way Shame, Rebecca. I, I yes. Know, I'm sorry. I know. I'm reacting in a way where you should be ashamed of the question. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Everyone gang up on Rebecca now. I like <laughs> You shut up, Leo. You're like 10. <laughs> the adults are talking, Leo. Just yeah, wait. I sit at the kitty table and yeah. let us figure this out. I'm yeah. going to just go get another sippy cup full of beer then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you tighten your bib there, you little prepubescent piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I will. I will, Brian. I will. I got a little angry at you the, at the, there, Rebecca. No, it was, it was – somebody took that uh, that gif. And, uh, they, they turned it into like the baby ha- holding the beer and, uh, urinating a lot. <laughs> That's awesome. It was hilarious back in the day. Oh my God. I don't know. What, what do you, you guys take your pick? Do you want me to like, like, I'm ready to end this fucking thing. We'll do one more segment. I, cause this has gone on too long. Do you want to, are do- we going to vote on the segment? Yeah. Hold on. Hold, chill the okay. fuck out, man. I'm going to, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Excited. You're no, you're like Pierce Brown, ready to fucking just attack my anus. It's crazy, dude. Chill the fuck <laughs> out, bro. We're gonna get there. All so, right, man. I said some red right. rising. I'm super aware of that idea. <laughs> uh, you get to choose Marvel news, DC news, or Star Wars news. Marvel news. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Hold the fuck on! I got everybody talking at once. You're like a drunk pissing baby. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Rebecca, well, what's apparently your... that's my age, so. All right, Leo, shut the fuck up, Rebecca. <laughs> I want to hear because we haven't heard any for a while. Uh, DC news. All right, Rebecca goes for DC. Leo, what do you want? Marvel news because that's my favorite of the three. Rebe- uh, yeah, Joe. Uh, Joe. Who the fuck am I saying? Joe. Joe. Who the fuck is Joe? <laughs> I'm drunk. Jake, your name is now Joe. <laughs> I'm drunk. Jesus, I like my name. For Jake. I meant to say Jake. <laughs> I'm going to vote for DC News for the sake of comedy. All right. We're going. Uh, thank you, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Joe. What you doing with that DC news in your hand? Here we go. (laughs) That's our new bumper for DC news. (laughs) It's a, it's a Jimi Hendrix, uh, DC news mashup. Thank you, Michael Cannon. Make it happen. Um, yeah, we got an idea of, uh, what, uh, Ben Affleck's Batman film would have been like. Uh, and I got this news from Dark Horizons. Famed cinematographer Robert Richardson has been out doing press rounds for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood this week. And he was uh, talking up the Tarantino movie during a chat on the Happy, Sad, Confused podcast. He also spoke about one other project he was previously attached to and ultimately had to ditch when it collapsed. Ben Affleck's The Batman. For a while there, Affleck was going to co-write and direct the solo Batman film, which he was expecting to have, uh, which was expecting to have him reprising his role from Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, Suicide Squad, and Justice League. The big difference was that he wasn't competing with other heroes for screen space. This was going to be his own pure solo Batman movie. Richardson was set to lens that version, which ultimately fell apart 
in development and Affleck exited the role. That version was abandoned in favor of a whole new standalone take with Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, Helmer Matt Reeves directing from his own script and Robert Pattinson taking on the part of the Cape Crusader. Speaking of Affleck's dismissed version, Richardson offered a glimpse of the premise. So here we got confirmation of what this movie would have been about. I wanted to shoot Batman with Ben because that was the next film we had. There was a script, but not a loved script. There was a lot of work he was doing to change it. He was going into the more insanity aspects. He was entering more into the Arkham. He was going into where everyone was bad. That's where we were going. I was very interested in that one. So basically this movie would have been, and I think this is interesting because like we've heard about Matt Reeves, the Batman, and there's been rumors about that movie and Arkham and all the villains and it's showing multiple villains are the rumors for that. Are they just bleak? Is this script bleeding into those rumors, Jake, Rebecca, Leo? It it just sounds to me like that's what we were going to get here. We were going to get an Arkham-based Batman movie with Ben Affleck kind of going insane here and going throughout Arkham and meeting all these different villains. And we're not getting that we're getting a Matt Reeves vision now but like i keep hearing like Matt Reeves Batman and all these different villains i i'm i'm wondering if like this script is bleeding into the rumors of Matt Reeves vision or i don't know i'm i'm curious it does seem like there's a lot of similarities so it makes sense why you're thinking that yeah i mean Matt Reeves you know i don't know man the- i uh... To be honest, like, I, I I think the idea that, like, this, that script with that Ben Affleck had about him going into Arkham and, and, like, kind of going insane and meeting all these, all these bad guys or whatever, um, that sounds like a really interesting thing. Like, I would have enjoyed seeing that. This thing with Robert Pattinson, I mean, maybe it's sort of just the idea of, like, there's people just like mixing up these two scripts and not not mixing them up like getting confused but like kind of just in the rumor mill just throwing out ideas from both scripts and because I really am not a fan of like this whole idea of like Pattinson being a younger Batman and meeting all these villains I think it would have been more interesting to see Ben Affleck as like the grizzled older Batman seeing or meeting up with all these villains at uh, a different point in his life. Agreed. Oh my God. Yeah, mm-hmm. Rebecca, I'm 100% like that, with that. That's yeah. a more interesting story to me yeah. of an older Batman going into Arkham and dealing with every crazy, insane, messed up person he's put back there than a younger Batman meeting up with all of these villains. I, I think that's a better story for an older Batman. I totally yeah. agree with you. Absolutely. Go ahead, Leo. Uh, no, I was just going to say, I think too, you could draw some really interesting parallels for there. Like if you have Batman kind of, you know, he's sort of losing it. And then you have like, you get this cool juxtaposition of between where Batman's at now and all the villains he's put away. And you can ask like a lot of cool questions with like, well, where is the line? Where is the difference? 
like between him and the villains, which I think the Batman story arcs have always mm-hmm. done a fun job of posing that question. But yeah, you you can't do that as well with the younger Batman. So I, I love what Rebecca's saying. No, I think it makes sense. I th- I do feel like the the rumors of this Arkham story that Affleck was coming up with are now bleeding into the Matt Reeves stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. We'll ultimately see like what villains Matt Reeves chooses for this. I'm excited for Robert Pattinson as Batman. I know that is not like a popular thing to say right now. But I think that a lot of people don't have the foresight to understand that this guy can fucking act and they just see him as the Twilight guy because they've never seen him in anything else. And to be quite honest with you, those people have probably never seen Twilight unless their girlfriends have forced them to watch it. Just being real here. Um, Robert Pattinson can act, people. He can. He can. So um, I'm looking to I'm looking forward to seeing what this guy does with the role. He's got the chin. Can't deny me that. Like, you, like you can tell me, you can, t- you can tell me anything else. You can say, oh, he's, he, or you can tell me the fucking dumbest fucking shit and say he's a sparkly vampire. He's just a sparkly vampire that hangs out with uh, Kristen Stewart. They're, they're, but you can't deny me the fact that he's got he, that, that he's got the Batman chin because he really mm-hmm. fucking he's got death. He death has the profile. One hundred. Yeah. Have, have you guys seen the trailer for his new movie with A24, The Lighthouse? Yeah, the one with, uh, what's his name? Willem, uh, Willem Dafoe. Yeah, yeah. That looks, that looks pretty intense. Like, I'm really excited to see that movie, and I'm interested to see what he does with the character. Um, it looks like it's really out there. Like, I think, I, I think for the people who are only, their only point of reference to Robert Pattinson is the sparkly vampire shit. Like you need to do a dive into his filmography. You need to see some of his other stuff. See, and I'm not saying Batman is like a quirky, weird character, but watch how he plays quirky, weird characters, because I think that that speaks to his ability as an actor to play dramatic, to play weird, to play funny. And yes, to play a brooding, sparkly vampire. Like you, you have to be able to act to play those different parts and play them well. (sighs) So I, yeah, I think you got to dive into his, into his filmography. I think he's always wanted to be a serious actor. And I think like, I think the fact that he was the, the twilight vampire yeah, of course it was a fucking paycheck. Of course he fucking took yeah. it. And if, mm-hmm. it, it got him some notoriety. But on the flip side, it's not like George Clooney is still the fucking guy that was on Facts of Life or the guy that was fucking just dating Jackie on fucking Roseanne season three or whatever the fuck. He moved on and did other stuff. Robert Pattinson can also do the same fucking thing. So let's watch what he does with Batman. I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna be better. I'm, I'm calling it right now. I'm putting my fucking finger out there, pointing towards the horizon like I'm goddamn Babe Ruth at the fucking batters. (laughs) And you know what I mean? Like I'm fucking at, uh, I'm getting ready to bat. I'm just saying, I think he's gonna be better than Affleck. I really do. At the, at the end of the day, I think he's gonna be better than Affleck. I think that, I'm not saying he's cut from the same cloth as Christian Bale, but I think he's gonna put the same effort into the role that Christian Bale put into the effort, uh, put into the role, and he could ultimately even be better than Christian Bale at the end of the day if we get the right director and if we get like the, 
if all these things come together, the right story, the right director, and then we get the best performance out of Robert Pattinson, I think like this could be something that's fantastic. And I'm not, mm-hmm. and I don't mm-hmm. know. At, at the end of the day, I could be 100% wrong because yeah, I get it. You had Christian Bale, you had Michael Caine, you had Morgan Freeman, you had Heath Ledger, you had Killian Murphy, and yeah, Christopher Nolan. I mean, you had some great talent involved in that Dark Knight trilogy, and it's it's going to be hard to stack that up. It's going to be hard for anyone to 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 make anything that's on the level of what we got from Nolan, especially like that. The Dark Knight is just beloved by so many people. It's, yeah, it's going to be yeah. hard to make a Batman movie that's going to be able to impact people the way. And I'm talking about now, nowadays, 2019, 2020, when this movie comes out, it's going to be hard to affect people in a in a day and age where we've got we're inundated with comic book movies. Guys, we're getting three Marvel movies a year, sometimes four, depending on if Sony wants to give us a Spider-Man movie. We're getting mm-hmm. so many different comic book movies. We're getting The Boys on Amazon. We're getting The Umbrella Academy on Netflix. We're getting so much comic book stuff. It's not 1989 where we're getting a Tim Burton Batman for the first time and everybody's blown away because this is nothing like my dad's Batman where I was watching Adam West and Burt Ward, which was still (laughs) something amazing for its day, which is something that I grew up watching and I grew up loving and that I have a deep love for. I'm just saying we are so inundated with comic book movie stuff these days that it's hard to make that impact now. So I don't know what the final product is going to be when we finally do get Matt Reeves and Robert Pattinson's The Batman. But you know what? I am not counting it out yet. Mm-hmm. And I'm not I, gonna, I hear you. And yeah. I'm not going to count it out, Rebecca, because this guy made a few YA vampire sparkly movies. No, I, I totally agree with you. Like, I get it. Like, I remember when they made the announcement. That's what everybody said. Not everybody, but a lot of people said, oh, my God, the guy from Twilight? Like, yeah, but, like, look at people like – and I'm not saying it's the same franchise or the same uh, feelings, but, like, look at um, look at Harry Potter, right? All those kids – we're in those Harry Potter movies. We watched them grow up in front of our eyes. And then as soon as Harry Potter was finished, all those actors, they distanced themselves from it. And they've gone on to do other things because they – because people gave them a chance and they uh, have shown that they could do other things besides playing a wizard at a school, right? So, like, Robert Pattinson, yeah, he took a role that gave him a lot of uh, eyes on him. And I'm not saying it was, like, an Oscar-worthy or a Shakespearean role. But at the same time, I think he's done enough stuff to distance himself to just not be known as just the Twilight guy. Nobody's given Leonardo DiCaprio shit for playing uh Fucking his character on the final season of uh, Growing Pains with Alan Thicke and Kirk Cameron. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's just unfortunate. Yeah, Twilight's just such a notoriously like hated movie by the people that hate it, you know. And maybe yeah. that's one thing that Patterson will have going for him is he'll he'll be used to kind of that toxic side of fandom that's just going to attack no matter what. So that's probably a strong suit to have going into uh, yeah. being Warner Brothers' next Batman. He's been doing a lot of indie stuff, Rebecca, 
Jake, Leo, that I don't think people have uh, the mass have been watching that they don't that they're not aware of. And even if they did watch it, I don't know if it would change their mind, if it would be something that they would care about. But I, I've seen this guy do some stuff post Twilight that is kind of just like I'm impressed by. I, I, I think he I think he can do this. I I really think that he when 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 he gets a like when Matt Reeves gives him his vision of this Batman, I think that Robert Pattinson is gonna run with this and he's gonna give us his best effort. And, uh, w- w- you know, win or lose, I think we're going to get the best out of this guy at the end of the day. And, um, I can't wait to see this. I'm, you know, I am a little sad. Rebecca, I love the way that you said what Ben Affleck's, uh, movie would have been like. And I, it wasn't Jeff Johns involved in that writing process as well. I believe he was. I, I think so. Yeah. I mean, this was, I, this was back when like, Warner Brothers was bringing in some comic creators to kind of consult, and I know Jeff Johns had a had, had his, his name was thrown around there. It's just such a shame because older Batman stories are really good stories, and and I'm not saying that like they're the only good stories, of course not, but like older, more grizzled Batman, you get some really really good stories and you know look at what like Snyder and Capullo did in 2011 when they wrote Death of the Family when they wrote Court of Owls you know Batman especially in you know Death of the Family you know he's got his son Damien he's got Dick Grayson is grown up Batman is older he's seen a whole lot more shit and then you get like the Joker coming back in this crazy uh, nightmarish thing that happens at Arkham Asylum. It, it, it's what I thought of actually when he when they said that in uh, Arkham. I I thought of Death of the Family and what I was a great, like such a like like I, I love Court of Owls, but I I did love Death of the Family. I it was so good. fucking staple face Joker the that fucking that bridge scene. Do you remember what oh. I'm talking about? Oh my well. Well, I mean, I just I just read it recently yeah. um, uh, for for Batcast, and so like reading it and w- reading what they did with that storyline. I mean, the whole thing is so cinematic to begin with, yeah, yeah. and I mean, you just th- that that bridge scene between Batman and the Joker, and especially with the Joker having disappeared for a whole year. I mean, you could do a lot with an older Batman. There's so many good stories to tell and you don't even have to put the Joker in it. Like it doesn't have to be Death of the Family. Like you don't have to have the Joker, but like having him at Arkham, can you imagine how exciting or cool it would be to see on the big screen like you see all these different, you know, rogues even if it's just for a few minutes. Yeah, it's the, the that pro- would be exciting. The problem with that though, I feel like is we get here's the thing here I'm being Soup Brian again, I guess. We get so many different, like, um, they introduce so many different villains that we haven't seen uh, before. Okay, so you're going to introduce Scarecrow, Joker, Clayface, Riddler, yeah, Catwoman. Yeah, I, I get it, yeah. And you're going to have to cast all these different actors, and then you're kind of locked into, like, any future movie 
that you're going to have to use the actors that you used in those scenes. And so you're going to have to do a lot of casting all at once. It just feels like a very daunting kind of like thing. Joker, the movie, Joaquin Phoenix, Jake, is it going to be an Oscar contender? Um, I would say potentially. Oh, come on. Don't put, I want a yes or no. I want to say, I want to, from what you've seen. I'm going to say no. And that's, discounting bullshit like costume design okay no that i'm talking i'm talking when i'm talking about oscar worthy i'm either talking about best film best screenplay or best actor those are the three those are the big including the bullshit categories yeah I'm not. Ta- I say I'm going to say no all right well i'm talking about big dick swinging categories leo Joker, Joaquin Phoenix, produced by Martin Scorsese, directed by Todd Phillips, Oscar contender? No, and I have a pretty, I have some strong feelings about the Joker movie, and no, just no. Rebecca, chances on Joker being an Oscar contender, yes, no? Not for the big three, no. I'm going to go against the grain. I'm going to say, yes, it does have a chance to be it. I think that, like, out of all the movies that we've ever seen that are Oscar contenders, I'm talking Dark Knight. I'm talking, and I know Dark Knight got one for Heath Ledger, but I'm talking about for best film, Dark Knight, Black Panther, Logan, I'm saying that Joker at the end of the day, I think that this is enough. From what I've seen from the trailers, I think that this, I think that the, this could be an Oscar contender at the end of the day for one of the big three. I'm thinking, I thinking it could. I'm really thinking it could. I think at the end of the day, I think this could be, I'm thinking this is so out of the box. I think this could be the comic book movie that, 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 that critics could just I like like this would be so highly rated from critics. This is gonna be something that people are gonna be talking about. It's coming out in October. People are gonna be talking about this. I really do think that this has a chance to do something special here. I'm gonna go against the grain. I'm gonna I'm shaving. I'm shaving in a way. I'm going against the grain. I'm shaving I'm shaving the wrong way, Jake. I could I could cut myself here. But I'm going I'm going against the grain. I'm saying yes it could. I and I mean that. I'm not just saying that just because you guys are saying no, I've made up my mind. I think like this could be. No, I I, I feel like the reason you asked the question is that you thought that yeah. it had a chance. Yeah, I really do. I feel like this has a chance to be. I'm not saying it's going to win Picture of the Year, but I think it, it could definitely be nominated. I think I think it could be a nominated movie for for Picture of the Year for 2019. So we'll see. You know what, guys? I want to thank Rebecca. I want to thank you for joining us as always. I'm. And we're keeping up, keeping you up late this week, and I want to thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, it's all right. Hope you had a good time. Probably didn't, but I hope you did. Your lack of response is telling me that you. <laughs> no, didn't. I, I said that was. <laughs> it's just that right. classic Rebecca moment. Did no, you? no, I, I did answer. <laughs> I said that was. It was all right. You kept me up late. You said it was all right. Wow, that's that's what every that's what every podcast host wants to hear. It was. It was all right. Well, it's okay. <laughs> It's all right. 
I was referring to ha- being up late. It's fine. I don't mind to be it's up late. It's fine. Jake, wow. Wow. Uh, okay. It's fine. It's very late for you to start this ridiculousness. You should have done this two hours ago. <laughs> two hours ago, it might have been great, but right now it's just fine. It's yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. It's how it goes. You know, I, that's why I got to check in at the end of the night to find out. You know what I mean? Like I, earlier, the I talked real, to, real. Uh, the real, real. Earlier, I talked about yeah, you filling out your Chris Evans comic card. Now I'm having you fill out the comic card. But how was your PCL experience? And you're like, it's all right. You know what? All right. You know what? All right gets me. All right doesn't get me a fucking raise, Rebecca. All right doesn't get me a fucking raise. All right gets me a fucking – that gets me a talking to by my manager because I was supposed to exceed your expectations on this episode. Didn't do that. So, yeah, I'm getting written up. I'm on I'm on a final warning right now oh because of goodness. you having an all right <laughs> slash – an all right, right. an all right okay. slash fine time on PCL. I, 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 don't <laughs> I, I don't know who your podcast boss is, but whoever they are, I'll talk to them and put in a good word for you. How about that? Yeah, that's all right, Rebecca. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Leo, I want to thank you for joining us on uh, your first episode. Is this your first podcast ever? Uh, you know, I did an episode with Eric Marable and I believe Brooke for Cause Buddies. Yeah. How did that go? Yeah. Um, I feel like I was much lamer then than I was tonight, which is saying something. So. Wow. You brought it tonight. I, I yeah. tried. And unlike Rebecca, I had a phenomenal time. You know, oh, thank you. You know what? If, <laughs> if, if oh, God. you said, I like it. You Bob, said Bob, you, Leo. I'll just Julius Caesar. Is Julius Caesar? You there at the end? Yeah, clearly. <laughs> if you would ask Rebecca like how you performed on tonight's episode, she would have been like, "Yeah, he's all right. He's fine. Yeah. <laughs> he's fine." Yeah. Middle fine. of the road taste it, Leo. He's yeah. fine. Yeah, Rebecca. Rebecca, there's a, there's a point in an episode. Rebecca, like she's had it with me, Jake. Right? You know what I mean? Do you ever yeah, get it's, that? Usually, it's usually the beginning. I love it. <laughs> There's like, there's like, there's like, there's this, like, there's this, there's this, because I love, I love Rebecca so much. There's this, but there's this, I love. (laughs) No, you're not lying. There is a point every episode where in my head I go, oh my God, this fucking guy. Why, why is he doing this to me? He asked me to come on. Why is he treating me I have a moment where I am fed up with you. I do. I know I'm you do. Lie. Oh, I it's love ev- it. It's once an episode. I we, love it. We're pretty much there right now. Oh, my so God. So pretty a- ready to say goodnight. Wow. Wow. And I, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I keep it going. And you know I what know I mean? He does. He keeps it going. I keep you it do. going. You do. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm like that little, I'm that little engine that could. Yeah, I'm like, you know what I mean? I'm gonna get up that hill, even if it's running over Rebecca. I and- know. Listen, it is one of the things uh-huh. that I truly love about you is that you have a, you have a, 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 <laughs> a bit, you have a thing that you do, and you stick to it, no matter what. No matter who you run over, no matter who falls to the wayside, you are going to ride that train to the fucking end of the line. Choo-choo, baby! (laughs) Choo-choo, motherfucker! Thomas is coming into the station, motherfucker! 
It is something I truly, truly love about you because you commit. <laughs> you commit to the thing that you are doing. And this is the and this is like the this is the most backhanded insult I've ever gotten, Jake. You oh. Brian, it's, it's, like, it's like Brian, Brian, Brian. This, I would take it at this point. You know what I love I, about you, Brian? Pretty good stuff. Is that you commit to being an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> you don't back down from it. You don't back down from being like the biggest you prick I've ever met. My entire no, life, right? You go out of your way to be a huge dick. <laughs> <laughs> Respect, you know. It's <laughs> you find a way to be that prick, and then you just don't let up. Conviction is a virtue. It's true, though. Like it's true. Brian finds the thing that bugs you, and he will just keep at it. Woo! That is it. Yeah. It. It's like I've got like the like you know like you know you're watching like a boxing movie. You know what I'm talking about? You're watching a boxing movie and you got like your boxer, you got Rocky, he's got his corner man Mickey, right? And Mickey notices like right now, like this guy, you hurt his rib. His rib is injured. Mickey's telling you to go back out there and punch that rib. You know what I mean? Attack yeah. that rib. Yeah. That, that yeah. rib is hurt. Like you guys are that damaged rib to me. And I'm going <laughs> to... You're, you're going to pierce that brown. Exactly. I'm going to go... I'm attacking that damaged rib this entire... Because I know, I know it, guy. I know it pisses you guys off. And I don't know. I shouldn't do that. Is that that's mean, isn't it? I'm a mean person. At this point, it's part of the show. It's, it's like it. Yeah. Trained. I love it. Yeah. I dig it. <laughs> Leo, you say that because you're only on here once every six years now. <laughs> Rebecca's been on here like 50 fucking times and she's like, Brian, Brian, dude, dude, I've had enough, man. Yeah. Calm it the fuck down. Rebecca's a for me, it's a vacation. Dude. For Rebecca, it's her fucking, like, Day to day. Rebecca's a, <laughs> Rebecca's a, dude, I'm telling you right now, Rebecca's a badass. Like, she can fucking, like, Rebecca, no, I'm telling you, like, Rebecca's a badass. So, like, she can handle her own. Like, I've heard her on other podcasts. She can handle her fucking own. She can fucking, Oh, yeah. I then, will, listen, I have called people out. Yeah. I, I have called people out. I told someone on the podcast once that he was mansplaining something to me. I had no problem saying that because he was at the moment. And I have told people, like, don't interrupt me. Let me finish what I'm saying. Because, I mean, if I don't stand up for myself, who the fuck will? Nobody. Yeah. Me. That's who stands up for me. Why do you think I have you on these shows every week? It, because I think that you do have a voice that's important. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I really do. That's like that. That's not sarcastic. That's serious. I'm uh, being serious. I have, to say, I have to say it because I am super sarcastic. So you don't think I'm being an asshole. No, I, I didn't get that from you. You know, that's the thing. Like, that's why that's one of the reasons that I have you on this show every week, because I fucking know that you're going to come in here. You're going to give you know, first off, you're going to give great opinions and. You're, I don't know, you're just real, you're true, you're genuine, and I value your opinion, and so, yeah, you know, but yeah, I feel like we can give each other shit, like, I love tonight your honesty about me, like, you hit that point where you're just like, I've had enough with this guy, and like, like, oh, I, yeah. like that, in a way, in a way, that's flattering to me that I've done my job, <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is fucked up. <laughs> well, I, I like how 10 minutes ago I hit that point and we're still recording. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, too, I'm too nice to hang up. So. Leo, 
Leo, I want you to give me a woo, and we're going to wrap this shit up, dude. Woo! There we go. Leo, thank you so much. Leo, are you going to come back? I am fucking going to come back every week from here to kingdom come. Fantastic. Brian said six years, dude. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so I'll come back six years from now. Yeah, we'll see you in 2025. You know, um, just like all good leftovers. No, seriously, Leo, we're going to have you back. Thank you, everybody, (laughs) for listening this week. Uh, just like all good leftovers say in their doggy bags, thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next, uh, see you next week at episode 296, four away from fucking 300. See you next week, people. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. It's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Be sure that the only talent is the band that's singing. That is pop culture leftovers. Original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft. And we're the shaft, the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and take it. Do we love it? Hey, let's race it, clean erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture push over pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. And the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.